thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Welcome to NLS round number four, the DMV Grensland Rennen, and always a different field of cars. 146 coming out to play today, but already I haven't even started to about talking about the possibility of changeable weather because it's beaten me to it. It was a damp track for qualifying, and that certainly made it interesting for the runners because for the ladies and gentlemen out there competing. They haven't really had much rain to contend with. The start of one race, it came down on the outlap, but uh, really, it's not about qualifying. Get yourself near the front of the grid. It's a four-hour race. Peter Snowden joining me, Bruce Jones, all set. Bruce, morning. Um, yeah, you've been... Um, I, I think you've sort of beaten it into submission because you've been talking about it for the first three rounds of the changeable. That's been our, our most used word, I think. And it's about this weather going to be changed, what's going to happen, Eiffel Mountains, got its own microclimate, bit like Spa, not so far away, etc., etc., it didn't happen in one, didn't happen in two, didn't happen in three. Plenty of excitement on track, but not up in the skies. Today, as you said, it's beaten it, beaten us to it and delivered a wet qualifying. And we've seen that in the Times, haven't we? Well, I think what it's thinking, that the, the mighty god of Eiffel weather is uh, these drivers are getting to know this track a little, really quite well. Of course, we had the delayed start to the season and the race has been coming at us thick and fast with a doubleheader weekend uh, just a few weeks back, rounds two and three. But uh, I must say, the level of driving this year the level of preparation, the level of everything has just gone up and up. I'm not suggesting we start all of our seasons in sort of early summer. We quite like starting in spring in the normal world. But uh, for the teams, they've had a lot to think about. Get it? You know, what they could do. And of course, really, uh, the organisers of the NLS, massive applaud to them. They made it all happen with their very clever refuelling system and pit work system where... We're in two-thirds of it. It's in the paddock behind the pit buildings. Absolutely. I'd say level of organisation uh, to, to facilitate this and put it on the logistics. Quite incredible. And I'd say we're not talking small races here where we've got 20, 30 cars. We're talking nigh on 150 cars, 146 today. Yeah, that's a lot of cars, personnel, crew, whatever you want to call them, to to literally sort out the logistics. As you say, this wonderful paddock system where we've got this, what we call the shopping mall, the one-way system with the roundabout at the end made of tyres. Makes it sound very amateur. I don't mean that at all, actually, but it is It is there, the little carousel of tyres. Uh, they go around. But it is quite extraordinary watching uh, race cars go the opposite way past a concrete block in the paddock as they get to their crew, service, come out and then come to the pit lane, get fueled for the top SP9 category cars and go out to the pit lane. Those cars are appearing in the pit lane now, all on their uh, little trolleys to keep them going, getting ready out there before we start to do our grid walk. Well, but I, I, I think the world sort of watched, the motor racing world, a lot of people were planning to have races with 20 or 30 cars for their championships later in the season, but they saw it could work with 150 cars. Through intelligent thought, people really thinking, how can we do this? They made a system that work, and uh, it was great. The racing has been relaunched. The first race we had was the 27th of June. Then we had the, the double header, 11th and 12th of July. Now we're back here in August, so they thought, high summer. But alas, it, uh, there was a message at the end of the pit lane, lights on when the cars went out in qualifying. And it was, how wet was it? Enough not to be able to see the cars down the start, finish straight. Just what you want when you're heading out on 24 and a half kilometres of the finest racing circuit in the world. It was properly wet, Peter. Well, I, I love your, your, I'm going to call it almost conspiracy theory, but your theory that the drivers have got too used to it after three three 
four-hour races at it. They've had plenty of time on there. They've had 12 hours of track time plus qualifying. So let's change it. Let's mix it all up a bit and make it a bit more interesting now. And they're falling into habits. I just said grid walk, didn't I? Of course, there isn't a grid walk at the moment under our COVID-secure um, conditions, guidelines. There is no grid walk. So uh, cancel that. There isn't. All the crew will go out onto the grid. And it's uh, slightly strange, as you said at the first round, Bruce, that we're used to looking down the grid uh, from whatever position we've got and seeing lots of activity. And as you said, it was if you saw a door of a car open, you're like, oh, there's a car amongst all the people. Now it's the complete opposite. It's cars, all you can see, and less personnel. So it's a, it's a very, very different world. But one thing every team manager will say, we'll come on to the subject of tyres in a short while, is when you add in qualifying, do the lap, bring the car back. There were quite a few spinners <laughs> this morning, but it must be said in qualifying, there was plenty of provocation, plenty of opportunity to do that. But the star of the show, the Get Speed Performance Mercedes, number 23, and uh, Fabian Schiller, the, the, the hired gun in that team, did exactly what he uh, needed to do. And the car looked really fantastic. And um, those watching in colour will see it has a new, a new livery for the weekend, uh, red and white. But anyone watching the live footage of qualifying, you'll see GT3 cars sideways, which isn't the way you normally see them. But certainly some of the press-on drivers like Nicky Katzberg in the uh, Rover Racing uh, BMW really, really hanging it out there. It shows how much it mattered to everyone. But when the chequered flag fell, uh, the quick-looking laps from Fabian Schiller were exactly that. How much faster than the rest? best of the rest? 5.5 seconds. But it was very, very wet. So he'd taken risks. Others not so much so. And KCMG, they put the first of their Porsches up onto the outside of the front row. In fact, we've got three makes of cars, the top three positions, Mercedes, Porsche and BMW. I must say, and also in sixth place, we've got a Lamborghini, four makes in the top six. It really has been a feature of the NLS, Peter. It, it certainly has. And you're just saying there about the cars being sideways. It's, it's a paradox for the drivers and the teams because uh, going sideways is, is, the theory says it's wasting time. Uh, the driver's enjoying it enormously. Uh, and to have some of these lovely GT3 cars here, just, just a little bit drifting, a little bit sort of, I hesitate to use the word floating in such conditions because it seems really obvious, but literally that just sliding down a little bit, just a, it's a little bit more fun, but of course that's not the theory, unfortunately. It's not what the data tells us, not what we're supposed to be doing, but it doesn't wear out the tyres as much. No, indeed. It, more <laughs> even wear, but in fact, I'm sure Nicky Katzberg, who did a fabulous drift through the, the sort of final chicane onto the start finish straight, did it because he knew that's where one of the cameras is looking. Hey, look at me, friends. <laughs> Why not? And in fact, they ended up as... Uh, pointed out in third place in their Rover Racing BMW. All Dutch crew this weekend. Nick, Steph Dusseldorp coming back to join Nicky Katzberg. And uh, quite a lot of variety in the field as well because uh, we've got new faces in new places. Garage 59, we're accustomed to seeing them racing around the world in um, GT racing in the GT World Challenge. And mm. Alexander West and Chris Goodwin, all eyes for them. They're entering the Nürburgring 24 hours. They're not going to be in a G GT3 car, which run in the SP9 class. Uh, in this championship, but they're, they're putting their toe in the water in a GT4 Aston Martin Vantage. And, um, and they're, they're toe in the water, well, that was the operative term this morning. Ab absolutely, and there aren't many seasons where Chris Goodwin hasn't been racing something in the last two decades, ever since uh, he was picked up by Ron Dennis, wasn't he? He was, being, he was uh, an instructor at Brands Hatch and doing fast laps, and apparently Ron Dennis said to him, you're, you're never going to make any money doing this, why don't you come and drive for us? And uh, uh, what, what a lovely conversation to have when you're approached by somebody like Ron Dennis in, in that position to be able to to make a career for himself. And here he is out there now, say, in an Aston this weekend. Well, those McLaren ties, I think they came to an end at the yeah. end of 2018 last year. It might have even been two years ago now uh, with Aston Martin. But really with Garage 59, and particularly with Alexander West, the sort of very English-sounding Swede, <laughs> um, they do a lot of racing. And, you know, 
Alexander's got a really clear idea of what he wants to do when I met him a handful of years ago at the Spa 24 Hours, and he's come on in leaps and bounds, and certainly tied in with Garage 59 and with Chris Goodwin, always there with advice. You know, that progress continues. They won't be fighting for overall honours today because they're down in one of the other classes. They're racing in SP8T, uh, only a four-car class, but they're up against um, quite an interesting entry, the Vulcan Horse Motorsport BMW M4. That will always go well with young BMW drivers, Dan Harper, Neil Verhagen and Max Hess, three nationalities of drivers all showing a car. That's not unusual. In the early days of the uh, NLS or the VLN, as it was known for many, many years, it was enormously Germanic with a few guest drivers. But now, particularly at the top end, it's almost, it's almost impossible to find a car that doesn't have at least two nationalities in. But as the ante gets raised and we start focusing towards Nürburgring's biggest race of the year, the 24 hours, the calibre of the entry, we noticed this particularly in the second and third rounds. A few more, what, what we can call them, international pro GT races were here to play at the very front end. But perpetually, that is still the mix. We've got the Pro-Am class in SP9 and the Am class. And um, it's great to see, in fact, the Pro-Am, best of the Pro-Am cars, is knocking on the tail of the pro class, really. Tenth overall in qualifying. Lorenzo Rocco di Torrepagida. I just have to say that name. It's such a fabulous name. Not very good for sign writing. It takes quite a, a long time to do that. But uh, going well. Showing that with Marco Holzer and Patrick Kolb. Tenth overall. So that's a good job. And let's face it, Snowy, this morning, um, the, the conditions were, were there to trip you up rather than to help you. I, quite evil around this circuit in a, in a GT3 car. If you're going to be anywhere in the wet, and, it's, it, and it was, as you say, properly wet. I don't know that horrible sort of drizzly, halfway, greasy or whatever. It was proper, proper wet. Um, can't go into round four without mentioning rounds one and three, where on both occasions the winning car hasn't been the car that's classified overall winner. Um, I was championing the cause of the Ferrari last last time because uh, it just was quite amazing doing an extraordinary job. And they got up there and indeed did actually uh, win it on track. Uh, unfortunately, just a few hours later, that car was then uh, disqualified for um, a left rear tyre not being the correct compound and not declared which was a great shame because it was a I think you said it was the first Ferrari win in the Nordschleife for three years yeah for, uh, for three years um, I, I Octane think car unfortunately it's not with us this weekend no so. well but, but what, what I love is the fact every time I look at the screen or look down the entry list there are new entries very smart Aston Martin entered this weekend car number 176 first sight of that uh, pro sport racing Guido de Marais and Alexander Walker and uh, it's amazing how I had to actually squint at that to, to work out, was it indeed an Aston Martin? It's funny how different liveries can really change the shape of the car. This one is white with sort of dark green flashes on its side and a red roof, but quite hard to pick out in the spray. It, it's quite from quite a different period, that livery room, isn't it, almost? It's almost from the 1970s sort of styling. As someone who is very, very fond of Aston Martins, the fact, <laughs> the fact is, I, I looked down the pit lane and when it was in the background, I thought, is that... Oh, I almost can't say this, but I'm going to. Is it a Chevy Camaro? It's because oh. they had a, a, the, the grill they carried on the livery around the it's side. That, it's that catfish grill that, yeah, exactly. uh, it, that, that does, does divide opinion. There are, there, are, there are different options available now, apparently. And uh, I'd, I had a conversation with Marek Reichman about that, who's a stylist. And it's, a, it's a very interesting one, but uh, for off-air. For off-air? <laughs> yes. Very good. That works well on radio. <laughs> Come on, dive in there, Peter. But what, what we need to tell you now is the race is going to be starting in uh, just over half an hour. And the track is its no longer raining. The track is dry, but with damp patches. Is that your assessment? And certainly what we're seeing at the moment, they're in the Grand Prix loop. And obviously you get more wind on the track there to dry it out a bit. But certainly there'll be little patches and uh, 
Famously, we all know, ladies and gentlemen, that water sticks in curbs for people to drive over and then go, ooh, there was grip on the track. That's not now because I'm spinning. But um, I think predominantly we'd say it's a 95% dry track. But it's a grey day, so who knows what's coming. Yeah, it's, it's, it, we'll see when we get a bit further around on the, on the green flag lap. We'll get a, a better view of all of it. I just imagine just like anywhere on the Nordschleife, there's going to be various dips are going to be very, very different down in the dips, etc., etc. We've got the group two cars lining up uh, on the left-hand side coming off the main uh, circuit onto the Grand Prix loop as the grid starts to form up. Um, I've got a feeling that, uh, not, not, uh, dis not disagreeing with you completely there, Bruce, but I think the Grand Prix track looks fairly dry. I think the Nordschleife itself might be a little bit different. OK, well, the Nordschleife... Uh, of course, I'll be proven completely wrong no, no, into that. But, but the Grand Prix section is at one of the higher points on the circuit. One driver change that... Uh, we often get last-minute driver changes. The number 30 Frikadella racing team, Porsche. We knew that Jeroen Blakemonen was coming in. He was entered alongside Klaus Abelen, but they've upped the ante. And the late moves brought in one of my favourite racing drivers, Maxime Martin, a really, really hard-racing Belgian. And over the years, I, I must say, you, you give Maxime a challenge, and he's going to go for it. You get him in traffic, absolutely mightily. Doesn't wait for the second opportunity. And when you're racing in SP9 class cars or in the GT3 round the world, the increments between cars are absolutely tiny. So to make any moves, you've got to really, really be on it. So look out for that. That's qualified fourth fastest. Um, but just to reiterate, the pole position is the get speed performance Mercedes by five and a bit seconds. But that is irrelevant. That was qualifying. That's out of the way. It's just giving it grid position. But the KCMG Porter alongside, very tasty driver lineup. Dennis Olsen flying Norwegian, Josh Burden, Australian, gaining more and more experience in Europe, and Eduardo Liberati. So that is probably a drunk, definitely, I would say, a stronger drive, driver lineup than Fabian Schiller, Janine Hill, and John Schofner. No disrespect meant, but uh, the pole-sitting car, that very much was Fabian's time. As you said, it's become, becoming multinational, this, isn't it, at the front end? We've got some of the lower classes where the championship is won from, and some of the smaller BMWs, that's very still much domestic championship, a lot of German cars. But as you said there, just looking at those top 10 cars uh, and drivers' nationalities, American, Australian, Norwegian, Dutch, Belgian, etc., etc., the list continues, quite extraordinary. Maxine Martin, you said there, um, there are some people that we've, we've seen before, we've witnessed it, where they're utterly decisive in traffic. I think he takes it to a different level, and he's ruthless. Oh, in a completely fair and completely it, professional yep. way, but he is he is utterly ruthless. There's no second chance. There's no wavering, no hesitation. And sometimes, actually, we've, we've seen it before, we've witnessed it before with him, that you don't think there's a gap, and he seems to kind of create one, almost like the parting of the waters. He sort of creates one, and away he goes, and you think, actually, it just looks so neat, so professional, so clean. What did he see that we didn't? Maybe he's got second vision, I don't know, but he, he is well known for that. Yeah, and, and I a mean, pleasure and a pleasure and delight to witness. But also, also the thing, the thing that always strikes me is the Bentley Continental. It's been such a popular car in GT3. It never looks small. So to see him taking one of the largest looking cars in the field up past uh, rivals competing with different cars around them, you know, it just emphasises the point. But anyhow, let's see how he gets on. And uh, for Jeroen Blakemolen, you know, that's a really, really strong driver lineup. And Jeroen knows this circuit super, super well because Jeroen. It's one of those drivers who literally will be driving something every weekend of the year, if possible. It doesn't matter which continent, he'll be there. So this year, he's, you know, you can imagine he's had his number of drives reduced by about 80%. He must be a horrible man to have at home. <laughs> Most racing drivers are, apparently. Yes. When's yeah. the next race? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that, that Bentley, as you say, though, what, what a, almost a contradiction of terms. A, a luxury car on the road that 
turned into one of the most successful racing cars. Uh, quite, quite incredibly saying, GT racing being quite, quite something. Um, great in British GT and worldwide. Wonderful car to see out there. I, I, think, I think that's been one of the beauties of SP9 class. It is, is simply that with performance adjustment and, and, and balancing, you get a lot of makes of cars. And I can't think of that many series where you get four makes of cars in the, in the top six positions. So that just reiterates the point. Talking about the car in sixth place, which is the Conrad Motorsport Lamborghini. Last time out, Marco Mapelli, sort of works Lamborghini driver, if you will, uh, dropped in and really gave that a boost. This weekend, it's They go well, but the Conrad Motorsport car has promise. Always has promise. I said that. It had extra promise with uh, Mapelli, who just took it up right to the sharp end of the field in the early stages of the race last time out. But... Um, Today, let's see how they fare. Mapelli is not here unless he's the super last of the late breakers. He's not on the entry list for qualifying, though, so one presumes he is elsewhere. But uh, the Ma Conrad car in the aquamarine and black livery that's been famous in France's team for all about 30 years now. We'll see how it goes. And I just finger, just join, cross my fingers that they can join the dots to get a good result at the end of it because it's shown fabulous flashes of speed. Absolutely. I, I, I still think of those Maserati MC12s in that colour. Uh, that, that, to me, that's synonymous with that. It's just mm. maybe just when I was racing, but it's, uh, it's that car. That was a car that came along and changed, moved the benchmark completely along with the 550 Ferraris when they came out. It just moved everything up a bit. And it's, uh, I, I remember well being at a particular race when we said it was uh, the end of the race. And somebody said, well, that's, that's not the end of the race. That's Ferrari o'clock. <laughs> As in, that was, it was the beginning of, that was the new thing from ProDrive, and the Maseratis did the same. And uh, these AMG Mercedes at the front of the field now, these GT3s, they're, they're quite incredible pieces of kit. The Get Speed cars, you say, they're uh, on pole position by a stunning five seconds for the moment, but it was uh, extraordinary condition, so I'm not sure how representative that is really of race pace. Uh, we will see. Uh, the Vulcan Horse Motorsport car with uh, Christian Krohn's David Pittard and uh, Mikkel Jensen in seventh, which is... A little way down for that car from since the beginning of the season. That won, it's the, won the first round, didn't it? It didn't win it on the road. The uh, Mercedes won it, but uh, that car actually got to take the position in the end. Uh, David Pittard has been doing some extraordinary opening stints uh, in this car, and closing, actually, in these first two rounds, in one and three, I would say, especially. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's in that car first, straight away. That's uh, that seventh. And we've seen, haven't we, Bruce, that at the start of these races, that we, we've said it that discretion the better part of valor and all that and racing drivers being racing drivers and it's a four-hour race and we we wax lyrical about it sitting in a studio and then people get in the racing cars and you sort of go out there and you're given instructions and they think yeah do this do that and it's a four-hour race mustn't do this mustn't do that as you said one of the absolute house rules of gt endurance racing is bring it home hand it to your teammate and then the lights go out and something changes in the brain and they get to the first corner and there's cars all around you and they don't get scared, they do the quite the opposite. They try and find ways round people through, gaps forcing the way. Uh, and it's just, we've seen it, haven't we, every single start of the race. But I, I think one of the things is that natural driver's inclination to gain at least a place. I've got to get one, got to get one. But of course, that's on the Grand Prix loop, where there is space. They're definitely in their mind is once I get to turn left and the next corner I see is the start of the hats and backs, it's a lot harder to pass. But it's, it's the best opportunity of, of, course of, of the day, of the four hours. Ironically, is the first. It's, you don't get any points for it. You don't win anything for doing it. But you're absolutely right. It's that mentality of that's your opportunity, the whole grid's together. And we'll see it all down the groups, down the field. They'll all try and do exactly the same. doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's the top group or the second group or whatever. It uh, doesn't matter if it's uh, M235Is or whether it's... 
GT3 cars, exactly the same mentality, because it's all relative. Lorber trying to do it and that. And that first corner, you've got a long drag down. It's a rolling start. You've got a long drag down, drops downhill, tight right-hand corner with quite a bit of runoff, which we see used considerably, but into a stadium, into the Shell Stadium there. And there's quite a dip into that corner as well. So it's a real arrive, downhill, stop, turn, almost reset and go. So that's the opportunity to find a bit of space. And um, some people fav favour the inside to try and dive down the inside. Some people try and go around the outside and take the long bit. Of course, you've got further uh, distance to travel then. But we've seen, we've seen different people capitalise in different ways at the start of each of our three races so far. No, exactly. And I, I think uh, they know that there's... The tableau in front of them the scenario can change in an instant so what you think is plan a you have to go to plan b but today they have to bear in mind they went out on the track it was very wet this morning it's probably a dry track but only just now but i think the first corner looks all right there is the space let's just run down the grid just to re refresh actually let's explain if you just turned on to rs1 to listen or live on the streaming and have never seen a race to the NLS. Let me just throw some numbers at you. 146 cars, is that enough to entertain you? <laughs> 24 and a half kilometres, that most certainly is. And um, the grid is split into three batches of cars, effectively about 50 cars apiece, but uh, they will be set off at gaps with the slowest cars setting off last, which does mean fairly soon into this four-hour race, uh, there will be overtaking as, as the front runners come through at... Uh, considerable pace advantage over the slowest cars at the tail of the field and um, that makes it very very exciting particularly if the lead battle is very very um, tight at the time because uh, the back markers very much have a role to play and Peter spotted something he wants to tell me about. Well just interesting there the, in, in the SP8 category in the number 128 Audi R8 LMS from Gitty Tire Motorsport um, had tyres put on in the pit lane came out to the grid and has changed, by only going around the GP circuit, it's changed to slicks on the grid. Okay. Just had a set of slips put on that, which is interesting. That might uh, uh, validate your comments of the circuit being dry. And that's only the Grand Prix circuit. I just hope it isn't, as I said. Well, Get onto the, onto the Nordschleifer loop and all of a sudden find it maybe wasn't slicks. Now, of course, at most circuits, you could go somewhere and have a camera that's pointing at most of the corners. Here, an awful lot of the corners around the Nordschleifer do not have a camera on them. So there could be stretch of circuit that could be two or three kilometers long that is still properly wet i don't think there will be but they don't know so all set it's been a wet morning at the nurburgring on the nordschleifer ahead of the fourth round of the 2020 championship it's been a, an enthralling year and Yet again, the race is packed out with new faces coming into play with new cars because we always have experimental classes as well in the NLS. And we've got other drivers who are starting to come and play because they're, they're entering the 24 hours of Nürburgring later this year and they're determined to get their eye in. And the, really, track time on the Nordschleifer is never, ever wasted because it's not just the, the 24 and a half kilometres, it's the permutations. And uh, as you know, Snowy... You need to just have the latest experience, just the confidence and restoring that muscle memory and all the things that go with familiarity. Uh, absolutely. And it's, uh, I think we used a phrase last time, Bruce, didn't we? That um, for the teams, whether they're, they're crewing a car, set up, strategy, all the drivers, and it is very much a team effort, never stop learning. Uh, if you're into the NLS almost, but it's ne never stop learning, NSL. But as you say, so many permutations. Nor normally, a circuit lap is around about one and a half minutes. 
most most circuits. One and a half, two minutes, about a lap time, roughly, the world over. Bit of a generalisation, but you get my point. Here, it's so, so different. You've effectively got two circuits joined. You've got the current Grand Prix circuit and the old Nordschleife. Put the two together, we get our 24-kilometre circuit. Weather, undulations, contours, technical bits, fast bits and slower traffic and it doesn't take that long we've got three groups of cars setting off here at different intervals it doesn't take long for our top group of cars to suddenly catch up with those and all of a sudden you say something can change in an instant when almost actually a driver doesn't lack concentration but you get into a rhythm you're sitting there and all of a sudden some you come across one two or three slower class cars all doing their own thing of course they're probably going for the championship at one category at least and they almost try and keep out of your way and you must don't want them to keep out of the way doesn't stay where you are we can get past you were saying but maxime martin absolute uh, uh just a, a proficient just amazing the way he deals with that kind of stuff but it can all change you can never never ever relax in here and also most races are hour and a half what have we got here four hours of this Four hours shared between set the scene enough. <laughs> two drivers, three drivers, or four drivers. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we have a sliding scale of times. We won't talk about it in the first half of the race. Uh, pit stop times. <laughs> I've got the chart out. Peter's now starting to quake at the thought. There's a sliding scale of how long you have to be at a standstill according to well, that's when. Good, but that's because you put it, you display it there and then ask me the question. And the, and the font is so small, I'll have to squint at it and put my glasses on and read it for you. And you're sitting there like, like the head teacher, that expectant look of, come on, Snowden, what's the answer? Yes. <laughs> come on, Snowden, have you got eyes that still work? <laughs> Use that. But anyhow, we'll get to that later because... Uh, if you, if you take your pit stop really late in the race, you don't have to stop for as long as if you, you make it earlier. But you've taken a risk and a gamble. And maybe use safety cars if we have any safety car periods. Uh, so, so you know, talking safe... Sorry, go, go on. Go, I was just going to say, with grey clouds today, more chance that we could have the sort of arrival of weather that trips people up. Uh, we largely use slow zones, and it's used incredibly well around the Nordschleife. But... Uh, you know, well, it's another factor in, in an event that has many, many factors. Four hours of racing on a regular racing circuit would throw off enough variables, but put it around the Nordschleife and you have to think on your toes. You have to have a team manager who can assess and a driver who can give accurate information, process it and come out with a sensible result. But they have to make a decision. And that's the really key bit. And that's where the, that's where the teamwork really comes into it, because you've got to have that driver, as you say, assessing the car under him, how it is what it feels like, what the circuit's like, is it changing, is it not? Reporting back on the radio and then the team manager making a decision and the two of you agreeing and, do, and that's what can make all the difference to a race. It's a grey day, but the grid is clearing. All personnel heading off, orange-jacketed marshals guiding them away from the cars. Now we can see the cars in their beauty, but headlights are on. It's a dark day on the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Sunny day. If you're a fan of the Get Speed performance team, white and red. That's the split livery on number 23 and Fabian Schiller. I'm just going to say this again. On pole by a mere 5.445 seconds. Mighty performance. That was in full wet. There's a KCMG Porsche alongside. One of two from the team based out in Hong Kong. And they, they are really putting a lot of effort into this. They want the big one. They want to shine in the Nürburgring 24 hours in a couple of months' time. But it must be said... This championship in its own right, the NLS, each year it gets bigger, it gets better. Or, or shall I say it gets better because it's always been large for the past 30-odd years. This is the 43rd running of this race, the Grensland Rennen uh, from the DMV. But 
prestige seems to mount with this championship. It gets bigger and better. And uh, the calibre of drivers at the very front end, they're not just focusing on the 24 hours of the Nürburgring, which of course they'd like to win, but they're focusing in its own way on this. Well, you did say, didn't you, last time that we had a double-header weekend that was very much a sort of a, yes, there's two individual races to win, but it was a bit of a, a test weekend for the 24-hour. What is interesting, one of the star performances this year has been the new team, which we know came out of Black Falcon, the Team HRT, uh, which is only fifth on the grid at the moment. It's a little bit way back. That's, that's been an absolute front-runner. So, does that hint at something? KCMG team that are second, number 19 car, uh, as you said, they've been... They didn't perform quite as we expected to begin with, but they've progressed most, most notably. Rounds one, two and three, they've got better and better and better. Bit of wet qualifying and they're on the front row. So um, I think Team HRT with the that's it, Patrick Asenheimer, I think is probably going to be in that car to start with. Well, look at the lineup in yeah. the, the number six Halt uh, Racing team entry. Patrick Asenheimer, who won this race last year, showing with Manuel Metzger. Metzger not with him today, but Dominic Bauman and Dirk Muller. How are those? A pair of co-drivers. So look out for the number six Mercedes. Sure to make its way forward. That is a super, super strong lineup. And Patrick Asenheimer still, I think, holds the award. Over the la last year, he banged in four wins in the eight rounds or the nine rounds. He is absolutely on it. Car normally sponsored by Auto Arena. That will be on the flanks today. But uh, certainly picking the cars out is going to be a little bit harder. It's a greyish day, but with a high shot looking out over the Eiffel Forest, the good thing is you can see ranges of hills. Tree-topped hills they are. There are clouds hanging around them, but we've had races here where you can't even see the barriers on the outside of the circuit. Fog, when it comes to the Nordschleife, can be very thick and solid indeed. But today it's grey. The track, dampish offline, but uh, I'd say pretty much by the time... The field has gone around the 24 and a half kilometers of the formation lap. It should be uniformly dry. We've got a great mix of cars. Mercedes from Porsche, BMW from Porsche, Mercedes from Lamborghini. But it's not a warm day. It's uh, about 21 degrees. Like uh, many parts of Europe, a huge heat spike yesterday that seems to pass through. The weather has broken, but uh, to be honest, if I was a team boss, I would be delighted to have a, a race in which a whole load of variables can be thrown at these drivers and their cars. If there's rain today, it could well be some very, very useful wet running ahead of the 24 hours later in the season. That's in the future. This is the here and now. But again, there is that bigger picture to look for. But uh, down the second group of cars goes into the first turn. This is the group full of Porsche Caymans at the front end, the TCR cars. And I have a little chat about a TCR car in a second. But again... Anyone watching this for the first time would go, what, there's more? Oh, yeah, there's another group to come yet oh, yeah. with another 50 cars at the back. It just doesn't make any sense, doesn't really think about it. It's just, it's so different. You mentioned variables. Um, if it rains, if. High propensity of safety cars, as we said, if. Could it be so different to the first three rounds we've had? Alternative, alternative view. It's damp now. As you said, we've got a nice clear view over to the mountains in the background, so we know the weather's are good in the uh, Grand Prix part of the circuit. It might go the opposite and dry up. The rain was heavy this morning between sort of 8 and 11. That's when it was. And it was high propensity, about 99% chance of rain. That looks to be decreasing for the duration of the day. So, according to the weather forecast, we're going to get a dry race, which means the track will dry out. So, another variable, what tyres? Tire wear will be totally different as you go through that first in. So the first drivers are going to have very challenging conditions of starting the race on a damp circuit, potentially drying out, but it may not. Exactly <laughs> so. I'm going to throw some more variables into this pot piece. I knew you would. Matilda Racing, 
based up in Cologne, they have uh, brought a brand new Seat Leon Cupra TCR. 410 newton meters, 340 Fairstarker horsepower, 260 kph top speed, 4.5 seconds naught to 100 kph. And the beauty about the TCR class cars, they corner absolutely beautiful, loads of downforce. This is the, the new generation. And again, this is why a lot of manufacturers love the, the racing on Bruce, the Nordschleife. Bruce, I'm laughing. Well, a bit top trumps. No, 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 not at all, not at all. F fantastic stats. I'm showing my age here. TCR car, 0 to 100k, 62 miles an hour. Four and a half seconds, you've just said. Four and a half seconds to 60. That's phenomenal. And it can go around corners. No wonder exactly. the drivers enjoy them. <laughs> and, and the TCR class, it, it sort of ebbed and it's flowed in, it, in its uh, handful of years, but it always provides great racing. And uh, then when you get the mix with cars of different categories, it, it provides variety, you know, to see these great big uh, wings on the TCR class cars. It's different ways of doing things. And I think particularly the German uh, race fan loves variety. They, they, they love the cars they love, but they, this is why they appeal to this, you know, come to this championship in their droves when they are allowed in as spectators. Because we also have some Mercedes and BMWs that look as they've been driven off the, the taxi rank. Pretty, uh, I think you know, they probably race have. Race in, race out. But there really is something for everybody. You say you've got your full-blown GT3 cars at the front, which dominate the front of the field. The championship is won in the middle class, really. And then you say you've got, as you say, what look remarkably like road cars. We were looking last time at the Mercedes. It was a C300. In fact, I, <laughs> I saw it qualify it going for a very low-speed rotation on the Grand Prix loop. So uh, was it you, Bernhard Weber, or was it Christoph Breuer? It was one of you. Own up. But the good thing is that's down at the back, quick in a straight line has to watch it round the corners. If anything, I would say it's getting a little bit greyer as the, the field goes around. A few cars going around with their windscreen wipers on in the uh, third group of cars, so whether they just want to check they work, but... Uh, I'm going to rename you the weather wizard. No, no, the, 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 the weather suggestion. <laughs> I, I suggest rather than them a wizard, but yeah, about one in four cars using their wipers. You know why? They probably got in behind someone else who just run up over the curbing sprayed the water out of there and they've got it on their screen but uh, I think we're going to have a dry race but four hours of racing coming up we've got great variety at the front and I'll just read you down the top 10 on the grid get speed performance the 23 Mercedes pole position that time set by Fabian Schiller KCMG they've got two Porsches entered for the second uh, time this season or third time because it was in rounds two and three and uh, their car, number 19, Porsche on the outside of the front row. Rover Racing, BMW, the M6, driven by the two Dutch drivers, Nicky Katzberg and Steph Dusseldorp, third on the grid. Late driver change, Maxime Martin came in to join Jeroen Blakemolen in the 30 Frickadelli Racing Team Porsche. That is fourth fastest. Fifth fastest, the team that uh, broke cover just before the start of the championship this year. Haupt Racing Team, Team HRT. Patrick Hassenheimer on board, and he, he wins these races as though he has a right to win them because he's just so super consistent. Sixth alongside uh, the Conrad Motorsport Lamborghini, Axel Jeffries. His season is now picking up. He's getting drives all over the place, so it's looking good for him. He's sixth fastest. Walken Horse Motorsport, we've mentioned them before. They won the opening round. They've had a second and a third. That's their number 34 entry. Christian Cronjers, David Pittard and Mikkel Jensen. KCMG with their second Porsche qualified eighth. And then a car that I think is definitely worth watching. The fastest of the Audis. Audi Sport team is the entrant, but listen to this driver lineup. Marcus Winkelhock, Fred Vervies. They have more experience between them than almost anybody else in an Audi R8. 
But the one you want to watch is the little Italian in between them, Mattia Drudi, who has been, it's been a very short start so far to the GT racing season, but he has been absolutely on it. Second generation racer, his father Luca raced up to Formula 3000 level, but he is mighty this year. And they're the best of the Pro-Ams, the Huber Motorsport Porsche. They've had a really good season so far. Marco Holzer, Patrick Kolb and Lorenzo Rocco di Torapagula, 10th fastest. It's all to play for, but uh, more and more windscreen wipers are being waved and waggled around the circuit. But uh, I, mean, there are, I can't tell if it's little drops of spray or just off the car in front or a little bit of rain. But uh, if you're a veteran racer on the Nordschleife, ah, this is a mere nothing. Tell me about the rain when there are rivers across the track. When you can't see the car in front, that's a time to start worrying. Or go for the gap. <laughs> or go for the gap. <laughs> if your name is Winkelhock, you're going for the gap. Yeah. So, different conditions. We did have a little flurry of rain on the uh, formation lap a couple of weeks ago, but that was coming out of a sunny sky. Today it's coming out of a very leaden sky, but the good news is there's fairly long-distance visibility. So, um, hopefully that means something. I can't tell you what it for does now. mean. For now. We'll take it. It's a four-hour race. It's the timing of the... Uh, Pit stops that really can make the difference in the race. We can often get packs of cars that run very close indeed, but making a passing manoeuvre, well, that requires either racing gets a car from a different manufacturer where your car's performance might be stronger at a certain point and a corner that Peter Snowden and I often talk about. As the rain becomes heavier, they're halfway around the formation lap. It's not spray, it's proper rain on the windscreens. Oh, ho, ho, the weather god has rolled the dice. Funny, a little short flow. Oh, this is very Eiffel Forest-esque. We have rain coming. You're in the rain. You're out of the rain. No, you're in it again uh, three corners later. So <laughs> the drivers always say, please rain or don't rain. Don't be in between. But there was a little flurry. And I would say that was around Bergwerk that they, uh, no, just before Bergwerk, actually, uh, that they were getting that. Keep an eye how it is around the rest of the lap. But as, in fact, it's coming down to, we've just hopped to another car and uh, looking at their onboard footage and uh, that's going over Adnar Bridge but certainly a bit further around the track it was wet as well so all drivers all the starting drivers they're the end of the ones that really need to know because uh, the conditions would have changed by the time they get to the first pit stops and their teammates take over but uh, certainly they have to be right on their toes not wet enough to really affect them because by the time 146 cars have driven over that as long as it doesn't really pick up it should be sort of what they've had this time around when they get here at full racing speed yes but the problem of course is the the speed uh, exactly Forma formation lap nice and steady little bit of spray as you said not sure the wipers are on because is it spray from the car or is it actually descending from the sky uh wipers are going to have to go on on these bits as i said on the what i potentially predicted on the nordschleife because it is definitely wet there and uh, once the cars pick up speed, there's going to be lots and lots of sprays. So that's going to be that opening lap. And, of course, all three groups bunched together to start with. So there's going to be lots of sprays. So you need to be at the front of that, uh, which, is, which is great for those that are. Um, but it's going to be a little bit busy, I think, on that first lap. Uh, certainly will. So the value of that uh, qualifying lap for pole position from Fabian Schiller is um, really starting to be felt all the more. Conditions towards the end of the formation lap appear to be a little bit drier. And uh, please report that the car on pole is car carrying a TV camera, an onboard camera. However, luckily it's carrying a rear view one as well, which is great. If you look on the live streaming down at the bottom right hand corner of your screen, you can see, well, you can't see 145 cars, but there are 145 cars in three groups spread out behind that number 23 Mercedes. But right now, 
That's at the sharp end of the field. It is the sharp end of the field. Drivers just trying to get heat into their brakes because they know they're going to have to do a fair bit of braking when they get down towards turn one on the opening lap. And as Peter pointed out, there will be spray. But in fact, I don't think there'll be so much there. If they were accelerating away from halfway around the lap, they'd get a lot of spray. But I had a, we just had a high shot over the pits. There are little puddles in the paddock at the back, but I think the track itself is pretty much dry. Certainly in driving terms, it's dry unless you're a driver who likes to garner every story with an excuse. And we know there's some out there, but uh, we won't name any names at all, Peter. Not now at that all. you've retired. Have <laughs> <laughs> I retired? I didn't no, 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 I thought I'd broken it. I missed that memo. So <laughs> thanks for breaking it to me gently. <laughs> yes, your wife phoned in and said, "Could I just uh, pop that into the show?" Fine. Okay. Well, that, that's that's official then. That's that's absolutely official. <laughs> that's a triplicate. That, that, that is it. Yes. Yeah. Unquestionable. So, so what we've seen at the start of these first three rounds is some surprises from sort of row three. Not saying row one and two have been no. napping. I don't mean that for a minute. Mm. But each time there seems to have been, and it doesn't matter inside or outside, no, no relevance. Just suddenly we've seen a couple of cars. Of course, now I've said that, it won't happen. Um, as, as the curse of the commentator, etc., etc. Well, the grid looks but pretty much dry. The, the, the mm. slightly damper line is on the side of the, the pit side. But I think what happens when you're on row three or four, you have a few eventualities in front of you that does sort of force you wide. And sometimes that could be the enforced choice. It turns out to be an inspired one. Certainly we've seen David Pittard uh, gain a few positions that way. And a couple of races ago, three races ago, we had the Octane 126 Ferrari spinning just before they went out onto the Nordschleifer itself. And those behind had to starburst around it. And that's when certainly for every, every person who gained a position there was someone else who lost one. And you just have to ride your luck at that point. But today they'll have to realise that... Uh, if they go out wide and get on the grass, then that might not be quite as friendly a, a surface as if they stayed on the tarmac. N not at all, because the, the the mentality is that the first two rows, the first four cars, they've got to defend that sort of position, even at the very beginning before our race. They've got the work to there immediately on the defence. Rows three, four, five, certainly three and four, they can attack. They can afford to. They've come out onto the grid. They've seen the right-hand side of the track is wet. Don't dive down the inside. I'm not sure diving down the inside is always the best line there, although people aren't expecting it, element of surprise. Go to the left-hand side where it's dry, but, of course, you don't want to court, run. You've got much further to go around, more track to cover, run off, and the potential of a spin. And the problem is everybody else does it. You're going to get there with two or three or four other cars doing exactly the same, so the net gain is zero. Makes it interesting, though, doesn't it? Of course, none, having now explained all that, none of that will happen. No, but it's important to, <laughs> to remove the elements. Cars now coming onto the dotting of her. That's the long drag down past the main road up towards the final twisting sequence of corners. There are little damp patches at the side of the circuit, but really about 95% of what I'm looking at is dry. Further back round, we've got uh, spray coming off the curbs for those riding further down in the pack. So it's uh, we're not out of the woods. Actually, some of the cars are out of the woods, but... Um, in terms of the weather coming our way. But uh, right now, let's just reiterate. Front row, Get Speed Performance Mercedes. Second position, the KCM Porsche. KCMG Porsche on the front row. Will they still be in those top two positions by the time the cars come around? But right now, drivers would have paid attention, thinking, right, what rain have we got? Where, where can I make my move? Or if you're at the front of the grid... I just want to consolidate in, on that run to the first corner, get it sensibly through the Grand Prix loop, and then out onto the Nordschleifer itself. 
I'm going to need all the heat I can have in my tyres. I'm going to need all the heat I can have in my, in, in my brakes. And drivers, of course, will be doing all of that right now. They'll also be thinking, what tactics did we discuss? What's plan B? What's plan C? What happens when the rain comes? But uh, really, that will then be just narrowed down to the focus they require to be first down into that, into that first corner or to pull off the passing manoeuvres they're talking about. Keep it on the black stuff. That's the important bit. It's a team event. You've got to hand it over to your, your teammate. There's, there's so much pressure that it's not like many other forms of, of re racing. Grand Prix we're seeing this weekend at Silverson, one of first of two. Uh, you've got two supposedly identical cars on each team. They never are identical. They're always set up differently. Each driver will do their own thing. This is one of the things I absolutely love about endurance racing is the car has to complete the entire length of the race, no matter who drives it. So that car's got to be set up differently to each driver. They've got to have a compromise. They've got to work together. You've got to go at the pace of potentially your slowest driver because if he can't drive it the way he wants, he or she, then it's not going to work. It's no good having a five-second advantage and then it being wiped out. So it's, it's all part of it. But they're going to come around onto our pit straight any second now, ready for the start, Bruce. Here we go. Safety car, the Porsche safety car just peeling off towards the pit entry. It's the red and white number 23 Mercedes from Get Speed Performance on pole position. That's the side by the pit wall. The number 19 KCMG Porsche on the outside. Didn't make such a good start. Immediately tucks in behind the Mercedes. The BMW from third position. They're line astern. This is most unusual. We normally have two or three abreast. The Lamborghini making a bid on the outside. And also the Avalon... Uh, liveried Porsche with, with Maxime Martin and your own Blake about in this weekend goes up into fourth place around the outside Assenheimer's car the auto arena Mercedes gets squeezed the pole starting Mercedes ran very wide but had enough of an advantage two or three car lengths to afford the generous line into turn one gets through it those behind almost all of the top group that we've seen have got through the first turn into the second turn out of it but the first two cars already starting to make an escape well, that said, but the pole sitting guy say running wide in the first three turns there, whilst he's maintained the lead and that pole position, he was challenged by the KCMG Porsche straight down the inside, trying to get the BMW did exactly the same, and they got that doors closed completely. But the, the lead in the pole sitting Mercedes seems to have, I'd almost say understeer, running wide, turns one, two, three, and four consistently, which has allowed that KCMG Porsche to tuck in right behind it, and it uh, just doesn't look like he's able to do it there. Right, we said early in the show that the number 34 Walkenhorst BMW normally tends to have a very attacking start. Two positions gained already, up from seventh into fifth place. Right on the tail of the Frickadelli Porsche, the red and black Porsche. Seems to have more traction coming down the hill. He's going to try and make a move into the kink before you rise up behind the paddock. He's, oh, he's pulled it off up into fourth place. Can't tell you who's driving that as yet. It's a choice of uh, David Pittard, Christian Cronjes or Mikkel Jensen. Mikkel quantified the car, but that's the car that's having the fight. And suddenly we've got BMWs in third and fourth, up from seventh. That's very impressive for the Walkwood Horse car. But it has class. It's had a first, a second and a third in this championship so far in the four rounds. A bit further down, the Audis are fighting very hard indeed. Almost had a place change there. And uh, the car that I really fancy, the number the 20 uh, entry, just lost the position to the number 50 Audi, so a bit of inter-Nissan battling. What I did notice there, there was on that opening lap pop around the uh, GP circuit, the leading get-speed Mercedes, once it had got a couple of car lengths ahead, it was weaving down the straight as if it was on a formation lap, still trying to get heat into those front tyres, which kind of belies what I said, those first four turns, it seemed to have understeer, you said Bruce, running wide, but I've never seen a race-leading car 
halfway through his opening lap, still weaving, trying to get heat into the front tyres. Well, he could afford to do that. As you said, he's got that little advantage. Second group of cars just heading off now, but certainly if you're down in the pack, you can't be concentrating on your tyre temperatures. You're trying to either attack or defend. But as we've seen so many times, the Caymans dominate uh, the second group of cars and the regular runners at the front, but again twitching as they try to get enough braking done down into turn one. First third of that pack, a bit more strung up, strung out than the top class batch, uh, certainly behaving very nicely indeed. But again, we talked about it, greasy track, cold brakes, cold tyres, and uh, the corner, the first corner at the Nürburgring, slightly downhill, very wide, but it tightens on you as you exit. And uh, it really encourages drivers to brake too late, which is not what you want in, in conditions like this. Go out beyond the edge of the circuit, and that mysteriously is where a lot of water tends to sit. Hasn't been driven over on the formation lap, so... Uh, go a little bit wide and it's almost like a negative dividend don't know what that's called <laughs> well um yeah, well no pay but um exactly you're saying those going over those curbs painted water on them cars don't stick and you don't want to get on the paint at all beyond the curbs uh not so bad on on the apex because it's pretty well unloaded but on the exit cars running wide car can just suddenly just rotate swap ends on you and you're facing the pack and you've got got an embarrassed phone call to the pits then to say I've just I've just spun it um, which you don't want to be doing uh, you you certainly don't and again the second batch of cars this wonderful grip uh, grid with uh, the Caymans largely at the front but then harried by a couple of the TCR class cars in, in well I was going to say fourth and fifth of the group but a little Hyundai up the inside bouncing over the curves the last corner before they go onto the Nordschleife and what did he get in a position no he didn't Got pushed over the curbs, lost a position. So the 623 Hyundai losing ground there. But the car that's not losing any ground at all, in fact, quite the reverse, uh, stretching its legs, leading the field, is the number 23 pole starting get speed performance Mercedes. But the, the car that started second, the one of the two KCMG Porsches, is still in there in second. And they seem to have got really quite a gap. And if one looks a very long way back, you may see car in third place they have made a fabulous break on the opening lap we know third and fourth of the two bmws but we haven't seen them for a short while what we can tell you is that get speed performance car pole position got it right in the first corner but as we go around the lap suddenly the kcmg porsche has come from oh gained about four car lengths in the space of two corners maybe taking a few more risks the track looks quite greasy out the back well we said it earlier in the show didn't we that uh, the kcmg cars that are based in based in hong kong they came over here with a uh, a bit of razzmatazz and a lot of expectation, and they they delivered, but not quite the way we expected. And they just they have improved. I think that first race sort of made them have a bit of a reset and a rethink of okay, this perhaps this isn't quite as easy as we thought. I'm not saying they necessarily thought that, but it, that we certainly had a higher expectation of it, and they got better and better and better. Uh, and all of a sudden now that gets speed car under huge challenge. In the UK, we have fireworks night. Um rather later in the year, come November. But it looks like we're about to have fireworks in the third batch of cars because a few of the cars from about the third or fourth row, pretty much what Peter was saying earlier, decided they were going to have a better start than those in front. In fact, now they've got down to turn one. They're not two. Ab they're not three abreast. They are two abreast. I thought we were going to have carambolage, as we say in Italy, but certainly uh, one of the Pixum adrenaline sport BMWs gained two or three positions, then didn't go any further forward. But I thought, here we go, prepare the intake of breath. But uh, again, I think a lot of drivers showing a lot of caution and sense they know it's a four-hour race. Let's not blow it after just the run down to turn one. And always in the thick of those there, the, the gold BMW 650. 
Uh, that's always, always evidence. That having a little moment there on turn th turn four. Yeah, the Saw Grensport BMW pulling clear at the top of that class, and the uh, Pixum Adrenaline, the orange blue car number 651, has gained another position. That was the one that was a really, really fast starter. Goes well with a different lineup this weekend. Sven Markert, Lars Harbeck, and Richard Fruser. But uh, for all the runners in these BMWs, they really enjoy the Grand Prix loop, but they know the track's going to become narrow. They're taking their chances now. Down the drop, they go to that fabulous, fast, right-handed kink before the pits, behind the, sorry, behind the paddock. Uh, but <laughs> class leader is about 10 car lengths clear. Lights flashing further down in the pack, but no one could do anything about that car at the front of the group. That is a luxury. It doesn't look like an opening lap if you're including the leader. But then from second place back, it's almost nose to tail right down into the thick of the action. But what a start from the Saw Grensport BMW. That was a super, super job. Very tidy, not just into turn one, but out and uh, maximise its advantage at the front of the M240i Racing Cup class. Well, it's That's the age-old adage, isn't it? For slow in, fast out. I'm glad you identified the number on the Pixum Team Adrenaline Motorsport car because there's four of them. Um, 650, 651, 652 and 653. They used to sometimes help us yeah. by having them in reverse livery. Orange on blue and blue on orange. But anyhow, that, yeah. that was, was quite useful. So, tidy opening lap. Waiting to see the order. But certainly at the, the lead of the race, the KCMG Porsche that started second is really, really harrowing. Looking inside, looking outside the number 23. Uh, Mercedes, an occasional twitchy moment from the two of them. It's not fully dry around the back. The little flurry of rain on their formation lap. But of course, the formation lap... It's a long time ago because it's such a long lap, but uh, race leader really, really getting crossed up. The Porsche being driven with a little bit more brio, it must be said, but there isn't space. Keeps on looking left and right. The driver of at the wheel of the pace race leading 23 Mercedes really, really working very hard. Car put on pole by Fabian Schiller, shared with John Schofner and Janine Hill. And uh, this is a team get speed performance with these drivers that knows this circuit supremely well. But uh, a team that gets better and better, getting more help from Mercedes this year and uh, really paying it back. But will that will the 23 still be in front at the end of the opening lap? Get speed, great name, performance, well, that goes with it. And... Uh, going well but certainly KCMG haven't finished higher than eighth in the two races <laughs> they're now right at the sharp end and could be the sharp end any moment now well it's interesting Bruce because we've commented on this before in the, pre the previous three rounds that the the Mercedes uh, all around the lap in the in the dry has looked more reliably stable not always the fastest car every part of the circuit but it's looked consistently quick the same way nice and nice and linear if you see what I mean uh, the Porsches haven't looked the same. Now, that appears to, on the evidence of this first lap, which we're just coming towards the end of fairly shortly, uh, it looks almost as if the, the Mercedes, uh, he's still trying to get heat in those tyres. He's, he's actually, again, he's weaving that lead GT3 AMG. The KCMG Porsche right behind it, coming through the Twitter bit, is going to be... The Mercedes leading, the Getspeed Mercedes leading across the line. Uh, we don't know whether it's Fabian Schiller that actually uh, put that pole position lap and whether he's in the car to start with. We'll find out in a moment. But the KCMG Porsche right on the back of it towards the end of the first lap and threatening, ready to have a run down the pit straight. But that Porsche looks mighty, mighty strong in these damp conditions. Well, I, I can tell you there is a massive gap back to third and fourth positions. The BMW fighting, and in fact, just to change of position, the Horse car has just gone ahead of the Rover Racing car. And behind it, it's about 10 cars, nose to tail. That yellow, white and black Rover Racing car very much... 
uh, the slow one in that pack, still coming across the end of the opening lap in fourth place. Now, though, the walking horse... M6 has been released and is heading off after the leaders, but it's just 0.6 of a second, two-thirds of a second between first and second place. That's the 23 Get Speed Performance Mercedes, the 19 KCMG car, but then another, ooh, six and a half seconds back to the walking horse BMW in second place. Mistake out of turn two, or maybe just being a little bit cautious. The race leader, number 23, is about to have a Porsche up the inside, but the inside becomes the outside, so it ducks in behind through turn three out of turn four so they've got through the mercedes arena and it is still a mercedes in the lead of the race but for how much longer can that stay there fabian schiller being pushed super hard by dennis olsen and it is david pittard in the vulcan horse bmw that's done another one of his famous starts i'm not surprised they put him in there to be honest because they've done that in the first few races but that's got cars up to uh, third overall already having started seventh I think it was, yeah, seventh on the good. He said he got two at the start and he's up to third overall now. But it's the get speed performance with Fabian Schiller at the wheel. But he is being harried. The line, the distant gap between the two across the line, 0.6 of a second at the end of that first lap between Fabian Schiller and Dennis Olsen in the Mercedes and the Porsche. Third is David Pittard, uh, and he's still only 7.2 seconds adrift there in the Falcon Horse BMW. Rover Racing BMW make it up in fourth place. So Mercedes Porsche, two BMWs. Martin in the Fricadelli Porsche is a car to be watching in fifth place at the moment. Uh, times for the first two lap, first two cars, 1.11.9, 1.11.9. There's only a couple of hundreds in it between the two there. Um, but that's uh, um, Dennis Olsen having an outstanding opening lap in that Porsche. And I'm still intrigued as to why... Uh, Fabian Schiller looks like he's still trying to get heat into the front tyres of that Mercedes even towards the end of the first lap it's not something I've, I've witnessed before to be honest, it just looks, never seen a car weaving, there, and it wasn't about dodging or position or defending or whatever he just looked like he was still trying to get heat into the tyres at the end of the first lap Well he did, and going out into turn three a third part of the Mercedes arena, really really struggling and taking a very very high line tempted Dennis Olsen to take a look up the inside into that tight left and then had just enough an advantage to come over we've already got a few cars deciding oh, maybe it wasn't a good idea to go out on rain tyres or quite the reverse suddenly from the second group of cars we've got a flurry of Caymans heading into the into the pit so whatever their tyre choice was at the start is not the right one to have car 371 at the back of their grouping as well that was a little TCR class car can't tell you right now who's at the wheel but of course don't remember don't just go down the pit lane you've got to turn in under the pit building into the the paddock at the back then there's a one-way system around there and in and then out but uh, a lot of teams as i said they can't see all of the circuit when they're standing in the pit lane and the, the pit garages and the paddock before the race they have to guess somewhat but uh, some of them will have decided it was either wetter or drier than the conditions are at the moment and, that, and that's where the teamwork comes into play, doesn't it? That you go out there, the, the, the team put you on a set of tyres, you agree it between you before you go out, depending on weather forecasts, etc. But the only person that really knows what the circuit's like is the driver who's got the car underneath him, gets out there. And just, as we said, the Grand Prix loop can, be, can look lovely and bright and sunny and airy almost and get out onto uh, the full circuit. And all of a sudden, it's a totally different thing. As you say, it's... it's they say it's a game of two halves of football. It's almost a circuit of two halves here, although they're not halves, because you've got a small Grand Prix circuit, modern-day Grand Prix circuit, and the old GP circuit, 14 miles. And all of a sudden, you see it's totally different. You've got gradients. We've got through woods, 
It's totally different. It's not as open as the GP circuit. And your driver can go out there, agree with the team, make a decision, get out there, and all of a sudden get to another part of the circuit and go, this is impossible, I can't drive this. But of course, if it remains dry and 146 cars keep driving over it, as they will, it could be different to lap later. Uh, so that that's then is that is when your teamwork really comes into it. So your your, your team principal, your strategist, your team manager, and your driver all conferring together. Whilst of course driving the Nordschleife in a racing car. Just saying, as if you haven't got enough to do on a Saturday afternoon. Then you get the team manager in your ear. How are things out there with you? <laughs> but it must yeah. be said, out front it's a really really serious battle. But the good thing for Dennis Olsen as he attacks in second place for the KCMG Porsche team. He hasn't got to contend with anyone else other than the car he's fighting. He's got about six and a half seconds clear of David Pittard. Pittard has now dropped Nick Katzberg and Nicky Katzberg under pressure from the Frickadelli Porsche with Maxime Martin. So I suggest the Walkenhorst car will start to go up towards the lead battle. But I really feel at the moment that Schiller is, as you pointed out, really fighting to keep the Mercedes where he wants it to be. Whereas Dennis Olsen, the Norwegian, is taking some really pressing on any onboard footage of his car is, is very exciting and lively at the moment so uh, that battle is going to rage for a little while I would think but I do think there's a chance that David Pittard will be able to eke away and try and join them he's in the clear now in third place yeah he's got a, the point with um, Dennis Holton is as you say nobody behind him what that really means in real terms is he can focus on what he needs to do in front you, you wouldn't have thought that at the beginning of the race. You'd have thought those first four, five, six cars might be a little bit more bit more close together. Not the case. Schiller and Olsen it is that have broken away from uh, Pittard. I think Pittard, as you said, Bruce, is pulled away from Katzberg and Martin now. So Pittard can now start to concentrate on closing that gap to Olsen. But Olsen can just get on with what he needs to do and get out and get chasing uh, Fabian Schiller in that get speed Mercedes at the very front. They were 0.6 of a second apart across the line. Their lap times were 1 minute 11, 9.77 and 9.29. So almost nothing between them. Just waiting for the next timing interval to see if Fabian Schiller is able to make a break or is he really going to seed uh, position and is David Pittard going to be able to catch them? Long timing intervals here, just waiting for them to get to the next interval around the lap. But uh, the early stages of the lap, it's been very, very even between the two drivers. Pittard fighting back as he goes around, closing in all over again. But uh, as we pointed out, when you have uh, multi-car car classes, you have uh, different areas on the circuit where the performance is strong. And one thing where it's always strong, this is bad news, the second place, well, it's, we've now had a change of position. I was going to say the second place Porsche. It's uh, now gone the other way out of our sights. Uh, the change that we expected was going to come has happened. And Fabian Schiller uh, has been passed for the lead of the race. But what I was going to say, if he was still in the lead of the race, it'd be a problem for Olsen. Because when they get into that final corner, the really tight twisters onto the start finish straight, the Mercedes always, Peter, seems to have massive grunt, really good um, attacking speed. And that, that's great for defending position. But now he's got to use it in attack he's got to try and hang on to Dennis Olsen not let the Norwegian pull away and be there to get that get those Merck horsepowers firing on past the pits well if these weather conditions were the same today as they have been for the first three rounds we'd be saying now it almost looks as if that get speed Mercedes isn't quite dialed in something's just not quite connected it hasn't quite found the sweet spot yet is it that, or is it the changeable conditions, the change of conditions, my apologies, that damp, is it just, does it just not work? It's the first time we've seen this car, these cars have to perform in these conditions, and at the moment it seems to be favouring uh, the Porsche. Uh, certainly uh, Dennis Olsen has said a stunning uh, 
opening lap there and to be honest he was the quickest car on the track on that opening lap and he was all over the back of Fabian Schiller I suspect a little bit of the thinking there was he knows it's quicker he's got a better car under him there is no need to do it all on the first lap but it's, it's as we saw from some of the onboard footage looking back as well that we get to see on the live streaming there if you look back he was he was all over the back of that Mercedes dodging side by side I think he was basically keeping Fabian Schiller busy just saying I'm here I'm gonna do it when I'm ready there's no need for it at the moment it's a four-hour race as we say quite rightly that said Fabian Schiller has just done exactly the reverse on him going up into Tiergarten and got past the Porsche again and re-established the lead. So, maybe that Mercedes has dialed itself in as we're talking because he's retaken the lead. Paul Mann, Fabian Schiller retakes the lead well, I was just at the one, end of the second lap. I was just... Absolutely, so, the gap between them last time round was about 0.6 of a second and it is this time. And if you're a BMW fan, you've got two options because I reckon the Walken Horse car, having passed the Rover Racing M6, would pull clear. It hasn't. The Rover car right back onto its uh, tail as they go into and now out of the final corner. Then we've got this run of four cars very tight together. The Fricadelli Porsche with the Lamborghini right under its rear wing. And then the Auto Arena Mercedes comes charging through and tucked in behind it. The second of the KCMG Porsches. Then the Racing One Ferrari in the background. But that's falling away a bit. So you've got two two-car battles and then a four-car battle. And that four-car battle from fifth through to eighth position. The Lamborghini oh, taking a very wide line through turn two to try and get a swing and down that little little run in the Mercedes arena up to turn three. Manages to hold off Patrick Assenheimer, but uh, Assenheimer certainly fancied his chances in the auto arena Mercedes. But now suddenly he's got the KCMG Porsche, Alex Imperatore at the wheel, all over his tail. But the first two... Just over a quarter of a second, Schiller in front of Olsen, so the gap's smaller than the previous lap, but don't forget there was the passing manoeuvre, and now they're starting to lap the tail-enders of the third group of cars, the moving variable on a circuit that's both moving and variable. Will it affect the front runners? Not so far. Walken Horse, uh, Pittard ran a little bit wide on the Grand Prix loop. There's a chance of the Rover Racing car, Nicky Katzbo. By the time they get to the kink behind the paddock, he's got his nose in front. Pittard didn't want to back out, but knew eventually he's going to have to up the hill to the Vidal Chicane. They go. So the BMW's having fun. Those behind will probably love the fact they're having fun. This is their chance to make their four-car train join the two-car battle in front of them. And I think it's going to happen very soon indeed if... Uh, the Rover Racing BMW and the Walken Horse car continue to fight so furiously over third place. Not like Debbie Pittard there from seventh up to third and back down to fourth again. Not like him to lose a bit of space on the, uh, on the first couple of laps there. Uh, times at the front cars. I did, of course, quote a few minutes ago at the first sector times, not the lap time. Just to realize what I, No, I, I realise that. I did, I'm, well, just it's a long lap. Everybody listening. I, I was going to say, I was thinking, hang on a minute. That doesn't work quite, does it? Uh, 8.52.7 and 8.52.3 for the uh, two front-running cars. They were only uh, 0.279 of a second apart across the line there. They get speed. Fabian Schiller, Mercedes, getting the, getting the jump then on uh, Dennis Olsen's KCMG 911. But the battle for the moment is those two uh, BMWs in third and fourth place. David Pittard and Katzberg in the Valkenhorst and Rover Racing M6s. Across the line, it was uh, Pittard ahead, but of course we saw that change in the part of the, uh, the Grand Prix loop there, which was a little bit unexpected, not like... David Pittard to lose a space there, place on the opening lap. Fastest car on the circuit again. It's still the uh, Dennis Olsen K 
KCMG Porsche, number 19. Only by a few tenths, but he is there. It is the fastest car on the circuit, so it's still got the legs. But I was, I was quite surprised to see that uh, Fabian Schiller come back, back past again because it just didn't seem to have the pace early on. But uh, he seemed to get that car dialed in. It's taken a lap and a half to get it done. Well, we've had a few cameo performances on, on the opening couple of laps. I had to scratch my head, blink my eyes several times because the car running at the tail end of the top ten was from the H4 class. Well, that's pulled into the pits. That's car number 600. It's a Porsche 911 GT3. So in terms of performance, it should be there, but running in the H4 category. And uh, that uh, is not alone in making uh, a pit a pit run, either at the end of lap one or lap two. Front-running cars, no such concerns at the moment. But certainly plenty of concerns about uh, keeping it on the black stuff. Or, or It's not grey stuff today. It very much is black stuff after the sprinkling of rain this morning. It wasn't a sprinkling. It was a full-on hosing down. But the track is generally dry now, but certainly any footage of the front running cars they are twitching and bucking their way around the circuit finding less grip than they would if this uh, track could get some sun on it or some strong wind still just a little bit greasy for all the runners the first two quarter of a second or thereabouts between them at the end of the second lap they did have the change of positions Olsen putting his KCMG Porsche ahead of Fabian Schiller's get speed performance Mercedes but then it was reversed again Still more cars diving into the pits. A lot of teams will have just guessed wrong about their tyre compounds. Those at the front are just trying to brave it out because you, if, you, if you're going to come in to make a change, you want to be really sure it's going to work and how many laps it's going to take if you're on another sort of tyre to make up the ground you've just lost. Well, you say when you commented on that, Bruce, I thought that'd be interesting to see what the top category could do, the SP9 cars, and uh, to, a, to a person, not one of them's come in. So they've obviously made their tyre choices and very happy with it. But it was the lower categories that, uh, certainly you say those Caymans, that uh, we had a flurry of activity and a couple of TCR cars in there. And I was, I was intrigued to watch what happened at the front. But uh, they've stayed out there. They're happy with their decision and they're sticking with it. And uh, it seems to be working for them at the moment. Patrick Assenheimer running in seventh at the moment in the um, Hauptsport Mercedes. She's only the second of the Mercedes at the moment. Uh, we've got the Conrad Motorsport Lamborghini doing its usual good start. First, first stint. That's running sixth at the moment. Right, well, inevitably, there'll be little points on the circuit where we've got yellow flags, but the incident's been cle cleaned up. They're about two-thirds away around the lap, just on beyond Bergwerk. In fact, a fair bit beyond Bergwerk, but uh, it's not surprising. Conditions are very tricky indeed. Must say, in fact, everyone's done a really remarkably good job over the opening couple of laps so far. In fact, it's uh, more towards Klostertal. Just trying to identify a car off at the side of the circuit. Looked like a Subaru BRZ. So out of the slow, do slow zone, wait for the signal, green flag, off you go. Full acceleration for the race leader, Fabian Schiller. He's got Dennis Olsen. It's like the opening lap all over again. The two of them and no one behind them that could be seen in a rear, a rear camera shot. Again, this time, Olsen, the chaser, Schiller leading the race. But Olsen has proved very brave so fast, so far in the race and comes from really quite a long way back into some of the corners. Happy to make a move from four car lengths back. But again, oof, snaking around a back marker. Uh, there, <laughs> always the trouble is, if you're a back marker early in the race, you see the bright red and white nose of the race leading car coming up. You can't necessarily see the car in behind, and it uh, certainly led to a fair bit of swerving as uh, the Subaru pulled across in in the face of the KCMG Porsche. So a bit like a slot car race at the moment, for, and certainly for the first two runners. And contrary to that which we discussed 
only a few minutes ago, pre-racing and also opening laps of the race. Uh, Dennis Olsen able to monster the curbs in that Porsche, which you wouldn't have thought was a thing, a wise thing to be doing uh, in the damp. But no. he just is able to absolutely monster. Notice though, he's very careful not using the exit curbs where it's loaded, but unloaded, he's absolutely bouncing that over as if it's a as if it's a qualifying lap. Schiller in the race leading Mercedes is staying on the black stuff, but certainly looking for an advantage going oh, back slow zone. into a slow zone. They go. And suddenly the KGMG Porsche right onto the tail all over again. Out of the slow zone. A couple of backmarking BMWs to be picked off. Into the carousel they go. Out of the carousel now. In fact, to tell you what, slightly further around the lap. But it really, really does ebb and flow between the front two runners. And certainly advantage there, clearing those two backmarkers, uh, went to the race leader. He gained about half a second. And in their battle, that is quite a large chunk of time. They're dealing in tenths of a second by and large. But down the Dottingahoa they go. BMW to be picked off. About four or five car lengths between them. The chasing KCMG Porsche getting right behind the BMW, grabbing what little, little toe he could get to try and sling him back towards the tail of the race-leading Mercedes. But I must say, it's been a very, very good lap for the pair of them because get your binoculars out. Where is the car in third place? In the background of the shot, really having fallen some distance back. It should still be Katzberg and Pittard in the two BMWs, but they are, these first two are clearly taking far more risks than those behind. Well, they certainly are. Did you notice there on that uh, coming to Dottinghoe how they, they both used the bat markers and sat in immediately there were two five, six car lengths apart and Chiller just went round one, tucked in behind it, got that team, used that advantage and exactly, Olsen did exactly the same thing. They sat there and as you say, got a toe even off there. Olsen looking down the inside to try and take the lead going into the fourth lap. He's put it down alongside, not quite made it. Schiller's left a bit of room for him there. Very clean bit of driving there. I did think Olsen got that done there, but he hadn't quite, quite got it alongside enough. Olsen not able to squeeze through there, but uh, Schiller did leave him in just enough room. I would say there was probably about a portion of enough for probably a bit of a vinyl wrap or respray gap between the two of them there. He did leave him enough room. It didn't quite pull it off. That's a... Uh, uh, ended up and Olsen then dropping back a little bit because I think he probably caught himself out a bit there. Thought, oh, it didn't quite work there and not this time. Yeah, up the inside can be diminishing returns. But again, just mentioned the fabled Mercedes grunt onto the start finish straight uh, certainly helped Schiller. But uh, using the toe down past the pits, Olsen thought, I might have a chance up the inside. Didn't quite work. Be sure he'll be trying again. 0.236 of a second between them. Katzberg and Pittard, their BMWs in third and fourth, but guess this, they're another 19 and a half seconds back, and that wasn't all lost lap time, that was also where the slow zones affected them. For this, these first two, it's like they've been given a joker to play in their race. You don't get a lead this big in an LLS race without assistance, or a lucky turn of events, and it's gone their way, they've fought really hard from the start of the race. We have had that place change, and the lead then going back to Fabian Schiller. So it still gets speed performance Mercedes at the helm of the race but it must be said it's a very difficult place to be being the first car to come up and overtake now we're getting up towards not quite the midfield we're certainly clearing the the top top cars in the bottom batch of the three cars i think that's a, one way of describing it but uh, i must say driving has been exemplary and just having a look see it's been a better lap for fifth place because axel jeffries has got past the number 30 Fricadelli Racing Porsche. There's a place change. So Conrad Motorsport, Lamborghini, clear of the, the car behind by nearly five seconds. That's been a really, really good lap from the, the Lamborghini. And do you remember I said that the fighting BMWs, Peter, might get the four-car train behind 
to join them. Well, they've almost got Axel Jeffries, but uh, he's only uh, two seconds down on the two BMWs. But that's been a good lap from the Lamborghini. And uh, for Martin and those behind, they're now falling back. But Martin, Assenheimer, Imperatori, all very close together. A second covering the three of them. And then quite a big gap. Another four seconds back to the car in ninth place, which is Jules Simkoviak. Car number 39, the Dutch racer. Ah, late entry to share the Racing One Ferrari. That's car number 39. This is a feature of the NLS. You get drivers who uh, they're hoping to find a seat in the car and... Uh, in the case of the young Dutchman, his turn. He, he's driven a lot of cars in the last handful of years. I remember him five years or so ago racing for Bentley, run by Team HTP in the Blancpain GT days. But since then, done a lot of other work. And let's complete the, the running. That's leading the AM class in SP9, ahead of the number 20 Audi, Fred Verwiesch on board that. That was a car I reckoned uh, might have a chance in this race. He's down in 10th place, so he's going to require a little bit of something to change in his benefit. And leading the Pram class is that 25 Huber racing Porsche down in 13th place so at the moment the AM class runner Jules Simkoviak better than the best of the Pro-AM crews so good job there it's more than a good job isn't it it's quite extraordinary um, weather we keep saying about this this weather let's throw a variable in is it going to rain is it not I've got a feeling it just might yet. We're only, what, just over half an hour through. And I've got a feeling it's not getting any lighter and brighter. And that would throw in, uh, that said, just looking at the pit straight, it looks nice and bright and sunny now. But it, I it, was it, going did, to interject. It didn't on the, previous, on the previous camera shot, it didn't. So I, that which I saw was correct. Um, wouldn't that throw in a variable, though? A little bit of rain, just, oh, even on one part of the circuit. If you want to be evil and scheming, <laughs> you want that. If you really want to shuffle the field, have it just after the hour mark where everyone's made their first pit stop. <laughs> that is the definition of evil in terms of a race strategy. Yes, yeah. you're quite right there. Some cars going uh, particularly well. SP3T being led by a car as high as 18th place overall. That's the number 10 Golf, and you don't normally find it that high up the order. Benjamin Leuchter on board this weekend. He's sharing with um, oh, a young Dutch racer, you might have heard, um, Tom Coronel, 45 yeah, years of cheekiness yeah, or new, whatever. Yeah, new, new boy to it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah new yeah. kid on the block. Yeah, yeah. that's Max Cruz racing. Uh, Max Cruz, a pro football player, really enjoys his motorsport and his cars always look great. And I see there's a third name on the window. Looks, uh, it must be Andreas Goulden, but uh, the veteran Dutchman will be getting in for his stint soon. But young Benjamin Goulden knows TCR class cars very well indeed. Now driving an SP3T, the Class 4 TCR class, and making it look very easy indeed. In fact, uh, most camera shots show almost no one around him, such is his advantage. Next car in the class, in fact, it's the, sorry, I've looked at the wrong car. That's Leuchter in that car. That's number 10, it's the other one. Coronel is in the 333, which is second in class. I have confused my Max Cruz cars. I apologise for that. Got a slow car coming up towards Tiergarten, which is just producing a white flag at the moment as I think our race leaders are not quite there with them at the moment. No, that's fine. Um, but uh, might create a slow zone coming up to Tiergarten into the pits. We'll just keep an eye on the pit straight. Just to, just to complete my um, housekeeping there, I was thrown. I said, oh, there's a third name on the window. It must be Andreas Golden because I saw Golden. Benjamin Leuter is in both of those golfs. That's what threw me. I saw his name on the list as uh, leading the class, but he's in 10 and 333. Greeny. In your, your defence, a very easy mistake then. If it's in both cars, that's quite easy. And yes. they're both, both in the same, the same team. I hadn't sussed that they have two cars in the field. 
Tom Coronel that's uh, one of those people that if, if there's racing on at a weekend, he's probably in a car. Highly unlikely that he's not. I always just remember Spa 24 hours long, long ago thinking, please, will that noisy Mazda retired in the days of his father, Vandenbeek Coronel, that rotary Mazda wine, if you were sitting bleary-eyed in the press room doing a race report you know, in the small hours of the morning and you got a headache. That was causing the headache, but uh, a family through and through. Tim and Tom absolutely love their racing, second-generation racers. And let's see where they can go today. But at the moment, uh, Tom is second in the SP3T class. Quarter of a second between our first two cars. It's still the Mercedes Get Speed Performance leading from the KCMG Porsche with Dennis Olsen on board. They've got nearly a 20-second advantage ahead of dueling BMWs. Nicky Katzberg back in front of David Pittard. They're both being caught by Axel Jeffries in the Conrad Motorsport Lamborghini. Completing the top six, then you have a train of cars. Maxime Martin, late arrival, to join the Frickadelli Porsche crew. He's sharing with Jerome Blakemolen. They've got company, Patrick Assenheimer, the HRT Mercedes racer, tucked in behind, and the second of the KCMG Porsches with Alex Imperatori. Sixth, seventh, and eighth, very close indeed. And the, uh, the Haupt racing, as you say, HRT Assenheimer, Patrick Assenheimer car, number six in seventh place. Um, a little bit off the pace, compared, certainly compared to its, uh, its counterpart leading the race at the moment, but... Um, Nine seconds difference in lap time, which is uh, not 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 the performance we've seen from Haupt Racing in the first three rounds of this of this series. Okay, um, here's a caveat. I will throw into that that I want to see their next lap time because I think that I think the first couple of cars suddenly had that huge advantage because they weren't interrupted by a slow zone. I think they got through ahead of it. Now we've had a change of positions. We've got up the Dottingerhoa using this Turva back marker any instance he could and Dennis Olsen is now in front of Mercedes Mercedes is going to go through the fast left kink up the, the rise the fairly sharp rise looks flatter on TV got a back marker ahead of them and, but it's still the KCMG Porsche in front I thought it was an opportunity for the Mercedes but that was Olsen being bold he, he grabbed the moment and the Mercedes is going to be oh nearly half a second down in second place but that's the second time it's been passed for the lead of the race waiting to see the timing interval it was 0.236 of a second it's 0.6 of a second behind now as they come up on a TCR Audi down the inside into turn one goes the race leading Porsche easier for the Mercedes in second place didn't have to make a decision because the Audi pulled to one side but uh, this battle is uh, really good just as soon as you think Dennis Olsen has an advantage Fabian Schiller seems to suddenly pick up his pace Schiller now starting to take different lines you know why he's no longer the race leader he's not defending he's attacking and that's why he was taking a tighter line down into turn three and then into turn four as they go through the Mercedes arena but it's the Porsche in front and now the hunter has turned into the hunted Olsen leading from Schiller by ooh, half a bonnet length an interesting point you made there Bruce that the on the opening lap we saw Schiller's Mercedes taking some uh, running deep and running wide almost understeering quite a bit there they didn't have to do that now it is as if that car is now completely dialed in it was Olsen that on turn three was running really wide. Now, Olsen, when he came through those traffic, you mentioned it at turn one, he took the lead. He was strafing the TCL cars with his lights, and he is doing so now. But in turn, so is Fabian Schiller flashing and strafing his lights behind two race leaders, if to say, and there's no other traffic, just saying, I'm here too. My car's dialed in. I'm ready. You've had a, you've had a couple of goes at the front. My turn. One thing I really wanted to see there, we knew, we knew the top few had got clear, Olsen and Schiller, 
long gap. It was nearly 20 seconds back to Katzberg, but it was Katzberg and Pittard. Pittard, but it isn't now. Pittard's gone missing. No, so he's Pitt, gone into Pittard, the pits. And Pittard, Asenheimer. And Asenheimer. So that was from fourth and by, if my memory fourth serves me, seventh. Seth, yeah. Asenheimer was in that batch a bit further back. So not happy with their car's performance. Rolled the dice early on. So just remember that two of the top running front running cars have issued... Well, they haven't issued anything. They've decided they're going to take a risk, come in now, change on to different Very number. clever move, I suspect. Very clever. The car's not working. It's get it in the pits, get it changed, get it out there. We've got, uh, we're only, we've, got a, we've got three hours, 21 minutes to go anyway. So why wouldn't you go into the pits now and get it sorted? Why went in the pits, I get a sandwich, but that's me. <laughs> so um, I think that could be a very smart move there because Pittard did his usual thing, as he said, but it, we saw it in the first first three races even won the first one uh, outright after the uh, HRT car was disqualified Pittard great start seventh up to third drop down to fourth uh, but still didn't make the progress he has done in previous races that might be down to the damp but dived into the pits as indeed is Patrick Assenheimer another pilot who makes his way through and is not normally running down in fifth sixth seventh not not normal position for him it's not the status quo so I think that's exactly why those two cars have pitted get it in there sorted tyre change is probably what this what it's going to be well you know what if, if I was as in a different type of tyre to go out into the second stint if I wanted to take driver intelligence driver Nordschleifer intelligence I would just wire into Patrick Assenheimer he has had so much success here he will probably pick up nuances of the weather the possibility the rate of change of weather that is absolutely vital and with his driver lineup he started the race Dominic Bauman Dirk Muller what a strong second and third driver in that car they can afford to take risks because they know that all of their drivers are on the money and that's uh, I think that I think that's a very key point and it's uh, he's, he's Asenheimer's uh, probably forgotten more about this place than most other people remember or learned uh, and as you said to not just out of place being down there but it's out of kilter something isn't right when Attenheimer's that far down the order we're saying that far down the order we're still talking only seventh but I think that is a car to watch that is uh, Pittard out of the pits now Assenheimer will follow very shortly it might be in ninth on our timesheets now but of course that's not relative to other cars have not yet taken their pit stop I think that is a car to watch I'm going to say now that's going to be on the podium at least that car well, I think that's very impressive. Uh, Peter's just put £1,000 on the table. <laughs> I love how I say podium and you mention money. So <laughs> <laughs> waiting for your house to go on. Yeah. Uh, now, it does always pay as a commentator to do your research. Read the whole way down an entry list. And with the NLS, also be in the toes for those who've joined seemingly on the morning. But one, one entry I must have glossed over. 481 in the... VT2 production car class. It's BMW 330i, looking fabulous in a, a black and uh, orangey and white livery. Robert Van Hoosen, Swiss racer, and then Giacomo Altoe and Andrea Caldarelli. Now, how about those for an illustrious pair of teammates? They're not doing it because in their heart of hearts they really dreamt, dreamt of racing a 330i BMW, but they're doing it because there's a race here later this year that goes on for 24 hours. So. Uh, Alto and Caldarelli normally see them, of course, in, in Lamborghinis by and large, and uh, very, very impressive indeed. Obviously, uh, Caldarelli had a phenomenal season last year with the FFF racing team, cleaning up in the uh, Blancpain GT World Challenge and um, back again this season. But out, not just to play, to play and to learn here on the Nordschleifer. So that's car number 481, and that's in a pack class with... Uh, Sharing with uh, Hyundai i30i's, uh, VW Golfs, BMW 328s, F30 BMWs, but uh, out here getting experience 
And being the Nürburgring Nordschleife, there's always a flatbed somewhere around the circuit picking up a car. We've got one uh, making its way up towards pit entry. So all the, all the tail end cars that are just coming past it now will obviously see the, the flag marshals waving their flags in warning. But uh, it's not something that hasn't been seen before on the Nordschleife. And all the drivers have to be totally primed, Peter, before this event. That it, I mean, each corner is a, a bit of a, an eventuality in its own way. But the fact is you do have other members of the cast that might be driving at rather lesser speeds, so they have to be on their tippy toes. Well, it goes back to what, what we said, uh, I think it was a few rounds ago, and when uh, talking to, to Wynne Percy about this circuit, a famous endurance driver, Le Mans driver, uh, Spa, 24-hour winner, Bathurst, you name it. Tick, you know, tick, the, the, tick, tick, tick. Exactly. Um, and, and he talked about the Nürburgring, and he said, uh, he said, don't try and learn it, just know what's coming up next, which I thought was a great description from a, a, a very, very highly qualified driver and race winner, a TWR man. Uh, to don't try and learn it like you would a normal circuit. As long as you know what's coming up next, that's fine, and that's key not to worry about it. Going back to Calderelli, as you said there, um, very, very experienced man, Lamborghinis, big cars, high performance, whatever, in a 330. What did we say a few, few minutes ago earlier on? Never stop learning, and you can't beat seat time at the Nürburgring. So exactly that. 330i, does he want to really drive it? It's probably not high on his list. It's not a bad car to drive. But it's a great car to get out there and learn some experience of the Nürburgring, ready for that 24-hour later in the year. Uh, one thing, all the drivers, if they've just done top-level GT3 racing but not done a VLN race or what we call them this year, the Nürburgring Landstrek and the NLS race, it's the cars in the other classes just being treated to the lead duo coming through past one of the probably quick midfield cars and it was as if they were in another game entirely. One went one side, one went the other. And again, just the way you looked at their cornering potential when they got to the next uh, twister versus what our camera car was showing us. And, and so the drivers just have to keep on responding. But more positive in traffic, possibly easier because he's leading the race. Dennis Olsen has built a lead. It was 0.6 of a second at the start of the lap. Coming down the dotting her, it's almost out to a second. That seems ridiculous. He's gained nearly four tenths of a second around 24 and a half kilometres. But it's about making those moves through the traffic. Every one... Well, not everyone. Not everyone's going to work, but it's about having the law of averages on your side. But now he's got enough of a lead not to give a toe to the chasing Mercedes, and that's what he needed for the dotting of her. But that which we just witnessed, I know you guys can't see it unless you look at the live streaming, but what we just saw there with Fabian Schiller was absolute poetry, the way he followed Olsen's Porsche through. Olsen made a bit of a gap, but there were two slower cars that he wasn't necessarily too easy. And let's take it, an AMG is not exactly the smallest car in the world and he just simply didn't there was it was just utter poetry the way he just slipped through there and just followed that through and gained probably two tenths on the Porsche in front of him not only is he dealing with back markers he used it to his advantage and gained a bit of time that's got to be so satisfying so Drive, satisfying drivers on a different plane at the end of the start finish straight however the Mercedes is rising onto itself down into turn one there you go two and three have been negotiated and again the punch of the Mercedes it, it made it all up again 0.7 of a second when they went over the start finish line 0.2 of a second as they go out of the Mercedes arena breaking hard trying to take a tight ish line don't want to be super super tight through the long right hander it's a shortcut on the Grand Prix loop but the Mercedes is now officially all over the tail of the race leading KCMG Porsche and uh Again, it's, it's, it's entertaining because this, this battle has been swapped around twice now. So each of those drivers has had a spell at the front, had a spell overtaking the leader, it has, has uh, performed all of the roles of the front battle. And in behind, how far back to third place? Katzberg has brought that down to 
just under 11 seconds. Bear in mind, that was 17 seconds. A better lap for him. It's where the traffic falls. Is there a slow zone? Yes, there are slow zones. But what the, the leading duo gained on that uh, opening handful of laps when a slow zone went their way, they've lost again. Plenty of action on the Nürburgring Nordschleife firing through this race and it's extraordinary how the lead duo keep on changing positions at the moment it's Dennis Olsen leading in the KCMG Porsche but Fabian Schiller who led away from pole fancies more of the action and they've, they've swapped several times he's just uh, about a quarter of a second behind as they go out onto the Nordschleife the full loop 24 and a half kilometers around this fabulous circuit but it was good news for Nicky Katzberg he uh, was deposed early in the race by fellow BMW racer David Pittard had a fantastic duel. I, I said, unfortunately, that uh, I thought he would now be dropped by Pittard. Pittard really, really attacks early on. He not only wasn't dropped, he then fought his way back and put his Rover Racing BMW up in front of the Walken Horse Motorsport car all over again. But the good news for him is he has clawed back a lot of the time from the cars in front. And Axel Jeffries, who got to just two seconds behind him, clearly the wrong side of a slow zone, is now 16 seconds behind. So that BMW in third place, Peter, sitting on its own, which actually is probably quite good as conditions are a bit tricky just to focus. He's not alone, though. He's got a lot of back markers to work his way through. Um, that will keep him busy, to say the very, very least. Just watching the, the leading two cars there, the, um, the Get Speed and the KCMG um, Mercedes and, and Porsche, respectively, um, we mentioned that the sh you mentioned Bruce a few times that the, the sheer grunt of that uh, Mercedes. Also through the stadium area, it appears to be that little bit better on the brakes, that little bit better mid corner slow speed on the very technical bits. There, you were saying about taking not too tight a line, but he was taking a much neater, tidier line of the Porsche in front that was just running a little bit wide, also mm. there, tiny bit. Not not running wide too much, but just doesn't seem to get it in quite the way uh, that Mercedes does. And then that seems to swap as it goes out onto the Nordschleife, which is something we said the quite the opposite in the last races, that the Mercedes seemed to be able to consistently, let's just say, 90% pace, but on 100% of the circuit, where some of the other cars, the Porsches, were 100% good at one point, 80% another bit, and it didn't add up, if that makes any sense. The Mercedes was that bit better all the way around the circuit. That seems to have changed today in these conditions. And I, I think I think now, the first few laps of the race, Olsen's Porsche was the quicker car, clearly. Not just in times, but it was all over the back of that Mercedes. I think that Mercedes was taking a while to get itself dialed into these damp conditions. And I think it's going to come stronger and stronger now. And I'd watch the, I'd watch the Hauptspeed car as well. Yeah, well, of course, the Hauptspeed car came in to put fresh rubber on board we'll keep a keep an eye on that one in fact let's have a little look the walking horse well they'll be down way down our screens having made that early pit stop i'm going to talk about david pittard in the walking horse motorsport bmw 16th and 17th uh there they are indeed pittard still ahead of assenheimer by ooh, nine and a half seconds 9.8 seconds so it's gone that's probably a not dissimilar to the gaps between them maybe slight advantage pittard before they came in i think assenheimer had a slightly longer pit stop on that one because there was it was there was a bit of a gap between the two i think it might be down to that okay we'll we'll keep our eye on that have to keep scrolling down when people dive early into the pits you start to lose them off your timing screen well in fact assenheimer's pit stop i'm you know uh, was as i say that <laughs> times have just got off the screen that's really no. unfortunate looking at them and they've just been removed but um I'll, I'll keep scrolling across and find an answer to that 52 point. Anyhow, out the front of the race. Uh, it's still really, really tight between Olsen and Schiller. 
And uh, it's great to have a race where they keep changing order. But the good news is Nicky Katzberg is closing in on them. His last lap, I I'm sure he didn't suddenly gain six seconds on them because he suddenly found six seconds in his performance as his, the conditions changed. So it's down to slow zones, but uh, doing what he can to chase after them. And Axel Jeffries in fourth place in the Conrad Lam Lamborghini just doesn't seem to have the pace right now falling away. Great lap by Katzberg. Eight minutes, 11 seconds. I'll keep an eye to see if anybody gets close to that. Uh, in the next lap because certainly conditions changing all the time at the Nürburgring here in the fourth round of the NLS. Every time you get an opportunity to ride on board it's important to just check the conditions and uh, certainly for the race leading KCMG Porter it seems to be dry everywhere because he seems not to mind hitting the curves. Peter's pointed out that Dennis Olsen the race leader is very ha happy and wisely hitting them on the way in so he can make a shorter line around the circuit, but staying clear on the exit when you want to be putting the power down. And also uh, it seems to be working, but the Mercedes is still giving chase, getting through a whole gaggle of backmarking cars just past a KT KTM, done with no problem at all, as you'd expect. But it's also just those moments, Peter, when you get shoved a little bit wide, and that's when it can all suddenly start to go a little bit wrong. As you say, it, it can just change in an absolute instant. They've changed the whole face of the race. And it, it, as we've commented before, uh, on so many parts of the Nürburgring here, uh, there is no runoff. There's tiny, tiny little verges that are strips of grass at the side. So once you do make a mistake, or if you push off, or slightly, I don't mean physically, but just a little bit of a bit of manoeuvre between back markers, you end up running a little bit wide. There's no margin for error on the actual North Life of the Grand Prix circuit, being a modern Grand Prix circuit course has lots of runoffs and lots of well, a much greater opportunity you can relax there as a driver I'm sure to say right we can do that we can do this on the Nordschleife no it's a little strip of grass and it's about it's almost a token gesture of grass down the side to mark the edge and saying well this is this isn't track and then your barriers that's it there's not a great deal of room you don't want to be getting uh, out onto that stuff it's especially it as it's rained overnight and of course the grass is soaking wet and what happens to motor cars on wet grass they pick up speed they don't slow down they go quicker and what happens to, to racing cars when they get tight behind another car? They get a fabulous slipstream, and that's exactly what Fabian Schiller has got right now, halfway down the Dossinghur, right under the rear wing of the KCMG Porsche. So it's been a better lap. Very, very tidy through the Mercedes arena. That enabled the Mercedes to get onto the tail of the race leading KCMG Porsche. Quite some way back. Now, at last, we can pick out the car in third place, the Rover Racing BMW. That was 10 seconds, 11 seconds down on them. That has just had to work through a five-car gaggle of Caymans and the faster of the, the BMWs in behind. But uh, did well there. But who's going to be in front over the start-finish line? Is it still going to be Olsen? Will it be Schiller? Certainly Schiller's got the punch out of the final corner. And this time around, it's still going to be Olsen. Has it? Hold on. Have we had people diving into the pits? Just having a quick look. No, down, the, down to the first corner they go. Turn one. The Porsche on the inside, covering that inside line totally. Three tenths of a second back is Fabian Schiller in the Get Speed Performance Mercedes. And again, looking really, really tidy through the through that long left-hander at turn two. Looking so balanced, that Mercedes. And he's even going around to try to look around the outside. It is monster, monster quick through this section. We saw this last lap there. Back markets are keeping out of the way. The Hyundai, they're through. That's cost a little bit of time for Schiller. Tiny bit. Time is important because Katzberg didn't get any advantage from slow zones. He was three seconds a lap faster than the race leaders last time around. He's 7.7 .7 seconds back in third place. Not so long ago, that was 19 and a half seconds back to him. 
the slow zones went against the cars from third place backwards and Katzberg had been fighting with Pittard over third place and now at Rover Racing BMW don't forget that was slightly falling down the field after one lap it started coming up is now in third and is hunting down the race leaders we're getting towards the end of the first of the four hours three hours and six minutes remaining in this race and that's the point at which we start to see people diving for the pits don't forget two cars have already come to the pits from the SP9 class as Olsen continues to be harried by the Get Speed Performance Mercedes of Fabian Schiller, David Pittard and Patrick Assenheimer, drivers who have considerable success on this circuit. They came in after four laps. We now have six laps on the board. Who's going to jump next? At the risk of, uh, of repeating yourself, Bruce, you've mentioned the, the two different circuits here, the Grand Prix circuit, then they go out onto the Nordschleife loop. And it does seem at the moment, as it is at this point, so many, what have we done, uh, almost an hour into the race, the second place car, Fabian Schiller driven, get speed performance, Mercedes that was on pole position. It's led for a bit, they've swapped places, but it does seem the quicker car over the Grand Prix loop. But then you go on to the, what I call the current Grand Prix loop, then you go on to the Nordschleife. And that's where the Porsche just seems to have enough back again just to hold its own. But I do think that is changing lap by lap, corner by corner. Of course, lap here is significantly longer than most. We're in only in, uh, or it's just under nine minutes now, aren't we? We're doing eight minutes, eight minute thirteens they're doing. Um, that's that's going to change. And I, I do I do see that Mercedes getting stronger. Okay, I, I, I concur with what you're saying. I also asked a question a short while ago and immediately gave myself an answer. Who's going to be next in the pit? Six laps on the board. Maxime Martin, the Fricadelli Racing Porsche. That dived in from, I think, sixth place. And Fred Vavish, who was the tail end of the top ten. Belgian racer brought the number 20 Audi from the Audi Sport team. They've decided they're coming in early. I would expect the vast majority of the SP9 runners at the front end to come in next time around. And uh, don't forget, if you pit for your first set, your first uh, tyre change early, it means later in the race you'll be running, well, you have to run a longer stint in one of the remaining three hours of this race. Running you down through the classes, SP9 Pro-Am. Ninth overall, oh, sorry, 10th overall, that's Patrick Kolb for Huber Racing. SP7 in seventh place overall. Uh, very close, actually. Just under a second between Nico Menzel and the number 80 CP Racing. This is the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup class. And Nico Menzel leading, but only by just under a second from Moritz Krantz, who shares with Marcel Hopper. That's the H&R Spezial Feden Porsche. Frequently fighting with each other in the nicest way possible. Um, SP8T, Gabriele Piana. That's the effectively the GT4 class and uh, flying Italian sharing with Mustafa Mehmet Kaya and Mike Sturzberg in the Black Falcon Team Techstar Mercedes. So Black Falcon not running in the top class for the remainder of this year, having effectively transferred that to the Hout Racing Team, but very much a fixture in classes further down through the field. So they've got a potential class victory. I know I'm saying that with just 25% of the race thereabouts having been completed, but certainly a good run from Piana. Now, you mentioned Pittard uh, was a man that uh, had pitted earlier. He's still in the car, so it looks like it was just a tyre change. It's still yeah. like he's in the car. He just had a change of place and got down the uh, inside of Adams, number 50, Audi. They had a long run down the pit straight, managed to get down the inside, just managed to get it done. He did run a little bit wide on the exit, but managed to nail it, and now is pulling away. So uh, Pittard, we said before is a guy that's done some fantastic opening stints in this race and closing stints but really made his mark at the beginning of the race almost we said i think it was in that first race almost almost operating without a safety net taking some risks that we were like crikey this 
if, if, if he pulls this off, he's a hero, and he kept doing it lap after lap, so fair play to him. Uh, he stayed in that car, so that was one of the early, he and Patrick Assenheimer, very early to pit, came in virtually the same lap. Um, clearly not happy with the setup of that car. It went, although it went from seventh to third to fourth, and was hovering around third, fourth, sorry, fourth, fifth. Um, they've obviously sorted that car out. Uh, he's now coming back up the order. He's, okay, 15th at the moment, of course, other cars pit in front. Vavish is out, Fred Vavish out in the Audi, back from the pits, and the number th 36, Falkenhorst, M6, also coming in. Well, <laughs> drivers often have to change the chip in their brain when they, they move onto the Nordschleife. They go over the Nordkera bridge, effectively start diving down, and someone's just dropped it at the side of the circuits. That's being tidied up at the moment yellow flag at hats and back exactly that's that's just the the very moment and that well, that's but amazingly hats and back is effectively about the eighth corner of the lap but it's marshall's post 63 <laughs> you, you compare that to um, you know a regular size circuit and uh, it's extraordinary how many marshals are required and uh, that's another factor you think how many people volunteers all of them make this race happen by turning out standing in a forest for for probably eight hours even though it's a four-hour race they have to be there for qualifying i know it's quick fire they have to be there until all is over and then for a lot of them it's, it's they've got to walk back through the forest to find their car like i said it's a bit i bet it's a 10-hour day in reality yeah, actually, yeah. as i was thinking about doing the qualifying too key to making any of these events around the world work whether it be uh Mallory Park, Brandshatch, Silverstone in the UK, Nürburgring, Monza, Imola, whatever. It's uh, we have all the we talk about the teams, we talk about the organisers and the promoters, etc. But uh, we forget about the personnel that are on the track or so easily overlooked that make this actually happen. You mentioned uh, a short while ago it being the Nürburg Nürburgring. There's always a flatbed out somewhere. Somebody's got to drive that and operate it and be in radio touch and all that. And it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just pull out and say, "I'll go and pick that car up." There's a a very um, you know clever process of choreographing that nice and safely to make sure that happens and nobody gets caught out with faster cars coming through to also let the drivers know that it's safety of drivers and marshals uh, well well also just to add to that is the fact that uh, when you've done your business driven onto the track picked up a car on your flatbed driven it back to a point either at the side of the circuit or back in the pit lane there has to be a procedure where you can get back to the original opening or a, an opening to still be of use and these things you know it comes with years of experience the fact this is the 43rd DMV Grenzland Renan just goes to prove that uh, this is a tried and tested formula but uh, newsflash to be added to that is Mercedes had a brilliant lap started in second place Fabian Schiller he's now I, I sensed it around the circuit that he, he got past then took a few moments just as I was talking there trying to work out exactly where he's pulled off the move but coming down the Dossinger Hur he's about two to three three seconds clear of Dennis Olsen's Porsche didn't see the moment of change did Dennis just get caught in traffic? Did he run wide over a curb? Did he run slightly off the track? But in fact, if I say it's three seconds, that was the foreshortening effect. It looked rather more than that. Into the final right, then left onto the start, finish straight now, the, the full grunt. Is he going to dive to the pits? Yes, he is. So seven laps on the board. I wonder when that change was going to happen. I'll write it down on my notepad. And I presume the Porsche, yes, the Porsche comes in as well. I said seven was the lap that I reckon most who didn't go early. And really, we only had five of the top running cars pitting on earlier laps. Two on lap four, three last time around. And Katzberg straight in behind as well from P3. So one, two and three straight into the pits. That's going to put uh, Jeffries at the front of the field in the Conrad Lamborghini at the moment. I expect that to come in as well. He's running in fourth at the moment. He was another 19 seconds down, so we didn't get to see him in the background of the shot, but I expect uh, 
as the front three cars with, may I say, the Rover Racing BMW an awful lot closer. He just, uh, he's almost a second down on the Porsche coming down through the paddock. They've got to go round the roundabout, back through. That's been a fabulous lap from Katzberg. He really was coming on song. Exactly as you said, the Conrad Lamborghini into the pits as well, Bruce. Well predicted. So round the... Uh into the shopping mall, as I call it, in the back of the paddock. It's uh, it's very reminiscent of it. It, uh, it, is, it, it does look like some sort of retail outlet, doesn't it, that we've gone to. It's beautifully well organised by uh, for the uh, NLS. Well, let me just explain what it is. It's a, it's a loop. When you enter the pit lane, you turn after the main tower, you turn hard right and then hard left. You run down through the paddock. That is where the team's... Not the top teams, but the teams in the junior classes make their pit stops. So they, all their crews are behind concrete uh, panels. They then climb forward and service their cars on the slow, slow lane. But there's a fast lane, but still with the speed limiter, pit limiter. And all the SP9 cars run through that. They go round the roundabout and then back through and out into the pit lane. Have you done this long loop? And then they drive down and some of them, like uh, the Get Speed Performance crew, they're in the final garage down towards pit exit. Only now is Fabian Schiller coming to a stop. That was a good lap for him. So it's a question of who is going to be changed. Changing, it could be John Schoffner or Janine Hill taking. I think it's Janine, but I'll, I'll wait till they come out from pit exit, taking over the 23 Get Speed Performance Mercedes. The crew swing it round, so the nose is at 45 degrees, approved angle of departure. And uh, Janine Hill and John Schoffner really love the VLN in recent years. Now redubbed as the NLS, the Nurburgring Langstrecken series. They, they've done a lot of performance with the J2R. Crew, John Schoffner from the States and Janine Hill from the UK doing their driver change. It all looks nice and leisurely. Of course, social distancing is being maintained in the paddock. All the marshals there with their face masks on as required. And the pit stop is uh, near. still refueling, still going on, tyre changing. Uh, Jules Simkoviak came in as well. So all of the top five SP9 cars came in. That means that not having called at the pits, Moritz Krantz is leading the race in the SP7 class Porsche. That's the Porsche Cup class. They traditionally run a little bit longer and take their pit, pit stops after the end of the first hour. We've now passed that mark, so next time around, expect them to come in. Slow zone on the Grand Prix loop. That's a little unfortunate. So you down to through turns one, two, three, four. That's the Mercedes Arena. Down to turn five. The long right-hander, and then out of turn six, someone's dropped it and put it at the side of the track. So just where the drivers are relaxing, there is something to be uh, paid attention to. Relaxing? Yes, relaxing on the Grand Prix <laughs> loop. Sunday paper, even though it's Saturday. Always ahead of the game. So the car that uh, started second, got up into the lead, back into second, up into the lead, back into second again. Came in in second, but uh, that's the 19 KCMG Porsche, one of two from the KCMG crew. But the news on that, uh, the last lap before the pit stop is the Rover Racing BMW really was catching the race leaders and came in, well, listed as three and a half seconds down on uh, Dennis Olsen, but I think it will be closer than that. And that looks ready to go. It's like a shorter pit stop. Is it going to get a jump on it both look, the KCMG? Looks like it is, yes. But they, No, it's ready to go. Now it's the first to move, but it's going to come out behind the Get Speed Performance Mercedes and the KCMG Porsche. Now, that was a trick of the light. Obviously, the KCMG Porsche uh, 
had got into the fast lane before the Rover Racing BMW, but was from further up the pit lane, whereas the last of them to move was the Get Speed Performance Mercedes, but their pit garage right down by pit exit. So they've gone out onto a dry circuit, brighter conditions, and it really is pretty much positions as they were before. It's still the Mercedes. Janine Hill in that car now, yep. as you said, and Joss Burden in the KCMG Porsche taking that car over. Uh, Rover Racing BMW taken over by uh, Dusseldorp. So driver change is a chance for them to, uh, well, they wouldn't have had a chance really to speak to the driver they're taking over from. Oh, a few a few snatch comments, but that's it. But what they can see is the, the weather is improving and now actually, good grief, there is even light bouncing off the wings of the cars. Waved yellow flags early on the Grand Prix loop for all the drivers to slow down to next to nothing. In fact, that's at the Nordkera where they turn over the bridge and then go down onto the Nordschleife. So the Rover Racing BMW, really frustrating for drivers. Uh, in this case, Steph Dusseldorp, where they, they want to get going and they're immediately on the circuit and they have to sort of back it right off. But uh, that was a great opening stint by Nicky Katzberg. Let's see what his fellow Dutchman can do. Came in, the car came in in third, has gone back out into third, about three seconds down on the KCMG Porsche. But really, it was advantage to the Get Speed Performance crew. They came in with not an enormous lead and now they've actually got a comfortable one for the first time in this race. One hour gone, four hours Overall, so we have three and a bit hour, two and a bit hours to go, two hours, 53 minutes to be precise. And suddenly it's not the battle between first and second, it's the battle between second and third. And the best of the rest should be the Lamborghini of Conrad Motorsport. But just get to see where that slots in with, of course, Pittard and Assenheimer should be charging up the order. They made their pit stops earlier in the race. They came in after four laps, the race leaders after seven So a lot of the cars owe us a pit stop. Half of our top timing screen, which is nearly 40 cars, still to make a pit stop. But the cars from the SP9 class have all done theirs. And it's the Get Speed Performance car that was the first of the front runners to get into the pits and out again. Now Janine Hill has taken over from Fabian Schiller, but it was a great lap from Fabian, Peter, before they came in to, to suddenly not just get into the lead, but build a comfortable advantage. First time all race. And it's also that marker, isn't it, you're coming into the pits as well. It's that, that sort of almost that bragging rights of you're in the pits there. As you said, we watched them come in through that wonderful system they've got where you come into the pit lane, turn 90 degree right through garage one, 90 degree right again into the one-way system, hairpin back all the way down. But that Porsche, the KCMG Porsche, sitting there following that Mercedes, which he wasn't doing on track. It's that marker, it's that mental bit of you sitting there. It's the one time they have got a tump, a little bit of time to pause, the driver sitting there on the pit limit to going around thinking about it. Okay, yes, you're going to. It's almost a, a routine drive to your garage, in through one, round the system, back out again, through two, into there. You're sitting there. And what was he watching? That Mercedes in front. It's that age-old thing of that car. That's the car that's just got ahead of it. It's just pit me. It's that bragging rights. It's that throwing that gauntlet down at the end of the first stint and just saying, I've done it and I've been beaten to the pit stop which is infuriating after all the work they've done as well. Yeah, it's, it's, again, mind management as well. Right, put that behind you, concentrate. What are the track conditions like? I've just got into my stint. But it certainly is getting better. Start of the race, if you weren't listening or watching, the cars went out and there was rain on the windscreen, so they went around the formation lap. Ooh, whoopee, they cried. But uh, it, it, it was a factor for the first couple of laps and that now really looking around the circuit no more wet patches or damp patches at the edge all fully dry nearly three hours of racing to enjoy here on the fourth round of the nls for 2020 we started late right at the end of june 
two quick fire races uh, a fortnight later now this is the fourth but we're going to get a full season just starting late but uh, hats off to the organizers who made this paddock system work so we could go racing so we could have pit stops pit stops clearly rather important in a four hour race but uh, i say really really good job but fabulous job by for the get speed performance team must be said, came in with a small advantage and have doubled that in the course of the pit stops. But Janine Hill's going to have to be right on her tiptoes to see what she can do in terms of keeping ahead. Josh Burden, the Australian driver, will be the one giving chase for KCMG. Driver changes include the, the 44 Audi. Now Winkelhock at the wheel of that took over from Winkelhock doing a double duty. Oh, sorry, that's... Yes, Marcus is driving that, which is for the car collection crew, sharing with Milan Donci and uh, Mike David Ortman. And he's also very busy because he's in another one of the Audis. He's in the number 20 Audi, sharing with uh, Fred Favish, who started off, and Mattia Drudy. So just have to make sure I, I pay attention to which car Winklehock is in at any time I see that famous name up on the screens. Now, Bruce, you've mentioned frequently about the weather changeable all that kind of stuff we talked about it just looking at the weather forecast for the Nürburgring it isn't guaranteed but on my my app that's fairly good and been fairly accurate the last few years um, you've noticed it's getting brighter it's sunnier it looks like it's going to stay that way for the moment of course that won't happen now I've said it but interestingly it's about 18 19 degrees now in the next hour or so it's due to increase almost 10 degrees to, to 28 odd degrees 29 degrees predicted is what it's saying now that's a big increase that's going to have a huge effect on drivers dehydration in a car and tires on the track it seems like it is bright and sunny there but a 10 degree increase do you think in the next hour or so seems a lot to me but it's possible it's what's predicted uh, it is extremely bright and sunny out there now compared to how the race started only an hour and ten minutes ago. Okay, well, a handful of moments ago, I was talking about how Marcus Winkelhock is, is driving a couple of entries this weekend. He's not alone in that. I noticed Dennis Olsen is driving both of the KCMG Porsches, so hard enough to do two stints around here. But if you're suddenly getting in for your second stint, you're, you're going to be starting a little bit tired having done one already, and then it's ten degrees hotter outside the car. Multiply that. It always goes up incrementally more inside a racing car. The hotter it is outside, the, far, the greater that rate of increase uh, so for Dennis and for Marcus their second stint is not going to be that nice at all now a car that always goes well in the Porsche Cup class just finally coming in it was leading the class car number 62 in the pits at the moment looking fantastic in the H&R Spezial Faden livery of uh, metallic blue black bonnet white flashes and that's being handed over to Marcel Hopper really good pairing with Moritz Krantz Moritz did the opening stint and uh, they're one of the crews that are performing out into in the paddock pit lane if you will so the the crew have to climb out over the concrete barrier which is sort of waist height well depends how tall you are i guess uh, and then uh, perform the refueling over the pit wall and the tire change ankle height in your case then yes yes i wouldn't notice a mere nothing so actually that 62 hr special feden car is listed as our race leader because it, it hasn't its uh, position in the paddock rather than the pit lane and the fact that the Porsche Cup class cars always seem to be the last of pretty much the last of the runners certainly the last of the fast cars to, to call into the pits but remember that David Pittard and uh, Patrick Assenheimer were 
the first cars to pit after four laps they're right together now Pittard is still in front of the Mercedes but not by a great deal flashing over the start finish line race leader Pittard second place Patrick Assenheimer point three of a second down again around the Nordschleife I was looking at the screens trying to see where they were clearly they were going to be ahead of the race leaders before the pit stops and we're going to have to wait and see uh, if Janine Hill will come across the line in effective third place. In fact, no, she probably won't because still car number 50 has not made a pit stop. Will be in this time around. Surely Rudy Adams running in the SP9 AM class to keep Vitesse Audi. But uh, in a way, you get these little performances that uh, you know will fall away. But what is absolutely real is the, the tactic that Walker Horse Motorsport and uh, the Hout Racing team pulled pulling their drivers in, Pittard and Assenheimer three laps ahead of the rest. It's going to cost them later in the race, but they decided getting them on the tyres they wanted to be on as soon as they could after those greasy early laps was uh, something worth going for. Do you reckon they got it right, Peter? I think it was the, the right call to do at the time. Whether it will, whether it will work out at the end is, remains to be seen, but they, were, they weren't making any progress. So there's no point in just staying static. So you've got to do something, so better to get on with it. Uh, whether that plays out at the end, of course, conditions can change. Who knows? But I think at the time it was exactly the right thing to do. Batmarker trying to keep out of the way of one of those two cars as we're talking about now as they go on to the Nordschleife. That's the uh, number 34 Vulcan horse car chased by the Mercedes. Batmarker kicking up a load of dust trying to keep out of the way there and talk about keeping out of the way completely kept out of the way almost drove over the grass to keep out of the way of them again uh, again that's one of those variables so that's the Vidal chicane you're on the Grand Prix loop so you think uh, this is the space to do things but in fact trying looking at his mirrors or her mirrors uh, the Seat Cupra driver just ran wide over the second part of the chicane and then bounced up in the air oh number 19 has gone for a spin that's the car that uh, of course was second early that's in burden. the race yeah Josh Burden only just taken that over, and he is stationary at the moment. Now he's got it going. Had to restart it by the look of it. So presumably stored it there. That's just coming out of the uh, turn shell. six. Yeah, put it on Grand Prix loop, isn't it? Well, that is a big blot on that car's race. It's been really tight at the front. The advantage was swinging away of the Get Speed Performance Mercedes, but. Um, one would have expected that uh, Josh Burden would have been able to hunt that down again. And instead of being about three, four seconds down, number 19, uh, confusing, just being shown car number 18. That's the second of the KCMG cars. I think that's Roman, Roman Dumas, Dumas at the, the wheel. Car, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the way we just throw that. Yeah, it's just Roman Dumas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice and casual. A little bit of Porsche experience, hasn't he? To say the very least. Well, he wrote it on his CV. I hadn't had a chance to check it out, but, um, you know. <laughs> Yes, I mean that's the thing. If you if you look down the entry list now and you just see the the sustained quality, not just in the SP9 class that uh, tops the tables, but uh, in a lot of the classes further down, such as having drivers like Gabriele Piana driving in, in the GT4 class. You mentioned the Spa 24 Hour a while ago and a few years ago, and of course that memorable win by Robin Dumas in the uh, Freisinger Porsche from the what was then the uh, well, N N1 what was it called N2 and category then. Oh, I forget. They, they Back in sort of 15, 16 years ago, 2003, in that pouring, pouring rain. The N1 class, yeah. And the uh, N1 class, and they beat all the GT1 cars, and that was Stefan Ortelli, Dumas, and... Uh, I'm trying to think who the third driver was. We have to look it up now, aren't we? But right. Some, while you, while, while somebody you, will send it to us. <laughs> while you're doing that, effective race... Well, the race leader is David Pittard, Patrick Assenheimer giving chase, so don't let anybody tell you you don't need experience to... to get things at the sharp end on the Nordschleife but third place overall Reinhard Koffler from Cup X 
if you had an entry list, you had to scrub, scrabble all the way to the um, penultimate page. That's that's class populated solely by KTM crossbows, running third overall. But Reinhard Koffler, he knows those cars super well, the Austrian racer, and uh, he's seizing his moment. How fast is best? Well, his best lap is not representative because it's uh, about 20 laps, uh, 20 laps slower, about 20 seconds slower. But it's by dint of making his pit stop. Not yet, you see. That's why he's at the front end. But uh, the KTM's very light on their toes. And um, from the ether, Mark Lieb was the third driver in, the, yep. in Porsche in 2003. So uh, Le Mans winners, all of them. And uh, you don't luck into a win at Le Mans. So uh, thank you th to the ether for the answer. Now, who is leading? I'm just seeing at the... Porsche Cup runners, of course, we had Moritz Krantz come in to hand over to Marcel Hopper. Been having a great battle with uh, Nico Menzel in the Huber Motorsport Porsche Cup class. That's SP7, but they've tumbled down the, the sheets. It's car number 80 leading that class. By, having dint, by dint of taking an earlier pit stop, Nico Menzel's car handed over now to Philipp Neufer leading that class. The uh, number 85 car is now second in the SP7 class that's the one with the two American racers Shane Lewis on board and Charles Espinal from CP Racing they're having a good run today one thing that I really did expect to come on strong it's only really happened at one of the NLS races this year Peter is the Audis it seemed last time out they finally sort of found the key to the door but today the best place of the Audis is not at the sharp end to put it mildly Certainly not, and we, we, you say they've had some um, some amazing starts and amazing first ins, but they seem seem to fade a bit. It's almost like the uh, the Mercedes we we commented before that just didn't seem to cope with the damp, drizzly conditions as well, and uh, the Audis just don't seem to have just just don't seem to come on song or f found that sweet spot yet. I'm sure they will. Uh, equally, the the Porsches, certainly KCMG, they they just didn't. I wouldn't say flattered to see that would be too harsh, but they 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 didn't deliver what we expected in those first three rounds, and it's to the point of, of surprise. Of cool, thought they'd be a bit better than that, or a bit higher up, not better, but higher up the order. Uh, certainly changed the beginning of this race, but, but once but again, I, yeah, I think you're entirely right because I, I think the thing is, I really expected cars like number twenty, which is down in thirteenth place at the moment, with Fred Vervish on board, be going much better. Mm. But with those greasy conditions, the first two or three laps, they just didn't seem to have it. But again, a lot of this circuit you're going to be running line astern. There isn't the space to be side by side on the on the Nordschleife. So if you qualify 10th or 11th or 12th, that just stretches out and it sort of manifests itself. But with the calibre of some of the driver lineups in the Audi Sport team crews, you know, if the conditions are right, they will come forward. But certainly that greasy track seemed to uh, sort things out for a few people up the carousel just exiting the carousel there's been someone doing something that wasn't according to the script well it's one of the scripts not the one they wanted to write themselves someone's gone off and so there's a slow zone there and as we've seen in this race so far it can give and it can take away a slow zone and um, certainly that's there keep the drivers on their toes but it's still David Pittard leading the race but only by three tenths of a second that seems to be the margin that a race leader is allowed to have on this circuit this weekend and um, the black Mercedes in second place is right under the rear wing down dotting her of David Pittard. Pittard's had an outstanding season he's really put down a few markers last year and uh, certainly living up to Walken Horse Motorsport 
love him, but Patrick Assenheimer, he's been, um, well, he was the most successful driver last year, seems to win alternate races, really, really on it. New driving partnership this year for Assenheimer. That's the number six Mercedes. He's got Don Bauman, Dominic Bauman, and Dirk Muller. Right with him, but right now he's the man in the driving seat. He was uh, three tenths of a second down last time around. It stayed at almost exactly the same margin point, three five of a second. Can he make a move down into the opening corner? Surely too far back. David Pittard thinks, "What are you doing, man?" And uh, takes a wide line, but then immediately closes off. Saw the black Mercedes looking up the inside. But Peter, that was just one of those little looks, wasn't it? Just yeah, to keep but you on your toes. Good spot there, Bruce, because as, as you said, surely too far back. And as we said, this race on this circuit with these cars can change in the blink of an eye. And in two or three blinks of the eye there, it went from being too far back to maybe not so far back to, oh, this might be on. I think he's done, oh, he hasn't quite done it. And almost like four stages there in a matter of two uh, seconds, a yeah. second. But also there was, uh, there was a back marking car in front of them. And that's always a variable. Can I use it? Will it obstruct me? Can I use it to obstruct the driver behind? Doesn't sound very sporting, but that's what drivers oh. will be thinking. Can it be used to my advantage? But it's still even, Stephen. It's a half a second between them as they drop down the hill behind the paddock. And then they go to that fast right-hand kink, kink up towards the chicane. And you know what? There are two back markers that may be just out of the chicane when they get there. Luckily for the race-leading duo. Luckily for Pittard, who's leading this race, and Assenheimer, who's giving chase. Locking brakes there from Pittard. Cutting... Well, there was a very near collision. I, uh, right, let me just slow that down and explain it. Very <laughs> tight exit from the chicane for the race-leading BMW of David Pittard. The two back markers were some of the slowest cars in the field. These are not regular back markers. These are the back back markers were on the left exiting the chicane. The second of those then decided he was going to take the shortcut into the back entrance to the paddock and started turning right precisely as Patrick Assenheimer was trying to work his way past. So that was a moment, one of these moments, say, can happen, does happen sometimes. Uh, but fortunately, all it's done was delay Patrick Assenheimer by about a second. But uh, I was just thinking, was I not saying as they came up to chicane? Fortunately, those cars should be out of the chicane when the front runners come. Yes, they were, but only just. But the second place of the cars in the backmarking duo suddenly decided... I've got to go see my crew. In fact, did he touch? He put the Mercedes yes, into yes, the rear entry, the, and yep. there was a touch. There's a little bit of a there's a, a dive plane or something. A little bit something's come off there. Something off of the Mercedes. A little bit of carbon uh, on the track there. That will have got everybody's attention there. And what a great job actually uh, to have not had a, a bigger incident from that. That will have certainly got their attention. But uh, again, yet for proving yet again how quickly this can change in an instant. Something totally unexpected. You cannot relax there. You're chasing the race leader and you're thinking, all of a sudden the back marker decides, oh, I'm going to take, not unauthorised, but a different place into the pits. Safety car deployed on the circuit. We've got a car that nearly made it back. Hyundai that uh, has four wheels, but uh, the front end is on the deck right at pit in. So the other flag there, but I've got a message, safety car deployed. I have to see who and where and when. But that was very close for Patrick Assenheimer. And it would be really unfortunate if either of those cars were denied a chance of uh, tilting for victory because they had been the class of the field. I, w I would say there, Bruce, that all of Patrick Assenheimer's experience came into play to avoid that BMW going into the pit lane there. He, he was already jinking mercifully. If he hadn't taken some action and turned right as it came across, that made it a side-by-side -side tap rather than a, a point which would have prioritized the car around so I think that's huge no great mistake on the BMW's part maybe just didn't see him there it's just one of those things it's, 
I, I don't think, you know, it wasn't remotely malicious, just one of those things caught him out. But it, that could, again, change the face uh, completely. But it, uh, they got away with it. I'm intrigued to know what the safety car about. That uh, Hyundai that's in the pit lane, that's come in off by the, um, the loop. GP loop by the look of it. So it's a bit further back, so it may not be coming in off the but it's certainly in there it looks like it's front left suspension or tyre is down and it's okay. down low right what we've got we've got a slow zone from the carousel and then through the next couple of corners we have another slow zone over towards uh, the exit of Adenau Bridge so they've been busy and uh, there's a third slow zone let me just suggest where that might be uh, getting towards Whipperman just after Whipperman so all totally contrasting corners well that's a statement about any corner on the Nordschleifer but again it's not just one point on the lap the crews have to pay attention, it's every point on the lap. And that incident we just mentioned between the BMW and the uh, Assenheimer Mercedes, that's on the chicane just before they, on the GPC before they go on to the Grand Prix loop. Slippery surface flags now being waved there, red and yellow flags in there, so obviously something's come down there. That might have been, because we saw a little bit of smoke on that earlier, that might have been what caused that incident, to be fair. Well, in fact, I think race leader... David Pittard did a good job because he locked up, possibly because of the slippery circus. surface, got through uh, the chicane, but not on the best of lines. But he had to have a tight exit anyhow because those two BMWs were on the left-hand side of the track as he came out of the corner. He did really well to get up the inside of them. And then, of course, trying to do the same uh, was Patrick Assenheimer. But unfortunately, the second of those two BMWs decided now was the time to dive into that rear entrance and so suddenly his BMW wasn't in the pit lane entry from the back but it was the black Mercedes instead big miss big well a big avoidance there from I guess it was a big avoidance so yes yeah just trying to work out how far back he uh, Assenheimer has fallen Janine Hill now has fallen down to ninth place overall can't match the pace of Fabian Schiller around the Nordschleife, but no disgrace in that. Fabian very, very much at the sharp end. And he'll be telling people for some, some years to come how he qualified nearly five and a half seconds clear of the field. But uh, just to reiterate, it was fully wet this morning for qualifying. And, I mean, Fortune clearly favoured the Brave. But, I mean, some of the cars that qualified in the tail of the top ten were some, oh, about nearly best part of 20 seconds down. So I suggest it was one flying lap that was hooked up by... Fabian Schiller, that was enough, job done. And the rest didn't want to take too many opportunities, take too many risks uh, to see if they could uh, close it, because if they were starting on the second or third row, it doesn't make too much of a difference. Where it really falls on its face, though, of course, Peter, is if you didn't take enough risks. You have to take a, a balanced amount of risk, but if you suddenly were on the sixth row, that's a very different uh, game from the start of the race. Walkenhorst run quite a few cars in quite a few classes. The number 36 BMW M6 is not their race leading one. It's uh, the sister car uh, shared in the AM class by Henry Walkenhorst, the boss, and Andreas Ziegler. But uh, it's there. the 34 that's leading the race and the traditional white, pale blue, red, and dark blue total livery on the 36 car that uh, is going around on its own very much at this point in the race. No one immediately in front as... It runs in the AM class, BMW 21, 21st place overall. But uh, many moments down, a big, big twitchy, twitchy moment for it. Uh, there's one of those things, if you're the, the driver and you're having a moment, that's the moment you don't want the cameras on the car. It's overhands at the moment at the wheel of that 36. Walken Horse Motorsport Mercedes. Now, the Hyundai that you mentioned that's just uh, was in the pit entrance is being removed. Well, certainly a flatbed ready there to pick it up. By the look of it, it looks like it can't be 
can't be towed at all. That's the uh, number 482 Hyundai. Which is currently stranded, let's say, on the loop back from the Grand Prix circuit pit in. I don't think it affects them coming in off the main track, as it were, but it is sitting there uh, in the way at the moment. So there's recovery vehicles in there. So that's a yellow flags and warnings in the pit lane. Assenheimer on the attack. He's made good all the grounds he lost. He's right on the tail of race leader David Pittard. Final couple corners of the lap just went past BW Golf. Dispatched that no problem at all. But half a car length between them and the Mercedes right under the rear wing. Going to the outside, the grandstand side down the start finish straight. And he's going to see if he can take it around the outside. There's a Porsche Cayman up ahead. The cars are side by side. I suggest the nose of the black Mercedes just in front. But David Pittard is... Well, not where he wants to be. He's still in front, but he doesn't want to be that tight on the turn into turn one. He's going to go wide on the exit. Will that give an opportunity for the black Mercedes to go around the outside into turn two? Well, that's where Assenheim has put it. And Pittard just ran that little bit wide to uh, make sure he stayed in front. But Assenheim is now looking at the inside. Doesn't come off into turn three, but Pittard too deep into the corner, running a little bit wide. And he's now got to suddenly throw it across the other way. He's got through turn four. He's still in front, but a slower exit. Now's the chance. The right-hand hairpin coming up. Pittard does get across to cover the inside line. If he hadn't done that, there would have been a change for the lead. Great job by David Pittard there. And it did nothing wrong there, as you say. Just blended to the outside a bit. Opened, I think it's David Coulthard used the Just opened up the steering a little bit. Just let the car use all the maximum width of the track there. Nothing wrong with that. No sudden change of direction. It's no natural drinking. shape around the corner. Correct. Correct. Let it's the car breathe. Going. If he hadn't done it, though, you would have said there would have been a change of position there. And Assenheimer, as you say, all over the back of Pittard's M6 at the moment in that menacing uh, AMG Mercedes with that fantastic grill aspect on them. And it's also black and dark and menacing and it just looks having that in your mirrors but it didn't bother Debbie Pittard because he just just let the car just move around and just as you say how wide is this car oh it's about that wide that'll do and uh, perfect job done there um, I did think he'd actually I, the Cayman that was coming down to turn one there I thought he, uh, Debbie Pittard might have used that a little bit more to his advantage but he very generously did and kept it kept out of the way but he dived to the inside as you said not quite the line I was expecting him to take and not where he'd really want to be ideally uh, but as you said, he went in nice and deep and then ran wide to use it. And of course, then you're turning right. You've got the turn two is the big left-hander. So Assenheimer to go, having to go all the way around there. And that's where that Mercedes is really quick uh, through that. bit. Not so much turn one, but two, three, four, five, six. That's where that Mercedes comes into there. And that's why Debbie Pittard had to dive down the inside and consolidate that. Because he said, had Assenheimer got it done there, it had disappeared off in the next three, four, five turns. Now, one so thing I'll hold on to that. Sorry. No, 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 no. I just, uh, you know, there's always timing screen action to look at. I just wanted to see the pace of Josh Burden in the number 19 Porsche from KCMG. Don't forget, this started second, led the race twice in the opening stint, but was right on the money. And he spun on the Grand Prix loop, and he's down in effective sixth place overall. His last lap was 13 seconds slower than David Pittard, who's leading the race. So, of course, though, Pittard is further into his stint. He's got a lighter fuel load because he came in, as did Assenheimer, after lap four. The majority of the front runners came in after the seventh lap, pretty much around the hour mark in this four-hour race. And the best of those now is Steph Dusseldorp in the 99 Rover Racing BMW. But how far behind David Pittard is he? Similar car, they were fighting for track position, or those two cars in the opening stint. One hour and one, one hour. Start that one again, Bruce. One, one minute and one second is the gap between them. That's the different uh, routines. Don't forget, of course, uh, 
They will have to be longer stints now for the first two because they did that short first stint. So that will have a factor that will definitely uh, allow those behind to close up. But you have to say, I think it was an inspired move. Yeah, of course, that Rover Racing uh, M6 in third place, that's where the car started on the grid as well. That's where it was initially. So it's only back up to its natural order now. Uh, the car that's doing really well, those two at the front, we said Pittard and you particularly, Assenheimer, if anybody has probably forgotten more about this circuit than most other people have learned. And they're, okay, we've got Dumas in the field and other people like that. Uh, and and Coronel, for that matter, uh, knows the place inside out as well. But Patrick Assenheimer in second place. Uh, we've got 3-2-3, uh, one of the TCR cars. Looks like one of the Seats uh, going very slowly. Can't see any puncture on it there. Remember, it's, it's a golf. It's either Johan Wanger or Stefan Tribelhorn. But no, it's, it's one of those rare things, a front view of a, a seemingly undamaged car. But the right-hand indicator is on. He's going to be taking the, the back entry to the pits. Actually looks completely fine. No, have we got a right rear puncture? Can't quite tell. No, it's certainly not a right. It doesn't look like a problem no. there. But that's why I was going to you see that's going to dive into the pits, keeping out of the way of everybody else in the moment. It shouldn't affect anybody, but just keeping offline. So indicator on, trying to inform everybody that he's got a problem. Uh, straight a bit here. That's a tiny bit coming to the S's. He'll keep out of the way there. We don't want a repetition of what we saw with the race leaders just uh, a lap or so ago. But as you say, a, a seemingly undamaged car there. So not normally it's a puncture that brings a car into the pits that, that slowly, but uh, I can't see anything happening for that at the moment. The Toyota Supra is still out on track, having the battle with that, the Porsche that we saw earlier in the pits, the 170 Supra. Yeah, that's the novel racing entry. Uh, it looks incredibly standard, running in the SP10 class, but uh, Uwe Klein, Andreas Goulden and Michael Tischner. But this is a car, a lot of the teams that took over a Toyota Supra for this year were very excited about doing it. Then, of course, frustrated three months of racing went missing and uh, testing was limited, but it's been very impressive uh, since it, it came out to play the number 170. And um, I certainly think a lot of people were keeping a weather eye on these Supras. Certainly every, every team I've spoken to that's uh, got their hands on one has uh, very much enjoyed the experience. Not fully on the pace yet, but I think they all feel there's a lot of promise. I was going to say, it's certainly not disgracing itself, is it, as a, as a new build? Um, I, th I, th I think that's work in progress and they will just get better and better. Uh, they're do doing nothing wrong and they're just they're learning data information collecting it all the time and uh, be good to see if that car's out in the 24 hours i think that could have a, a, a good a good strong result in the 24 hours it looks it looks nice and steady and reliable nice is not a word you often use the race car but it looks a nice reliable i said it again didn't i reliable car which is what you need and with pace i mean that that's been the thing it's that's why the NLS is such a good testing ground. You've got to deliver in a one-day format. You've got to get it right in qualifying. You might have done some practice during the week, but then you've got four hours. Four hours that will provide variable for all sorts of aforementioned reasons, uh, namely the circuit, the opposition, the weather. And, and as we've seen, the difference, even on a dry circuit from one day to the next, it could be about three or four degrees air temperature different, four, five or six degrees temperature uh, track temperature different and yet it's almost as if you're at a different venue and that is where the experience of the likes of Patrick Hassenheimer come into their own because it's just being able to analyse the data and the feel, the seat of the pants feel uh, about what the track is giving and how much it's taking out of your tyres. And that's the thing, it's that constant, you've got to be assessing it all the time, we've used the phrase before, never stop learning, never relax, you can't on a circuit like this just by the, just the, the various variables it can throw up. But that constantly feeling what it's doing it's it, we so often 
use the term over a lap, but a lap here is so different to anywhere else on the face of the planet and any kind of race circuit. So you've got to stop that mentality, as you said earlier on, uh, quite rightly, if a driver make a mistake, something happens, somebody gets past you, whatever, park it, no pun intended, it's done, move on, it's happened. Here, you've got to get rid of that mentality of, how are the tyres this lap? Which well, kind of irrelevant. How were they a few corners ago? Because that's the difference of this circuit. Because a lap is, you know, some of these slower cars here are in sort of nine, ten minute laps. Even the front cars are only just doing just over eight minutes a lap. Um, that could be normally about five laps over an ordinary race circuit. So you've got to think of it in that way. It's a lap here is five laps on a normal circuit. Would you, would you not worry about your tyres for five laps? Of course you wouldn't. You'd be doing it every three times a lap, thinking, is it different, is it not? And reporting it back. And you've got to log all that information in your brain whilst you're driving the car and think about what, because the pit crew might come onto you at some point, because they'll be looking for that information too. What tyres are they going to put you out onto next? What's their strategy going to be? And they're relying on you. And you're sitting there happily in your little bubble, driving your car around, having a wonderful time driving your racing car around the Nordschleife. And all of a sudden, somebody very rudely comes on the phone, as they say, and said, um, how did the tyres feel? You know, oh, I haven't thought about it for four corners or whatever. And what's this? And what's the diff temperature? Because they wanted to work out strategy. And you're a vital part of that. You're not just driving the car around. You've got to give that information back to the team as a driver so that they know what to do next. There is always an element on the Nordschleife that the team still rely on on not just the data on the screen they still rely on looking to see what comes up the start finish straight and this time it's a black car ahead of a white car which means patrick assenheimer has taken the lead of the race did it about probably halfway around the lap by the time they were charging back down the dossinger he had about two seconds advantage 1.6 seconds on the start finish line and where it went all fully bright or as near to fully bright as they left the pits a little bit darker over towards nurberg village in the background certainly a, a warm humid day uh, for all in, all involved but better lap for Assenheimer 8 minutes 24 the previous lap he did an 8 minute 23 and Pittard did an 8 minute 22 this time around Pittard an 8 minute 26 might have been circumstance maybe he went very hard early on but uh, certainly a better lap Steph Dusseldorp in 3rd place but a long way back don't forget different tyre routine he was in fact the quickest of that trio but only by a tenth of a second but he's not in the heat of a battle he's effectively on his own pressing on and really the most important thing for him is the gap back to the car in third place 21 seconds Roman Dumas has just moved ahead of the Lamborghini of Michele Di Martino so KCMG expected their number 19 Porsche to be the one challenging having started second whereas the sister car was towards the tail of the top end of the top 10 but it's the number 18 Roman Dumas car which is their better place it's three positions up or two positions up now on Josh Burden Josh Burden had the spin though I was say no, number 19 Josh Burden had that spin didn't he which uh, he's 21 seconds down on Dumas which he'll still be kicking himself for and ruining it so he? I'm, I'm sure it's just one of those things I'm sure the team will say to him it's done you know forget it you won't he won't want to he'll be annoyed that he'll be kicking himself because it's it's also handed the position to the, his teammate ahead which is what he won't want at all because that's the one car you do want to beat his yeah, teammate exactly and I'll tell you what last time around the difference between Dumas and Burden was um, oh Let's just call it seven seconds between just seven seconds. That's a stormily good, decent lap from Duma, not a good lap from Burden. Don't know if there's any damage. He might have uh, made his tyres a little less than round with his rotation right at the start of his stint. But the Australian driver's just going to have to focus, keep pressing on. He's, oh, he's eight and a half seconds up on the best of the Audis, which is Frederick Verwisch, car number 20. 
sixth place overall, the Audi Sport team entry. But just to reiterate, that's uh, Fred Favish, Bataille Drudy and Marcus Finkelhock. Finkelhock down to drive two cars in this four-hour race, so they'll have to get their stint uh, allocation very clear so he's got time to move to the neighbouring garage or a nearby garage uh, when he goes to drive number 44. In fact, he's in 44 at the moment. He'll be going for, and in ninth place overall. He'll be coming across the 20 garage later in this race. Not yet at the halfway point. Two hours and 18 minutes remaining in this four-hour race. The DMV Grenzland Renan, the 43rd running of this race. It's a race that's uh, swung backwards and forwards been between the get speed performance Mercedes, that's car number 23, and the number 19 KCMG Porsche. However, they are not in the running at the moment because the 19 Porsche is in fifth place overall. The 23 Mercedes, I'm looking down the order, to seventh place now, Janine Hill. But the two cars at the front are cars that were running behind them in the first into the race, but pitted early. Four laps on the board, they dived for the pits. Their rivals came in three laps later. That's why Patrick Assenheimer and David Pittard are way clear, nearly a minute clear of the rest. But they owe us a pit stop and making a pit stop with rear bodywork damage. The Lamborghini is coming and it's been biffed up the tail. That's Di Martino. Left rear damage from the driver's point of view. And that's going to be quite a pit stop there for that because there's quite a bit of rear end damage there. The rear wings are totally out of shape. Uh, as you said, it looks like it's been hit. It's either gone off and tapped something or the barriers or it's been hit and out something's he's outbreak something and something's clouded up the back. Uh, rear wing is definitely askew. It's down on one side, up on the other, but it's the rear bodywork on the left-hand side of the car, the driver's side, that is going to need care, love and attention. But I think that car will be put up onto the Dolly Jacks and uh, swung out of the way. So, yet again, Conrad Motorsport with their Lamborghini, the Huracan, shown great pace. Be right up in running in the top half dozen, but right now it's driver out. Di Martino is out. If they didn't have bad luck, they'd have no luck at all, would they? This race, unfortunately, it's just just not being kind to them this year so far. The the NLS series, and I think that car will be in the pits for a while. That Conrad Lamborghini, which is a great shame, but uh, not seeing what ha caused that in the first place. But it's a uh, quite a lot of left rear damage, or something's had it. I think it's got. It's almost as if he's lost it and clouded the barriers at a slight angle. I just, I just, I just wonder. It's one of the quicker cars. So it's unlikely. That something else, unless something has outbraked himself, just not. He's had to stop suddenly and being. I, it, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see what's happened with that one. But it's uh, uh, a lot of damage for that car. That'll be quite a bit of a, a repair there, and it might even might even be a retirement. That said, we have been talking for an hour and three quarters about this race, and we've got two and a quarter hours to go. Exactly. Uh, so putting, we're talking about laps here being five times longer than an ordinary circuit, and it's a it's a four-hour race still. Well, people here, here gaining experience all the time. Garage 59 brought their great-looking GT4 Aston Martin. Chris Goodwin's taking it over from Alexander West. It's running just at the tail of, well, just around uh, 35th position. I think it's just possibly fallen down a few more places, but it's all about mileage for them. Of course, they'll be gearing up to running in the SP9 class. That's the GT3 category class later in the season for the Nürburgring 24 hours, but the team down from Leicestershire, across from Leicestershire, uh, putting in a good performance. Car looking very sweet indeed. I always thought that Goodwin was a very, very cool individual, but he's he's coming behind someone, inverted commas, called Iceman in the race. So <laughs> I th I, about time Chris got, got, him, got himself some inverted commas. A meeting of the minds. I'm sure Chris Goodwin, with all his experience, will uh, uh, dispatch that. Short shrift. Supra making its way out of the GP chicane and around the 710 
BMW onto the Grand Prix loop. So, just, um, sorry, just, just take a look if anybody had run a totally different uh, tactic, if what the stage of their tyre life was. Because the first two cars, Assenheimer's Mercedes number six from Auto Arena, which is run by the Hout Racing Team, and the Walkenhorst Motorsport BMW number 34, David Pittard, they're lapping, let's call them 8 minute 25. Sometimes you do a 23, sometimes you do a 27. So cut the middle but chasing cars are now getting down to that pace as well but don't forget that uh, at this point in the race Assenheimer and Pittard probably owe us a pit stop this time around they've completed 11 laps they did only four laps on their first tip but they can't afford to really come in for at least one more lap because they want it to be around if they can get two pit stops of their three pit stops done at the end of hour one hour two and they're back in the swing. But I would reckon this time around will be the time that we see the black Mercedes from an increased lead. It was 1.6 seconds on the start-finish line. It's much more over, over David Attard now. Assenheimer into the dip. Tiergarten really fast in. I'd say it's about a six-second gap for Assenheimer. That's been a really good couple of laps. Will he be pitting after 12 laps? That would be an eight-lap sit. Yes, he is. So here we are. The pit-stopping round number two for the SP9 runners has started but don't forget that was a long stint that was an eight lap stint for the two cars that have come in the 20 sorry the six Mercedes the Auto Arena Mercedes Patrick Assenheimer and listed as I'm just waiting for the timing beam to be broken David Pittard in behind lost a bit of time on that lap You mentioned earlier about uh, pit stop strategy Bruce and what happens towards the end of the race it's uh, it's not yet well it's not even not just approaching halfway point but it does start to think make the team start to think about strategy what they're going to be doing now they're going to be working towards the end of the race now working back what do they do in this middle stint what's important what tires do we use what fuel loads do we put how much of a run do we now run as you say and yet again sorry to hark on about it but an extra lap here is different as you say normally you can say a long run, eight lap, a shorter run, seven lap, a nine lap run would be amazing, probably not even feasible. But it's it's such a difference. It's not just a question of stay out there for an extra lap while we have a think. You know, it's it's such a it changes the whole fate of this race for them. Totally does. What I wanted to see, would Steph Dusseldorp, who's in third place, go on for one more lap? The answer just provided itself because he is now leading the race. Don't forget he was running about a minute behind. He's going to come through. Roman Dumas is also staying out for a further lap. So just waiting to see how quickly Pittard's car, 34, in the hands of one of his teammates, can get back out. And Assenheimer, likewise, the number six Mercedes. But don't forget, just before those pit stops, it was the Mercedes that had the better lap. And uh, gained an advantage. So a pivotal time in this, the fourth round of the NLS. One more lap and we'll get the true picture. Now, on the, uh, the Acura number 930, front left damage on that car. It's the KTM crossbow, my apologies, of Teichmann Racing, a 930. That car with a, a, quite a bit of front left damage on it, and I just... Well, that was the one that got right into the lead, effective lead of the race by, by running out longer than anyone else. It's made, made its one pit stop, but... Uh, that hasn't helped its thing, but really it's and a story what was it running of the right end of behind this lap. Though? Yeah, exactly, but it's a story of what's going to happen at the end of this lap that uh, will keep me 
on my toes because we've had Assenheimer and Pittard bring their cars in from first and second place. Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf in the Rover Racing BMW into the lead of the race now, but he will owe us a pit stop next time around. And Josh Surely. Burden then for uh, that's a fairly short run for Josh Burden in the number 19 KCMG Porsche. That's a five lap run. Yeah. So that is different. Of course, he had the spin. I reckon that looking at his lap times, the, the pace required was, was not there on those tyres. I'm sure he, he didn't do them a favour by rotating very early in his stint. But really, maybe all hopes for KCMG. As I said, they, they came here with uh, expectation, hope to get towards the front end. Their highest finish so far this season has been in eighth place. So it's not coming their way. Today could be definitely a step towards a podium for them. But burden spin probably means it's going to be from the 18 car rather than his car, the number 19 entry. Where is it going to go? Another low loader, flat, flat bed coming in, lights flashing and a safety car tucked in behind, rescuing another car. KCMG in the pits, number 1112 Porsche also in the pits. It's uh, relatively empty if you're used to a regular NLS race, but of course we have uh, two-thirds of the car making their pit stops in the paddock because of the uh, distancing required. The solution that was achieved to enable us to go and play means a lot of the cars dive into the pit lane. They all have to go into the paddock and come back in, but some have their service being made out behind the pit building. That's how we're able to go racing. Ooh, times are suddenly getting quicker. Roman Dumas, fourth place overall, bangs in a nine, an 8 minutes 11.9. And Fred Vavish in the best of the Audis at 8 minutes 10.185 seconds. That's the... Ooh, a whisker off the fastest lap of the race. Still in the hands of uh, Nicky Katzberg in his opening stint in the Rover Racing BMW. But you can see the difference when you get a clear lap and your fuel load has gone down. You really can go out and play. And actually, the Audi's coming good. Not just uh, Vavish in fifth place, but a very good lap from Winkelhock in the number 44 car, which is running in ninth. He got down into the 8-minute 11s as well. It's never going to be a poor lap from a Winkelhock, though, is it? No. <laughs> it's not going to happen, is it? So, things are changing. They're going to change a whole lot more. We've got uh, Dominic Bauman now in the number six Mercedes that was leading before the pit stops. That's the Auto Arena car run by the Hout Racing team. And it's Christian Kronjers, Norwegian racer, Spa 24 winner, uh, who is now into the car started by David Pittard. Two stints from Pittard, two stints from Assenheimer. They've earned themselves a cup of coffee in the pit lane now because they've done... Uh, really, really solid stints. But would it be good enough with that early first pit stop for them to still be ahead when every one of the front runners has served their second pit stop? Well, we're going to get the answer to that very, very soon indeed. But for now, it's Steph Dusseldorp leading the race, the Rover Racing BMW. But I'm sure that 99 car will be heading into the pit lane next time around to serve its second pit stop. Roman Dumas, just a point of interest, Peter. 18 seconds down on Dusseldorp at the moment, but has been gaining by about two and a half seconds a lap. So time will tell and we'll know the answer to our questions very soon indeed. And don't, I haven't talked about the 23 Mercedes. Get speed performance led away from pole position. Fabian Schiller at the wheel. Fabulous battle with Dennis Olsen in the, the better of the two KCMG Porsches. At that stage in the race, it was his car, the number 19 car. But he'll have a bite at the 18 car as well. Olsen's one of these drivers also, like Winkelhock, doing a two-car day here on the Nordschleife quite good if your car's going well and then has a bit of a spin as his did and you've got a chance to hop in the sister car that's now moved ahead i suppose it's called insurance 
running down through the classes. The 62 car still leading the SP7 Porsche Cup class. That's uh, Moritz Krantz who started and Marcel Hopper. Leading the way in SP9 Pro-Am is uh, Lorenzo Rocco di Torre Pagela in 11th and the AM class, Janine Hill. The car that started from pole position, but you know she hasn't been able to run at the ultimate pace uh, set by Fabian Schiller. But again, happy to work away through this four-hour race. John Schoffner would be in, on board next and let's see what he can get up to. But yet another solid performance from the Get Speed performance team. New personal best for the number 160 Aston Martin of Chris Goodwin in the SB8T class with an 8.59.3. So he'll be very, very happy with that. As you say, it's a, uh, it's a learning curve. They're, they're not out to set any records and stuff at the moment, but that's just, just getting all the data, getting all the information and getting to learn that car, uh, which is exactly what they're doing and what, what place to learn it. Four hours on the Nordschleife, great way to do it. No, exactly so. And they, the Alexander West, Swedish teammate who started the race, got to experience the trickiness of a, a greasy track after there was huge rain, heavy, heavy rain in qualifying this morning. But the track was still a little bit damp when they went out. A little flurry of rain on the formation lap. Oh, yes, please. You can always imagine Chris Gooden being asked that question. Would you like to start the car? No, no, go and learn. Go on, I've, I've done all that. You go and learn. Yes. Go and learn what it's all about. Yes, as in, oh, thanks. Okay. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were the pro driver. Yeah, go and learn. You need to learn. I've done that. So, uh, But he's uh, proved his worth there with, say, an 8.59. That's uh, quite an impressive time for uh, an SB8T car as well. Further down in the classes, just taking a look, uh, we talked about SP7, SP9 Pro-Am, SP9 Am, SP8T, we talked about their car before, 14th place overall, it will fall down when it serves its second pit stop, but uh, number 144, Kaya at the wheel at the moment, well clear in class, SP10 is being led by number 169, Hopper, this is the, S the class of GT4 class, it's a BMW, and uh, going very nicely in class. No one else quite around them at the moment, but a flurry of pit stops coming their way very, very soon indeed. But right now, just waiting to see Steph Dusseldorp, the Rover Racing BMW, surely coming in at the end of this lap. This will be the end of lap number 13. And he was one of the majority of cars who came in after seven. So he could do, he could do another lap. He could go on, on to 14. But uh, let us see. It's also about changing conditions. It's about reading the conditions correctly. And uh, let us see. But again, sometimes you have an advantage if you're a two-driver lineup. It's just Nicky Katzberg and Steph Dusseldorp in that car. Fully attuned. Let's see where they hang out. So. Bauman leading the race. Third place, man. As you say, apologies for his third place, man. is a car that's got to come into the pits very soon. Uh, and, and he hasn't. He's done what he's no. going for one more lap. He just put 13th on the board. I'm just doing my maths. If they came in after seven, of course they could do another seven. If they can squeak it to eight, it makes it advantageous later in the race. But uh, an eight minute, 14 second lap, that's tidy in the circumstance. We've seen some of the other cars behind getting down at the eight minute 11s, but uh, Dusseldorp. It's a respectable on, on that run of tyres. That's a, a very respectable time. Yeah, because that's a longish stint. That's six laps under his belt. Next time around is probably the lap he will come into pit to keep it tidy. With the run out of either tyres or fuel before the end of that lap. Right. So let's hope it's tyres, not fuel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dumas has decided not to go for a 14th lap or to get the car into 14 laps. He's pitted from second place. Fred Vavish has pitted from fifth. So starting to get uh, the majority of runners will coming in this time around in effectively the top 10 runners in SP9. 
but of course don't forget that uh, Christian Crodiers and Dominic Bauman they're running respectively in fifth and fourth overall um, running a very different uh, series of laps they did a four lap stint followed by a seven lap stint so out of kilter but it all will come together towards the end of the four hours of this race and we'll see who's got the smile on their face you say that it all there, it's just casually all come together at the end of the four hours of this race and we are still just under three minutes off halfway through the race at two hours. Not even got there yet. So um, a lot to do yet. A lot a lot can happen. We've got a slow car on dotting her. Our race leader just come through. That's not going to be an issue for them. Uh, but... Ooh, another lap going on for the number 23 Mercedes. Yeah. That's fallen down the order in the hands of Janine Hill. Next time around, one thinks that she will... Well, that was a regular thing. If they do seven lap stint, which they've done, followed by another seven, that'll be the end of lap 14 when they come in, so that's absolutely fine. Best lap that time around. Eight minutes 43, so that's a slow lap there. That's 30 seconds down on the, the very, very fastest of the runners. Janine, I presume, will be going around to hand to John, John Schoffner. Anyone around her on the track? No, not particularly. She's sixth overall at the moment, but she's 16 seconds down on Marcus Finkelhock in the Audi, but uh, nearly 25 seconds up on the other car that's fighting with her for the AM honours. Because don't forget, though it started from pole position with Janine Hill and John Schoffner, very much an AM entry in this, with just uh, Fabian Schiller as their, their gun teammate. He did his job. He put it on pole. He fought for the lead in the race. But really their battle is to make sure they stay ahead of the next car down the line from them, the number 39 AM-class challenger from Racing One. That's the, the Ferrari 488. It's the one with the sort of shades of mid-blue with a sort of equivalent of a chequered flag pattern being waved across it. So sixth and seventh overall for the AM runners in SP9, but it's uh, Janine Hill leading from that class by a fair margin from Stefan Aust, driver from the Munster region of Germany. great rumble every time you hear any mics near cameras ah right was it going to be this time around for Dusseldorf no why not go for a further lap so 14 laps on the board tell you what I jumped too soon there I jumped I looked at the wrong BMW down the start finish straight sorry I've got the nose of <laughs> that's really poor Christian Cronier is also white from the front end but once you get the side flanks it's not the yellow and black of the Rover racing BMW team but it's the the multicoloured flashes, it's the red, the blue, the orange, all over the nose of that 34 white yeah, BMW. Yeah, Bauman and Crohn's, isn't it, running in ninth and 10th, and they're only a set of 1.5 seconds apart, one and a half seconds between them. Yeah, well, that's been that's been better for Crohn, because don't forget that advantage for the number six Mercedes had gone out to about half a dozen seconds. But I sensed in the pit it looked a bit tidier from the uh, walking horse crew. So, yes, is that the lead battle? We're looking between six and 34. It's as it was, in t but they're down, as you point out, Peter, in ninth and 10th. But they have done two pit stops. Their rivals have only done the one. So it'll all come square at the end of this lap, I would think, when Dusseldorf surely will come in to follow a seven-lap stint with a seven-lap stint. We're still waiting, though. I think you're... I th I think you could be absolutely correct call there, Bruce, that this could be for the, for the race lead in a, in a lap's time when this is all taken down and the others that have owed us are pit stops have indeed Olsen is back out so yeah but he's in a different car he's yes. out back out but he's in, in the, the 18 uh, car now yeah
So that brings in uh, yet another variable. As you say, the two KCMG cars. Uh, yep, they're both Porsche 911s. We mentioned earlier that uh, unlike a lot of formulas, like in, say, Formula 1, you've got two car teams. Uh, you've got two Mercedes, two Force Indy, whatever they may be, racing points, whatever they're called now. They're always two different cars. They're built identical, the same regulations that year, but they're different. Each driver has a different setup. You mentioned earlier about a driver doing, say, a first and last stint in a car, that the car feels slightly different, it's got a different set of tyres, it's got a different fuel load, the weather's conditions, whatever, so and so. Essentially, it's the same car. Now, they're swapping within their own team from one car to the other. So what experience you've had in that first car, and let's face it, um, uh, Olsen did a fantastic uh, stint, in that Dennis Olsen, in that first opening bit, in that, in that other car. He's now jumped into the team car, which might be totally different to him. It might not feel like it belongs to the same team. Might be perfect, of course, but there's yet another variable to do. And are there not enough things to be thinking about driving around the Nordschleife anyway? Let's jump in a different car that you don't know how it's set up. Or has he had time in that car already this weekend? Uh, it just it makes you smile, and that's I think the the, the way to see it all because um, there's just so just so much happening out there. At the moment, it's Nicky Katzberg's car with Steph Dusseldorp, his fellow Dutchman, leading the race. That's after two hours. As near as, and it's the number 18 Porsche in second place. But don't forget, that just dived into the pit lane. Uh, Roman Dumas handed that to Dennis Olsen. And Matthias Drudy up, just taking over from Fred Vervich. That's in third, but that's also just in the process of its pit stop. The real answer, real answer to any question is what's going to happen when we get to the end of lap 14. Surely Dusseldorf will come in from the lead of the race. 29.2 seconds to the good at the moment to serve that car's second pit stop. But for now, it's the Rover Racing... BMW M6 that's leading the way here in the fourth round of the Nürburgring Langstrecken series. It started late at the end of uh, June, but it's coming thick and fast. And uh, the teams hopefully are learning for their errors because don't forget, Peter, we mentioned at the start of the show, two of the three winners in the opening three rounds ended up not winning. One got pushed back to sixth place for drive time. And then last time out, the Octane 126 Ferrari took that mark's first win for a very long time since uh, 20. 16, he said, looking back, 2017, Team Monschau won yeah. uh, at the end of June. Oliver Kainz, Jochen Krumbach and Jörg Weiss, things have moved on considerably since then, but they, they celebrated, well, not long and hard, they celebrated hard, but not for long, because <laughs> yeah. then it was discovered, unfortunately, uh, a tyre that hadn't wasn't on the list, but they thought was on the list, had been used, and I'm sure there was no performance gain, but rules are rules, so they lost that victory. Leading the way in the GT4 class overall, SP8T is still the Mercedes that was started by Gabriele Piana, Mustafa Mehmet Kaya driving at the wheel at the moment, but they're some way clear in class. In fact, really having a very good run indeed, but uh, really it's all about attention on what's going to happen at the end of this lap. Will the Rover Racing BMW come in from the lead of the race and emerge back into the lead of the race, or will it be the duo, the six Mercedes, Dominic Bauman now driving it, and 34, Christian Kronjers in the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW. They're one and a half seconds apart, those two, but uh, I think going to be in front of that BMW when it comes back out after its second pit stop. Time will tell, but uh, different ways of doing things. 6 and 23 came in. They started down the order somewhat. 23 was on the front, sorry, but um, 6 and 34, I beg your pardon. They started down the order in 5th and 7th. They decided to pit after four laps. The majority of their rivals came in three laps later with seven on the board 
Steph Dusseldorf has just started his 15th lap. It hasn't dived for the pits unless the timing screen is suddenly going to tell me uh, that is what he's up to. But uh, right now, he appears to be continuing for one further lap. So that will be the 99 car pitted after seven laps. Has just done seven, so he's going for an eight-lap stint. Hmm. Well, for the surprises again, we didn't think that was going to happen, but it, indeed he has. That's going to have a, quite an effect at the end, the end of the race there. So that's a, a very brave manoeuvre there, taking an extra lap now. Mid-set just over half distance. And we'll see how that one plays out towards the end. Of course, the sec that puts the second place car at the moment currently is Dennis Olsen in the number... The 18. He's 18 taken car over now, from, wasn't from it? Dumas. Yes. Yeah. Just took that over from Duma, but uh, right, let's just have a little look at the lap speeds of. Um, oh, of course, they're, they're slow at the moment for Dominic pa Bauman and Christian Cronius because they're uh, waiting for the screens to update as they complete. I'll do that very soon because uh, the, the lap time on the screen at the moment is one that's including leaving the pit lanes, obviously, not as quick. Frigadelli, Bleakmo, and Porsche into the pits. Yeah, sudden, sudden flurry. That's the car that he's been sharing with Maxime Martin. Didn't expect to say this in a hurry either, that in second overall now is the car collection motorsport Audi of Winklehock. Yep, he's down to drive, he's driving that, he's down to drive the number 20 Audi as well, but that's been driven so far by Fred Vervish, who did a double stint, and uh, Matthias Drudy, who's on board at the moment, but if, if this, the seat has been warmed up for him, he'll take it for the final stint of the race. I feel like I've stepped back in time seeing that name at the top of the timesheet, so top of the sheet <laughs> So a car that's still, or a team that's still, I think, to play their hand and have been uh, a star of this series NLS 2020, rounds one, two, and three, has been the Haupt Racing Mercedes. Currently in number six, that's currently in ninth, Bauman at the wheel, but it's, they've been there or thereabouts all the time. They actually won on the track at the first round, but of course then had that time penalty uh, delivered just afterwards, which gave the win to the uh, Falcon Horse BMW of Pittard and Co. Uh, they then won the second round, uh, and then of course they were right up there again in round three. And it was a, as you say, a, a team largely built out of Black Falcon staff. While they've gone to the lower level, coming back next year, 2020, back to the SB9 class. We know that, uh, but it's uh, all the same. Uh, it was a, a, a great delivery of a new team and a startup, but and just this time, just not quite there. They've not really being in the yes they're in the top 10 but I say that they're ninth um, we will see yeah but it's still a car that's gonna keep coming forward of, of that I'm sure they rolled the dice differently they they pitted after four laps the rivals stayed out till seven now we've got to 14 laps and um, not that many we're still waiting for those top half dozen cars to pit Blake Amola's listed as third he's pitted the Frickadelli Porsche number 30 but um, Looks so well, certainly the BMW leading the race, but 99 car from Rover Racing and the number 44 Audi with uh, Winkelhock at the wheel. That's Car Connection Motorsport. They're going for a long second stint, but they'll owe us that pit stop. I'm sure next time around they will be coming in because of their rivals. Still waiting for the 23 Mercedes to see if that's going to get. No, that's going on to its 15th lap. Janine Hill goes on for one further lap. That's the AM class leader, 17 seconds further back, one position further down the race. Another car going on to the 15th lap is the 39 
Ferrari from Racing One, Stefan Aust at the wheel, and the last of the real front runners not to do a second pit stop. Sixth place overall, leading the Pro Am classes, Lorenzo Rocco di Torre Padula, the number 25 Audi. So they're all going for a long middle run, and that's the Huber Motorsport entry. I was going to give you a little drum roll there because I think you love saying that name as well. Like I said in my sleep. Tape. Well, I can tell it. It just flows. You've obviously got a little tape that goes into your head and just pops it in and out it comes. I, I, I can't even, I, I can barely say it, let alone as quickly and eloquently as you can. But uh, Elephantly. <laughs> so who is flying at the moment? Waiting to see surely after 15 laps we will get the entry to the pit lane from Dusseldorf and Winkelhock. But the gap between them, don't think Winkelhock in 44 is close to Dusseldorf. It's 1 minute 43 seconds, the gap between first and second in the race. So Winkelhock is there by dint of... Uh, actually, actually, he's been putting in some very good laps. 8 minute 12s, as has Dusseldorf. But uh, it's an artificial position because certainly the cars that led after those early pit stops, the number six Mercedes from Auto Arena run by the Hout Racing Team and 34 Christian Cronius, the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW, they are going to pop back up into podium positions. They're separated by just a quarter of a second at the moment, pretty much as they have been the vast majority of this race. Feeling hungry and of course what do I really not want to see a car sponsored by schnitzel arm it reminds me that there'll be a nice place to go and have a schnitzel next time at the, the Nordschleife but a very popular sponsor the number 666 car <laughs> Marcel Marchovitz and Tim Neuser but they, they think you read your, their names on the side of the car I'm just reading schnitzel arm <laughs> feeling lunch is due <laughs> Pinkelhock putting in a, some pretty good sector times there they're laughing quite a bit quicker than the Rover racing BMW in front bizarrely Maybe he's hungry. So it, may, it might be slightly false, as you say, uh, Bruce, where he is, but it, it's not, uh, he's not not delivering on the times. No, exactly exactly so. When tyres are getting down, fuel load is down, uh, you see some pretty quick tyres. But it's, it, takes, it takes a brave and experienced driver to really make, keep them sweet when they're on their last legs. Rubber. So Dusseldorf, surely the 99 Rover Racing BMW will be in this time around but the real question is where will Dominic Bauman and Christian Cronius currently seventh and eighth overall where will their cars slot back in They're running a different tactic having gone three laps before the others at their first stint and I reckon it would just be two laps difference for their second stint but it's not it's going to be three laps again that they've been ahead because Dusseldorp is eking it out in the Rover Racing BMW and staying out as long as he possibly can but uh, this will be the end of eight laps that's a long stint on the Nordschleife in weather that's getting warmer track that's getting more and more grippy as the temperature rises but takes more and more out of the tyres fabulous battling going on in the classes 917 and 979 in the Cup 3 class just had a change of position in the Mercedes arena and the 917 car has gone through. Rima has made it work. He's also driven onto the dirt on the outside and lost the position <laughs> exactly. by the time they get to the next corner. Well, the back marker stayed exactly where it was and both decided to go either side of it. That's the uh, M4, I think it is. It was an, old, no, an older M3, E36 M3 sitting there and they decided to go, having swapped positions already, battling into the arena at the end of that lap, and the beginning of the new lap, uh, and then decided to go either side of a back marker and for one that meant going left and onto the grass unabated didn't lift carried on kicked a load of dust and rejoined but lost the position yeah but the position was gained by Torsten Jung he stayed tight his blue dark blue and white Cayman now at the head of that little group 
running in class. Let me just see. There, of course, they're running in the Cup 3 class. They are fighting over third position, but it's going to carry on this battle. 917 with Reamer on board, getting closer and closer again, trying to go down the inside as they turn left onto the Nordschleifer. That hasn't worked in the history of the Nordschleifer. <laughs> Why start today? But uh, anyhow, backed out just at the right moment. And it still has Dusseldorf into the pits. There we are. I was waiting to get the trumpet out. The fanfare can begin. But really, very few people had stayed out on their rubber. Surely Winkelhock in a minute and a half will be coming in as well, by which time Dusseldorf and the Rover Racing car or Katzberg and the Rover Racing BMW should be back, pretty much back out onto the circuit. So what have we got left on the clock? Well, time plenty, but... We've got uh, effectively an hour and three quarters and a little bit of small change thrown in for good measure. Only now is the black Audi car collection motorsport car coming along the Dossinghoer. Marcus Winkelhock pressing on. He's got to drive another Audi later in the race. He'll get one stint out. He wants this one to end as soon as possible because he can, so he can have the longest rest before taking over the number 20 Audi from a Matthias. Well, well earned longest rest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, as predicted, the number 44 Audi comes in, Winklehock into the pits, but of course, into the pits means into the pits, into the paddock, back into the pits, then the SP9 class cars take their pit stops. So, as Bruce has just said, an hour and 45 effective with this race to go, so we're in just over half distance. It seems incredible to think with the amount of action and changes we've had so far that we're only halfway through. Weather is bright and sunny. It looks like the rain that we uh, certainly had qualifying was uh, tipping it down torrential this morning and lots and lots of spray yet another factor to add into to this circuit and that the race did start that way behind uh, on the formation lap and the first couple of laps there was a there was not quite as much spray as I anticipated but it certainly was wetter out on the north side part of the circuit than the the Grand Prix circuit but uh, so far the weather's just brightened and brightened uh, temperatures going up uh, into the mid-20s now which affects driver say in the car as you say it's always a little bit hotter in the car obviously have cool suits and aircon these days now mandatory which it didn't used to have um, but uh, and also tyre temperatures and how much it wears because the ambient temperature the track temperature and how much it wears the tyres out on the car number 23 car Janine Hill bringing the number 23 car into the pits that was our pole sitting AMG from the get speed car that is the second pit stop for that car we've had Schiller Fabian Schiller to Janine Hill this will now be Janine Hill to John Schoffner, one would presume, and racing one Vessel. Ferrari just behind it. The racing one Ferrari, which is uh, fighting for position in the AM class with that car in behind. Now that seems to have gained a bit over the over the most recent lap. In fact, gained really quite a lot. And the Huber Porsche that's leading a Pro AM class in just in their slipstream, about five seconds further back. But so we've got this odd situation: the two AM class cars, or the leading AM, AM class cars are ahead of the leading Pro-Am crew just as one of the Walken Horse Motorsport BMWs rejoins the circuit. That's car number 36, 34, which is their one at the sharp end of the field. Goes flashing past the pit exit right on the tail. Trying to go up the inside into turn two of Dominic Bauman's Mercedes. The number six Mercedes stays just in front, but Christian Cronjers better run deep into turn three. Can't get across to go up the inside into turn four, but certainly looking a little bit... Um, more on it right now than Dominic Bauman is. About a second, no, not even that much. Half a second between the pair of them as they go up to turn six. Porsche came in to be dispatched and they do that very well indeed. Again, it's lovely to see, Peter, the um, use of the indicator uh, for a driver to indicate that he's letting a, a front runner go on through. 
Yeah, and I've got to say, we commented earlier on, Bruce, that the standards and the driving of these these three rounds so far have been exemplary. Uh, people, you know, there was, we had a slight moment a little bit on between the second place car, Mercedes, and one of the slower cars. We've got those. Is that the, is that super, the Toyota the Super, super 170? Yeah. Slow on the Grand Prix loop. Hasn't even got as pulling far off. as the yeah. Vidal chicane. Pulling off. That's, again, that's uh, one of those moments where flag marshals very quick to indicate that something is running slowly but that's one of the rare points on the circuit where you can actually see some distance ahead stop just by the 150 meter breaking point on the right hand side of the circuit on the climb now he's rejoined so ah. he, he, pulled, he pulled out of the way now that was a recent ah now he's pulled off onto a little bit of hard standing uh, the novel supra that is and then stopped kept out of the way and now restarted it and pulled it a bit further up to the grass and completely out of the way so uh, not quite, and again he's uh, He's almost turning the car around the opposite way now, so not, I think he's trying to get to a bit of a, a, an escape point there and get it as far off the track as he possibly can, which will take away the yellow flag zone. That's just on the chicane at the end of the Grand Prix loop before they go on to uh, the old Nordschleifer circuit. So the number 170 Novell Toyota Supra uh, looks like its day has been run at just over half distance, but uh, no damage, no tyre deflation there that we can see on it easily. So it looks like it's a, um, a mechanical error. Right, while all this is happening, the leading runner in SP7, that's the 62 H&R Porsche in the Porsche Cup class, moves its way pretty much into the top 10 because that will pit probably another lap into this race. But of the front runners, all the SP9 class cars have made their pit stops within the It's also just run extremely wide and onto um, a bit that way, way the other side of the white line, shall we say. But it is hard turning and not grass, so that was not too bad. I remember, said the man with a silver beard, <laughs> being at the, the Hockenheim, Hockenheim long, long ago in the days of uh, Formula Ford 2000 and JJ Leto, and he was way quicker than everyone else, and they worked out that around most of the lap he was marginally faster. Entry to the stadium section, there was a bit of that grass creep. He was using it, none of the rivals were, and it just meant he carried so much more speed. He said, he said to me afterwards, I pay attention, I did a track walk. <laughs> but also, you know, it's doing a track walk and doing a track walk, looking for advantage. And that was the mark of the man back then. It's the whole point of a track walk. Exactly. Not just looking where the trees are or Marshall's posts. It's uh, a lot of things that do need taking in. So, so Katzberg back into the Rover Racing BMW. It went Katzberg, Dusseldorp, back to Katzberg. That's their rotation pattern. But the real key is what's going to happen in the remainder of this race. One hour and 40-odd minutes remaining in this race. And the number six Mercedes from the Hout Racing Team with Auto Arena and the 34 Walken Horse Motorsport BMW have done things differently. They pitted very early indeed. Their first stint was only four laps. Majority of the rivals did seven. A lot of the teams have just done an eight-lap second stint and uh, it's going to come home and swing the other way for... 6 and 34 after taking that different tactic early in the race but right now they're the fastest cars out on the track and uh, gaining positions hand over fist Marcus Winkelhock we said he brought the car collection motorsport Audi in he did he was listed as second place but it was a sort of slightly boosted second place by doing such a long first two stints now Mike David no who's on board Milan Donci has taken that over so he is in the Dutchman taken over from Marcus Winkelhock who now has another car to drive he has other duties to be done today so he's moving down to the Audi sport team to take over car number 20 
another Audi for the finals into the race. So he gets gets about half an hour off. <laughs> Luckily, he's not a day over. Hold on, Marcus. Let's just check your. I was going to say, be very. Uh, I'm going to say, very careful on that one. Yeah. But uh, so Schiller back in the 23 cars we said uh, handed over by Janine Hill, Colehouse in the Ferrari 488, the Racing One, and Holzer in the Huber Motorsport Porsche 911. They're all out and back onto track now. Holtz have been the last of those to go out, so need things to shake down a bit. But uh, Katzberg it is in the Rover Racing BMW M6 is at the front. 15 laps completed. Jonte in second car collection. But of course, uh, we need this to uh, have a, another lap just to sort of reset. Everybody comes out of the pits here. Schiller, Fabian Schiller in the get speed car. I still, he was the quickest man in that car. Put it on pole position. Uh, he's going to be phenomenal again. It's only in third position now uh, as it stands, but I think Fabian Schiller is a car to watch. I think it won't be very long before that car's right back up at the front. I think a bit too much time was lost for that. We know it's great, but uh, unless they've totally rejigged the outfit, it means the third, the fourth stint will be John Schoffner. So what Fabian will gain, unfortunately, just by dint of experience and uh, calibre, will be lost again. But actually, it had a clean run in third place. But most times I looked at the lap time, it was it was losing a fair lot. But then you're comparing Am with Pro, and it's not a fair comparison. This is the very essence of sports car racing. You have people in these different classes. Exactly why you hire somebody like Fabian Schiller, as you say, the, yeah. the, the, the hired gun to go and do what he do. And it's it's no disgrace, as you say. Janine Hill did a, a, a great job in there. As you say, good, clean run. Um, uh, no, it's not the pace of Fabian Schiller, but it, it, nor would you expect it to be. Uh, fantastic job there, seeing that. So uh, I, I, I still think Schiller might surprise us. He will surprise us, but I don't think he's going to He won't to surprise himself. No. <laughs> he, might su he might surprise us. He'll just think, he's, yeah, it's normal. Yeah, it's just, that's what he does. But uh, we will see. I, I just think from the, those first stints, that qualifying time, say five seconds ahead on pole. Um, let's see. But I, I've been known to be wrong before. Not very often, but I've been known no, to be wrong. No, no. Oh, I, oh Bruce, you're so good. Can you be my agent, please? <laughs> One thing I just very benevolent. To, one thing I wanted to just check on was the relative positions of the two KCMG Porsches. Don't forget the number 19 fought for the lead, held the lead, lost the lead, etc., etc. In the opening stint of the race, uh, really good run from Dennis Olsen when he was fighting with the aforementioned Fabian Schiller. Uh, then there was a spin, unfortunately, for Josh Burden, but it's still the 19 car that's ahead. But it's being chased by the driver who did the brilliant stint in the eight, in the 19 car. In the first stint of the race, Dennis Olsen, he's hopped from one KCMG car to another. He's faster than Burden, so he's catching, but he's 17 seconds down. But uh, yeah, such an interesting thing to hop from one car to another within the same team. And uh, you, can, you can imagine he'd be cursing those quick laps he did early on, because otherwise the car wouldn't be so far ahead. Well, it's almost difficult to convey it, isn't it? Because as we said, we're so used to single-mate formula. You drive a car, or if there's a two-car team, as we've said before, time and time again, there's you know, two drivers that each set the car up how they want. It's the same team. There's different ideas, different engineers. They want to go one direction. They go the other direction. But in GT racing, we, we kept reiterating this earlier on, that GT racing, the car completes the whole four hours, whoever drives it. So you've got to set the car up to each of the three drivers. In this case, and not the only one, Winklehock's another example, but Olsen is one of them, Dennis Olsen, jumps from one car and his team to another car and his team, and they're side by side on the track in positions. 
and uh, the, the, it's all down to times now. But he's got to jump from one car to the other. So it's 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 quite an extraordinary feat for a driver. You, you've said many a time, Bruce, about this circuit of uh, the the driver's almost got to press reset and start again, and you've got to almost do that in this car. You've got to in this situation, clear his mind, get in the car. No, it's not familiar. No, it's not the car he's been driving before. Unfortunately, it'll look the same because it's the same make and model and it's the same team. So all the colours and bits will be the same and you think you're driving the same car, but you're not. And that yet another variation they've got to take into consideration driving on this circuit. Okay. As it gets warmer. Now, it's, it's really extraordinary. As we were talking, though, Peter, start of the race, it was the 23 Mercedes fighting with the 19 Porsche. Brilliant lead battle. Then, with the 34 Walken Horse Motorsport BMW and the number six Auto Arena Mercedes, going, hold on. We're in the tail end of the top six. We're doing things differently. They pitted very early after only four laps. They've got their battle. That now is in the lead of the race, six against 34, 1.2 seconds between them. And a car that's done neither is in third place. It started third. It's the Rover Racing BMW. But then you, you've got this, these other brilliant battles, but it's like you've got two lead groups and they, they take their turns at the front of the race and the Rover Racing BMW is not quite on their pace, even at, well until the nanosecond ago had the fastest lap of the race. In fact, that's just gone to Dominic Bauman. He's got under eight minutes, 10. That's a good lap for the race leader. Um, but by not quite being on the pace, which is the Rover Racing BMW, in terms of overall pace, is he going to be in a position by dint of doing different length runs, a seven lap run, an eight lap run before that most recent pit stop? Is that going to put him at the front of the race? But here we are with him 53 seconds down on... on that pairing of Bauman and Cronjers, but they've all done two pit stops. So you think, wow, they're 53 seconds ahead. But, of course, for Bauman and Cronjers, their tyres have um, already had the sharp edges taken off and uh, aren't going to be as sweet for a great deal longer. Yes, their fuel load's going down, but their tyre life is uh, really starting to hurt them. New fastest lap of the race, Olsen, 808.070. Wow. Nearly an 807. Just a saying, just putting it out there. Temperatures I mentioned earlier, you, you said at the beginning of the race, Bruce, that uh, it, it, was, it was obviously damp. We saw qualifying was totally wet. It was damp and miserable at the start of the race. And as we got about an hour or so in, you just said, do, do I see a glint of sunshine there? Well, now we're getting lovely reflections off the cars in the sunlight. It is now, as I said it might be, according to the weather forecast, my app was correct. It is now 29 degrees ambient. So it's pretty warm inside one of those cars, whether it be a Golf or a get speed Mercedes, or whatever it may be, it's going to be pretty warm in there. And don't forget, these drivers are wearing exactly the wrong clothes for any kind of sporting physical act activity, exerting themselves. Most athletes have clothing designed to get heat and sweat away from you. A racing driver, you go and put fireproof underwear on, two or three layer suit, a balaclava, gloves, a helmet, a hands device, and then go and sit inside a sauna for an hour and pedal it round exerting how many g-forces on yourself so it's like like being an exercise bike in the sauna it's not really the right clothing for it is it yes yeah, something <laughs> something wrong slotted of course it's all for a, all for a purpose which says a lot about racing drivers why they want to go and do that in the first place it, it does it does it does it starts small goes big but uh you know and, and again the beauty is uh, not every driver here in the field in the nls is going for ultimate gold they're going for the pleasure particularly in the in the the, the, the class is further back down the field. The pleasure of competing on the North Shrine. For a lot of people have been doing it for 20 years. And, you know, they might miss a year until they can get a deal together with a friend, or possibly even a, a former rival. Hey, why don't we pair up and get a new insert name and class of car here and go racing? We could be competitive in class. And that is something that when people start watching the NLS, 
it escapes them a little bit. It's the old rule, isn't it? Keep your friends close and your enemies even closer. Yeah. But it, <laughs> Rivals, yeah. etc. No, exactly, but a lot of people think it's all about the SP9 cars at the start of the field. They're the easiest ones to see. They're the fastest cars. They're the most dynamic cars. But it's, it's, there are just so many classes that, you know, if you can't afford to be or have no ambition to be in an SP9 class car, it's a bit too quick for you. You can race something else. And if there are five or six competitors in class, that's what you're going for, class victory. And ever will it be such. And, and, and as you said, um, I think it was last time, Bruce, or possibly the round before, uh, well, probably was, it was a double-header, wasn't it? But you said that this, this is also a family. And this is where an awful lot of these people in those classes, you said that's where the champions come from. The GT3 cars, the SP9 cars, yes, they are the glamorous, they're the headline event. Yes, the most obvious ones, the ones that draw the attention because they're at the front. And they attract the big names of Dumas, Winklehock, etc., etc. Yes, but for the people that run businesses to go racing and very much gentleman drivers that can get a BMW, a Cayman, a Golf, a Seat, whatever it may be, and go racing. It's all at one venue. So you've got all these different clubs running these was VLN, now NLS races. Different club each weekend runs it at the Nürburgring. But it's the same setup, same places, same hotels, same paddock, same crew, same circuit. And it's not that far away. And it's a lovely part of the world anyway. And it's the most fabulous, one of the most fabulous circuits in the world. And you get to go and drive, not half an hour. You don't go to Snetterton, pay your entry fee and have half an hour. You've got four hours of racing. And you've got nine of them in a year. But it's, it's nine... I'm, I'm packing my bags, I'm off. No, <laughs> can you stay at the end I've of sold, the I've sold it to I've got to stay to the end, have I? Yes, I've yes. sold it to myself there, Bruce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was going to happen. But, I mean, it's also... It's also... A lot of these drivers get to know other drivers up and down the paddock because even if they've done well in class they stand around beneath the podium there's so many podium classes go on the podium there's a time to chat you know that moment when you're full of adrenaline and happiness and you know a lot of friendships are made on in the NLS and I think if that element disappeared which it won't it, it would be a you know not the championship it is and that is why people have competed in it whenever you look at old footage from, from the VLN from in fact early this morning seeing stuff from 1991 of course the cars have been transformed out of all recognition, the circuit, we were surprised. The trees have grown up around the outside. You automatically think that everything around the Nürburgring, apart from a, a few stretches... Who'd have thought that in 30 years, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, <laughs> it's, it's 30 racing years. They're shorter, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah. But um, the fact is, there are still some names probably that were there then that, that are, or just learning their craft then are, are still competing in it today, and that, that says it all. As you mentioned, that, that, that young veteran, Tommy Coronel, for instance, who mm. yeah, probably, probably was around then, actually, <laughs> more than likely. I'm sure he was actually, but he, but he would have been. Certainly in single-seater formula by then. Mm. Mm. So Dominic Bauman and Christian Croniers, that's the six out racing team Mercedes. 1.2 seconds ahead of Christian Croniers in the 34 Walken Horse car. That's the pick of the Walken Horse BMWs this season. And they're lapping faster than they have before. Small gap between them, plenty of traffic. We haven't had too many tumblers this weekend, too many fallers. Had a few instances where cars have gone to the edge of the circuit, but at the moment, they are leading the race. Precious little between them. The V4 class, always competitive here, but today not so much. Suddenly the gap between number 701 and 707 in second place is fully 44 seconds. What is going on? Ah, pit stop sequence. That is why it's got so big. And as I said, that one emerged from the pits as another one was diving past. But uh, 701 leading that class for now in V4, the much more standard production Saloon class, Christopher Rink, Danny Brink and Philip Lyson. Those names always at the top of the table in their 325i. 
And again, what what a competitive category. And as you say, a, a relatively standard road-based car there. That uh, no, nothing's particularly cheap in motor racing, but compared to some of the SB9 cars that are, you know, multiples of hundreds of thousands of euros, pounds. Whatever. Everything's got noughts on it. Ex exactly. Yeah, these three two four eyes are pretty well a road-based car with safety equipment added. So you've got a roll cage, you've got the right seat, you've got the right harnesses, all the different things that's needed. So there'll be some uprating of the suspension. Uh, obviously, your tyres are, are a race tyre, but it's still very much a road-based car. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, the other day who was actually races a, an ex-BMW factory car, schnitzer-built M3 GT4 car in the UK. And it's taken to BMW for its servicing because they can do the basics on it. It's ECUs and brains are things that are slightly different, but its engine is standard, to the point that in their first race meeting with it, they lost an engine in, in testing. So they picked one up off on eBay, put it in it, went out, put it on pole and won the race, because it's a standard engine. The brain's a bit different, but that's fine. And it's very, very similar to this. A very standard car. You can go and do the racing, and you can be amongst these cars, up on, on the Nordschleife. I've sold it again. <laughs> You've done, I'm you've in the wrong business. No, exactly, exactly. Right, I was just having a little look. have known look. that for years. Yeah. I've just been having a little look. Nicky Katzberg, not long into the Rover Racing being W. He's 46 seconds down on Christian Cronius. Cronus hasn't had such a good lap for Walkenhorst. Still second, but he's three and a half seconds or thereabouts down on Don Bauman. But interestingly, down into turn one, Nicky Katzberg was uh, thinking about diving up the inside of a back marker and suddenly thought, oh, no, I'm not, and had to have a big swerve, go back to the outside and yet still get around the corner. He's got a 20-second advantage over Josh Burden in the KCMG Porsche, but that was one of those little moments uh, that could have ended up uh, stuck in the gravel. Suddenly having to jink to the outside going into Turn 1 wasn't what was planned by Katzberg. He did react, but uh, that won't have helped uh, the start of this lap at all. Won't have hurt, helped his nerves at all. But how quick is he relative to those around him? Top two cars, he's five and seven seconds a lap faster last time around than they were but he's on fresher rubber don't forget the 6 and 34 the auto arena mercedes and the walking horse bmw pitted a long time ago their second pit stop i have to turn my uh pad nicky katzberg second sector there though sector two two 2.7 seconds quicker yeah well he's way quicker than yeah, they are yeah the second sector alone okay but exactly no just in the second sector yeah person who's uh, on a bit of a charge at the moment uh, about to change position i know it's ninth only to eighth it's the number 30 fricadelli racing team porsche went to uh, maxime martin to year and blake and now back in the belgian's hands and he is all over the tail of milan donce in the number 44 car collection motorsport audi that uh, marcus winkelhock handed over to him so that's probably going to change uh, this time around, I think Martin will find himself back around the tail of the top six. But um, so just to reiterate, cars six and 34, we've got 17 laps on the board. They're on 18. They pitted after lap 12 for their second pit stop, having done the shortest first stints of anybody. They're going to pay the price later in the race, but they're sitting, just to reiterate, respectively, 3.4, sorry, uh, 46 and 50 seconds clear of Nicky Katzberg, who's running a more standard uh, number of laps. He pitted after lap 15. We've only got two further laps on the board. The Dutchman is faster than the cars ahead, but I would think they've stolen such an advantage. I will touch upon what happens when we get to the point relatively soon. We have another 15 minutes to go, precisely 
after which the final pit stop times can be counted. If you stop for your final pit stop, 69 minutes before the end of the race, which is coming up soon, you have to be stationary, your pit stop time, 357 seconds. If you stop 40 minutes after that, which is unusual and unlikely, you save 105 seconds. But by then your tyres will be absolutely shot to, uh, shot to pieces. But uh, basically the later you can make your final pit stop, the more you might have a smile on your face at the end of the race. But to have achieved that, you'd have done longer stints earlier in the race and uh, would have paid the price accordingly in terms of tyre life. However, it's up to the teams when they decide to put their cars in, but certainly for Bauman and Cronjers, number six Mercedes, the 34 BMW, their choices are remarkably limited. They'll be making their final pit stop um, probably a lap or two ahead of their rivals. Well, this is what you said earlier about, uh, you said about drivers and their mind management and tyre management as well, and it's how they drive. Yes, you can go and put in a stonking lap, but what's the point if it takes so much life out of the tyre that then that shortens the run by a lap or at worst two around here? What's the point? Because the car is then significantly slower. Over that. It looks great and it's a, great, uh, it's a great ego thing and it looks great on the lap times. That's wonderful. Uh, but what you need as a driver, as you say, I think you mentioned this one of the earlier rounds, that the, 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 the clever drivers, the thinking drivers, the drivers that work with their teams and just say, OK, are you better off doing an eight lap run or a seven lap run within so many seconds? of a set time, in traffic, nice and consistent, whatever, and keeping it there, or putting in that one great laugh, yeah, wonderful. But it's killed the tyres, it's killed the brakes, it's worn the car out. But there are some drivers that can just do that, and we've mentioned earlier about uh, Maxime Martin almost make the car look like it's floating. They can do both. They can put that stupendous time in without wearing the tyres out as much. And don't, not quite sure how they do it. It's a, no pun intended. It's a bit of a black art. Uh, in terms of that's also the colour of the tyre, but it's how they do it and, and get the best out of them and not overstress the car. And that's when you get drivers of that level. You mentioned earlier on about drivers being on a different level. When you get a driver of that level, they know they can call upon you to do that and say, OK, we need a lap of this now. We need a lap of so-and-so time. It is. It's, it's different ways of, of doing things. And you have to have the ability to, to be able to choose plan A, plan B. And possibly change during a stint as well. You might go no, out with exactly. a certain plan in mind and then they say, right, switch to plan B because there's a reason for that because another team suddenly thrown in a shorter pit stop or a longer one, they can see an advantage. And it's also then not just what you want to do. You've got to keep an eye on all the other teams around them. What are they doing? And also second-guessing their strategy. And if suddenly they throw in an early, a curveball, coming a bit early, that starts you thinking, well, oh, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? Hang on. They're going to leapfrog us at a point later. Right, we need a quicker lap now or whatever. And it's... Uh, it never stops. Well, it doesn't. But also, there's also the element of if you suddenly have a track festooned with slow zones and just be able to react, react to those, your tyre temperature drops for a little bit if it's a long run past slow zones. And uh, But again, that's part of the challenge, why people enjoy it, why crews like CP Racing come over from the States to they compete a fair bit in Europe. Charles Esper now at the wheel at the moment, but um, they're racing in the SP7 class. But again, it, it's to compete on this amazing circuit take in all the variables and, and test yourself as how to how you react to changing circumstance and uh, it really really is a channel where are they in their class sp7 sp now third in class at the moment sp7 class really strong run still by the hnr special faden team running in 13th place overall that's a, a very strong run and uh, you can crumb back at the wheel at the moment showing with hopper and krantz but you know what you tend to see uh, 
a team that's up the front end one weekend, one race meeting, is probably going to be up the front end at the next one because it takes planning. That car just crossing the start-finish line at the moment to put another lap on the board. But for an SP7 class to be class car to be around the tail of the top ten uh, is a good, solid run. First and second, though, Dominic Bauman, Christian Croniers, still in that order. It was 3.4 seconds at the start of the lap. It's about under half a second, I suggest, as they go through Tiergarten and through the final sweep of corners. The Mercedes jumping off the kerbs. They'll be going on for further laps. Let me see how long has this lap stint been. That's 17, 18 laps on the board. And those two came in after 12. That's all right, six. They could do maybe a couple more laps. Could come in after seven. I think they'd go for eight, though. They've, they're going to take the pain in this stint. They want this stint to be as long as can be, because don't forget, they pitted after only four laps. And even at this point in the race, trying to change positions, Cronius dives up the inside into turn two. Not quite enough space. He left turn one, went to the right-hand side of the track, then cut across the left, trying to catch uh, Dominic Bauman unawares. Very nearly worked, but Bauman suddenly saw it move gently across in front, and the BMW driver had to come off the power. In fact, it's advantage Bauman. Not only has he kept his lead going out of the Mercedes arena, his Mercedes is not only just a little bit further up the track, there was a car between them too. That has been dispatched, but uh, again, that was Cronier saying, I'm here, I'm here, I could attack you at any moment. Didn't quite work, but uh, certainly well worth doing. 0.289 of a second between them when they crossed the start-finish line. Now, as you say, Christian Kron's absolutely monstering Dominic Bauman there in the, in the BMW, but uh, as you said... That car, that Mercedes, just looks so stable. It's not having to use any any exit curb or anything. It's just nice that he, he can place that car exactly where he wants. And basically, he's making Christian Crown do all the work right behind him. He's having to use all the track and a bit more, within track limits, obviously. But he's having to work that, that BMW really hard to stay in touch, let alone try and get past him. We've said so many times in this, in this sport, we've seen it thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of times. Catching up with somebody, being with them is one thing. Getting past them is a whole nother kettle of fish once you get there. It's a totally, totally different thing. However, that's not going to stop Christian Crowns having a go at it. And you say 0.289 across the line. And uh, we're only you know, nearly, nearly three hours into racing, two and a half hours into race, over two and a half hours. And it's uh, less than three tenths of a second between them. OK, what I want, want to throw at you now. Oh, here we go. Is the fact that... Um, I haven't had any lunch. No, it's uh, 46 seconds behind that lead battle. The lead battle covered by a third of a second. 46 seconds back to Nicky Katzberg in the 99 Rover Racing BMW. But, of course, he's going to stay out for longer because the 99 car came in last after lap 15. They're on lap 19. So he's got plenty of life left in those tyres. That means that his final stint is going to be shortened. There's, they surely have to come in some distance, maybe two laps, even three laps ahead of him. So by the end of the race... They'll be really, their tyre life will not be as sweet as it could be. They'll all be on the same fuel load at the end of the race, so it'll be a case of tire cars at the lead of the race with uh, tyres that don't want to play versus those that are chasing with tyres that have much more life in them. Could be a big factor. And that, that's the point. That, that all drivers have this uh, eternal search for grip at the end of the day, and it's the tyres that make all the difference. And that you say new tyres, old tyres, and it, it's quite hard to convey to. Uh, the, the layman, if you like, of just how long these tyres don't last. We're talking a matter of laps around around a circuit. We're talking, you know, an, an, an hour or so out of a set of tyres that cost... They're not hundreds, put it that way, per tyre. <laughs> well, they possibly are per tyre, but... Um, and, and that's that's one of the, the hard things to sort of conceptualise, that you, you, you do this and you, you lock up. A, a tyre life is so important. You have a lock-up. 
and it puts a flat spot on it on that tyre. That tyre now doesn't work any optimal performance, it slows the time down, the car doesn't handle it, so it immediately compromises that stint in the car. And if it's early in the stint, you've got a problem. And it might, it might be that you're locking up to avoid somebody else spinning in front of you through no fault of your own. You've got to, and that's one thing to have. And all of a sudden, you've got another factor to take into account. Well, you do, and in fact, the, the car we, we saw recovering... It's an easy job, really, isn't it? Just sitting there driving around yeah, in circles. Yeah. Keeps you out of trouble. But the car that we saw spin, one of the KCMG Porsches, that was the number 19 car, which had been their front-running car. Josh Burden then really bailed out of that stint as early as he could because the tyres were clearly compromised. His performance dropped away, but he didn't want to do too short a stint because that would then affect them for the rest of the race. It means the, the subsequent stints Team player. would have to be longer. But I think he did a five-lap stint before he brought that he did, one in. He did, you're right. Yep. It was five laps. Yeah. Indeed. Lap seven and then on lap 12. He probably wanted to come now. in after about three laps on that stint. Well, probably wanted to come in after, after that, 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 that yeah. spin and just say, I'm so sorry, and just give it to somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> But right now, Burden is getting very close to the car in front. The car in front is Dennis Olsen. It's a sister car, the two KCMG Porsches, fourth and fifth at the moment. So set for the team's best result of their 2020 NLS campaign so far. But uh, well, you did, you, Olsen you, has the fastest lap of the race, though, still. You did predict earlier that that car was potentially in line for a podium, you mm. thought. And currently, two of them, 18 and 19, running fourth and fifth. Fourth and fifth. Can you just pick the next six numbers that come into your head and we'll just write them down and we'll split it? I've already written the season review. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I know that's quite true as well, yes. Getting a chance to see the black and red livery of car number 25, which is leading the Pro-Am SB9 class. Huber Motorsport really starting to move their way up through GT racing and they've also done a lot of sort of Porsche Super Cup over the years, but um, it's Marco Holzer at the wheel in ninth place overall but he is now at least pride has been restored because the leading pro-am car is now ahead of the best of the am runners which is a sort of how it should be the top am runner one position behind is car number 39 and that's christian colehouse sharing with stefan ost and jules simkoviak the racing one ferrari so ferrari heading didn't they took overall victory last time around had it taken away but a class class win this weekend will put a bit of a smile back on the faces of the ferrari fans so that's the number 39 car they'll be cheering from for that's the racing one ferrari another yellow flag flag out at arenberg at the moment a corner that has um i'd say more than its share of People getting it marginally wrong. Yeah, just been upgraded to uh, code 60 there, actually, and the yellow flag at uh, Schwedenkruz as well. Yeah, Arenberg. Tricky, much tighter right-hander than the drivers realise. They're arriving at fair speed the long run when you've left Kittelbacher up through Flugplatz and then Schwedenkreuz, but Arenberg, you're going up the hill and it suddenly tightens and you go, oh yes, this is a track of many sectors, I must be paying attention. Number 966, haven't seen too much of the Cayman class today, 15 seconds to the good over 917. 917 is making its way forward, but it's Team Mathol racing at the moment, leading the way, 15 seconds, very good looking livery, white and a crisp metallic darkish blue on the flanks of that Cayman, looks... Uh, very tidy, very well balanced looking car. And uh, 917 has been in the thick of that action as well. And it's uh, back in the hands of 
Kai Rima. Second place in class, 15 seconds down. That can be gained. There's a, an hour and 12 minutes remaining in this four-hour race. Gap between first and second overall. At the head of the race, Dominic Bauman leading in the Get Speed, sorry, sorry, not the Get Speed, the um, Hout Racing Team with Auto Arena Mercedes. 0.289 of a second to the good over Christian Croners in the Walking Horse 34 BMW. Or is he just waiting for them to come round and complete another lap? And we'll see has advantage swung the way, the, uh, the way of Mercedes, which actually in the stints this race so far, Peter, the Mercedes seems to be sweeter for longer than the BMW. Do you think that's a fair comment? A perfectly fair comment and an entirely accurate because we did comment earlier, didn't we, that uh, that Haupt racing car has been the star of this series in 2020, really. It's been up there, there, there are thereabouts all the way through. Uh, but it just didn't seem to be on song today. But you pointed out very accurately and very quickly that it had a slightly different strategy. And all of a sudden, there it is with almost just approaching three-quarter distance. It's at the top of the timesheet and that's where the points count. Right, the real, real question is how soon these pit stops will be coming. Can Cronius and Bauman squeak another lap to make their stint work the right way? We're going to have a change of position very soon indeed. We've had the change of position, in fact, because Cronius has just moved ahead. So getting to the sharp end of the race now, and that battle is swinging one way and then the other. In fact, this has been a race with far more overtaking at the front between two different batches of cars at different points in the race. So it goes to prove you can pass on the Nürburgring Nordschleife, and today the drivers are earning their keep they started in the wet they've gone to dry fabulous conditions is getting very hot on board their cars for this the final hour and we're ready for the final flurry of pit stops starting any time now just remember this Cronyers and bauman owe us a pit stop will it be this time will it be next time some of the cars further down the field already starting to make a move but if you're making a third pit stop right now you're going to have longer on your final set of tires bear that in mind Cronyers and bauman 1.4 seconds is the gap between the pair of them at the front of the field 44 seconds further back to the rover racing bmw which when they pit will take over the lead but then that in turn will have to pit so just remember that gap 44 seconds seems like a lifetime and then it's a further let's not uh, discount the kcmg porsches running fourth and fifth they're another 30 seconds down half a minute down on katzberg so katzberg and the rover racing bmw have sort of raced on their own and it's been an extraordinary thing. They were hunted down by David Pittard in that first stint, if you remember, Peter. But then he got ahead, and then the Rover Racing BMW got back in front just when it looked so it was beaten in the early stage of the race when the track was damp underfoot, under tyre. Uh, but then with uh, the Pittard car, the Walking Horse Motorsport BMW, going, being one of two runners to pit very early indeed after only four laps, that put them on a different tactic. And it's going to be this final round of pit stops that really shows us who got it right. Different ways of, of doing things all around the circuit. But really, it's unusual to have two cars breaking from the pack by doing things so differently to their rivals. Sometimes you have a lap difference. But after those first round of pit stops, Peter, two cars have done four laps. The rest have done seven. That, it's not like... That means the difference at the end is going to be very, very great indeed. And they have sort of knocked one of those three-lap difference off in the interim. But uh, so for Cronjers and Bauman, surely this time around they've got to come in. And then 
by doing this final pit stop within the 16, final 69 minutes, which they are, we then get to this sliding scale of um, time at which they have to be at a standstill. And the sooner they pit, which for their, in their case must be pretty soon indeed, the longer the pit stop. So suddenly that 44 second advantage could go. What is you saying? That, that, that this is what we're trying to convey earlier, that uh, you, you've mentioned there between a three lap difference. But you've got to remember three laps around the Nordschleife is 24, 26 minutes, thereabouts. That's the difference it's making, that much longer in the car. That's the difference of what, what it makes. And that, that's a long, long time. It's not just, you, you start to get your head around this. It's not just three laps of one minute 30, one minute 40. Oh, I'll stay out the next lap. It's five, six minutes. We're talking towards possibly with the traffic, and certainly when it was damp earlier on, that's probably half an hour difference. Okay. Out on track. And that's a huge difference in strategy for those teams. Right. Three laps difference. So let, let's call it um, 25 minutes. If the lead car came in, actually a moment ago, they'd have to have a 357 pit stop. 25 minutes off that makes it down to 44, 291. That's best part of a minute. And they're not sitting a minute clear of the Rover Racing BMW. Of the rest, they are. So it's a three-car race at this point. Rover Racing, Dominic Bauman's number six Mercedes, and Christian Cronier's in the Walkenhorst BMW. So the Walkenhorst BMW and the Cronier's, uh, the sorry, the Bauman Mercedes, pinned together, and they will be running. There may be one lap between them. I think they will actually come in at the same time as they have every lap, every time they've made a pit stop. But the Rover Racing BMW has enough pace to be in front. Then the best of the rest would be the two KCMG Porsches, which are running in fourth and fifth place overall, separated by one and a half seconds. So they're really, really close. It's Olsen ahead of Burden. Burden, ironically, in the car, started by Olsen. But um, it does look as though Rover Racing are looking very, very sweet today. But then again, let's see what the pace of Christian Cronier's and Dominic Bauman could be through the closing stages of the race. They will be the first to blink. They will be the first to come in and make their third and final pit stop. But at the moment, you look at the timing sheets and think they're 44, 45 seconds clear. Surely that's enough to win this race. Is it? We'll find out. Add to which, Peter, when they do their final stints, the Rover Racing BMW will come out and have fewer laps on its final stint of tyres. Can that push harder. Exactly. Can push harder, push harder and exploit those, those new tyres. Um, I think your prediction about the number 23 car, that the get speed Mercedes that was on pole position and did so well at the beginning there, uh, that difference between the two AM drivers in that uh, of uh, Janine Hill and John Schofner, uh, the time's a little bit down the order there from compared to when we had pole position Fabian Schiller in the car. Uh, I thought we might be able to make it up. I think you're right. I think those two collectively there just might not be able to do it. And unfortunately, that car is sitting out in 11th. It's just outside the top 10 yeah, well at they the moment. Did, they, what they did actually do, they confused us by putting on the timing screens for a while that Fabian Schiller had gone out to do the third stint. Yeah. It isn't. It's John Schoffner. Schoffner, exactly. It's been corrected. The lap times let us know that story as well. Maybe I, I just noticed that and suddenly thought, hang on a minute, that car should have been made up to it was Schoffner. And hang on a minute, what's, what's going on? And absolutely right. Yeah, well, we will see. But again, when you have a... Pro-Am lineup and an Am lineup, you do get the, the big discrepancies between the pair, the pairings there. But right now, it's Christian Cronius leading from Dominic Bam by 1.4 seconds. Will it be this lap? Or will it be the next one in which they choose to make their third and final pit stop? Chasing no, Nicky Katzberg. Anyone walks into the room now, walks the side of the circuit, they go 44 seconds down. He hasn't a hope. However, 
with the balance of time you have to spend in the pit stop, the sooner you pit, the longer you have to be in the pit lane from in to out. The teams know that. Not all of them know that. We've had races in the past where people have been just slightly too short on their pit stop time at the final pit stop, and it's cost them. So what are you thinking, Bruce? Pit early, longer stop, leave it, stay out longer, shorter stop. What's your thinking at the moment? You're the team manager. Well, at the moment, the, the only one who's really got the choice is Rover Racing. They've got performance mm -hmm. left in their tyres because they've just, they're on lap number 20 and they pitted number 99, came in after 15. So he's, he could do another two or three laps, preferably two. I would, I would keep him out as long as possible. That's the, he's in that lucky position. He can choose if he does a seven-lap stint or an eight-lap stint or a six-lap stint. He might want to halve the difference. But the front two cars, the number 34 Walken Horse BMW and the number six Auto Arena Hout Racing Team Mercedes, they don't have the choice. They rolled the dice early. They pitted after only four laps on that opening stint, which means they can't have a short final stint. Their final stint's going to be long, and it's going to hurt them because it's uh, not only a longer pit stop, but it's going to be... Um, you know, tyres that are less sweet at the end of the race. They've got a long final stint and their pit stop has to be longer because they're going to be pitting earlier. Now, the 23 car in the pit, that's the get speed car that was on pole position. That's having a driver change most assuredly. So, John Schoffner coming out of that car. Yeah, so Fabian Schiller getting back on board. Yeah. Don't forget, he led the race several times in that opening stint. Brilliant battle with Dennis Olsen in the number eight, 19 KCMG Porsche. But uh, right now, well... It won't take it to the front, but can it be Am victory? Leading two cars into the pit now, Crohn's and Bauman. Okay, the Vulcan Horse M6 and the Mercedes uh, Haupt team car both into the pits. Christian Crohn's and Bauman in now. I would also watch that uh, number 23 car that, uh, whilst it's not going to be potentially a front runner now, but I think it might himself quite up the order with uh, uh, Fabian Schiller at the wheel of that car now, as we thought it was, turned out to be John Schoffner. So well, uh, it, it, it'll certainly move up the order, let's put it that way. How will. far? How far? I don't know. 11th, top five, I think, unlikely, but you, you never know. You never know. Fabian Schiller has pulled out a few surprises this weekend, not all, least of which putting it on pole position by five seconds in the rain. 5.445 seconds if you uh, want to go all the way back. But yes, yeah, so it's a really spread out grid. But right now, the main battle for him is to win the AM class. He's coming from second in the AM class. It's now 39 uh, Racing One Ferrari that's leading that. That is the target for him. Just 55 seconds, 56 quarters a minute behind, isn't also, it? Also, I just want to throw something else in. Uh, Dominic Bauman in the number six Mercedes was ended up 4.7 seconds behind Christian Cronjes in the 34 Walken Horse BMW. So the Walken Horse car had a very good couple of laps before the pit stop. Not only did it take the lead, but it stretched its advantage. So Nicky Katzberg will go into the lead of this race because his rivals are serving their third pit stop. He doesn't have to do his for some time, but he did have a disadvantage of 44 seconds. It's come down to 26 because, of course, the others were slow to go into the pit lane. But he's now leading in his BMW. That's the Rover Racing car. Burden in as well. Yes, quite right, Josh Burden. But the sister car, Dennis Olsen, number 18, staying out for a further lap. So Burden, of course, the 19 car, got out of sequence somewhat because it had a spin early on in, the, in Burden's stint and um, then had a short stint. Now it's got to have a... But it couldn't afford to have a longer stint. Everything had been shunted forward in terms of their timing of when they came into the pits. So as you predicted, almost exactly on the hour by a matter of... 10 seconds we're counting down to the final hour the leading cars 
in the pit lanes. Number 34, Valkenhorst, BMW M6. Christian Krohn's brought that car in. The Mercedes of Team Haupt in second place. The KCMG Porsche of Josh Purden in as well. And uh, it's going to be, yet again, for the fourth round in a row, we're going to have a final hour of some fantastic racing. And it's, it's not done yet by any measure. Certainly not, and expect to see Christian Kronjers, I would presume, hand over to Mikkel Jensen, and the young Dane has been one of the stars of this series this year, so look for him in that final stint for Walk on Horse Motor, uh, Motorsport. Their BM, the BMW team took victory in the first round, that 34 car then followed it with a second and third place. So looking really, really good for NLS points, but uh, the pride today is going to be whether it can beat uh, Pat, the car started by Patrick Assenheimer, the number six team out racing team Mercedes started by Assenheimer Dominic Bauman will be handing over to Dirk Muller 4.7 seconds between them in fact that's in terms of our lead battles that's almost as big as it's been I know it went to six seconds but really it's been very tight at the various points in this race but with different pairs of cars fighting for overall honours down to the fact that uh, we had these split tactics but it's 6 and 34 that broke order with the others. When the track conditions were slightly greasy in the early stages of the race, they pitted very early. They're paying the price for it now. Look how long the pit stop is. The car sitting, sitting, all the work has been completed and waiting until that minimum pit stop time, which is a big one because they're, they're pitting early in the final hour As you say, 339, 336 seconds, depending, it's 61, 60 minutes when they come in. So it's, uh, it's three seconds less for every minute less. Sort of mean. And there's a further penalty that goes because, of course, their final stint will be longer than their rivals' final stints and their tyres will not be as good in the closing laps of this race. So these are factors that they would have worked on. They'd have had their slide rule out, but uh, the pit stops have been made by 34 and 6. They came in in that order and are returning. So it's the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW going back out. If anything, lost a little bit of time in the pits relative to the uh, rival car. Now in the hands of Dirk Muller. He's taken over the team out. Team HRT, the Hout Racing Team, and is ooh, about a second at the most behind the erstwhile race leader. Mikkel Jensen in the 34 car. As you say, they're both out of the pits. They were 4.7 seconds apart when they pitted. They are nowhere near that now. It's uh, like 0.47 apart. And uh, already, even on the outlap, uh, Muller stating his intention to harass that BMW right in front, all over, monstering it all over the curves around the back of it, lights flashing as you go out through the Grand Prix loop. If you're thinking you're going to get yourself into position there, Mikkel Jensen, have a, a steady outlap and get yourself uh, uh, stabilised and whatever in the car, forget it, you've got a Mercedes glued to the boot, probably in the boot. They'd have to move the golf clubs out the back of that M6 to make room for that Mercedes in the back of it. Uh, and at uh, <laughs> Muller... If ever there was a, a declaration of intent for the last hour of a race, it's just there it is right in front of us. It's all over the back of it. And Mikkel Jensen must be thinking, hang on a minute, can I, can I just have half a lap to get used to it and sort of find where all the switches are and have a one window up and put the right, the right tape on or whatever. Tape, CD, whatever it is, podcast now, download, Spotify, something. <laughs> well, I, I just, as they came out of the pit lane or even down the pit lane, I know they're... they're, they're the areas that, where they stop for their pit stopper apart, you can't always gauge. It's a very long head-on shot. But I thought, Mercedes has made a good pit stop. I can't believe how close it's got. It's 4.7 seconds. It'd been built up in the last two laps before the pit stop after Cronjers took the lead. But that's all just gone away. But the important thing for the BMW is it's still ahead as they went out onto the, onto the Nordschleife. Certainly uh, 
Mikkel Jensen will be relaxed at that point, but uh, the challenge came very early on from Dirk Muller, but he couldn't make it stick. But that was a really good pit stop from the Hout Racing team. I, I, I'm not sure he's relaxed. <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite the right uh, term. No, you say that. You, 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 big, you big up all these drivers. But. <laughs> I'm sure he won't be relaxed there. I'm sure he's got a, a, mirror, a set of mirrors, three mirrors full of uh, Team Hout Mercedes right behind him with, as you say, uh, Dirk Muller at the wheel of that car. And uh, you can even see, it sounds silly as, 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 as Bruce, not, not Bruce being silly, sounds silly as the car came down the, uh, down the pit lane. It did just, it just looked as he came out of the pitch. He, he was that little bit closer, 4.7 seconds going in. Typical driver mentality. That gap closed in the pit lane. And you could see, even while they're on the speed limiter, you could see it was almost like rubbing the hands with glee. I've got a sniff of something here. And the moment that limiter was off, pounce there he was straight behind poor old Mikkel Jensen who thinks I've got a 4.7 second lead here it's not a problem team will have told him that will have informed him gets out and he goes well if that's 4.7 seconds in my mirror then there's something wrong because I know distances and all that in the mirror may appear different and all that but it was like that Mercedes was there and Dirk Muller was just like right almost like it was the start of a race again which is very similar mentality to, the, to a pit stop exit this is your chance element of surprise get up there surprise him all over the back need to see what's happened out on the north side and we know that that mercedes wasn't as quick through the what i'm going to call the arena section the gp part of the circuit in the damp this morning it just didn't seem to have the front end certainly not that get speed car even with fabian chiller at the wheel was struggling we saw on that first lap a uh, first lap and a half two laps still trying to get heat in those tires and he just he just couldn't do it um it took it took a while but he still maintained the position but that, uh, that car of Dirk Mullet was all over there, and it's quick through that bit, but the BMW seems to come back into its own over the Nordschleifer circuit. But where's the finish line? What we keep saying about that Mercedes, grunt, grunt, grunt. He gets a good run down Holden, all down the back, and all of a sudden through Tiergarten, good line at it. He's got to do it there, hasn't he? Yeah, you certainly feel if you're in the Mercedes in, in, in that thing, if your nose is in front, you'll be first to finish line out of the final corner. Right, the pace, respected pace, is what we need to look for. Mikkel Jensen, Dirk Muller, they've done their third pit stops. Their cars have served their third pit stops. Will Nicky Katzberg come in this time, time around? I doubt it. He could. His pit stop, any pit stop he does, is going to be shorter than the, the, time, the minimum time that had to be served by the rivals who came in last time around but he should have the speed he should have the tire life he should have everything to stay out longer stay out as long as you can then your pit stop your final pit stop will be the shorter so we've got uh, 15 six minutes past well it'll be seven minutes past any moment now Katzberg does go on for a further lap so he's going on to lap number 21 back into the lead of the race because of course the two cars of Jensen and Muller have served their third pit stops they will be dropping down the order but then as their rivals make their third pit stops they go back to the front they should surely still be at the front and that immediately hands Katzberg a 20 second advantage of time on the pit limit now and that's if he'd come in this lap He's got another lap to go, so it's going to be another two seconds. If he comes in at the end of the next lap, in my prediction, that's going to give him 310 seconds as opposed to 339 seconds. Okay, 29 seconds. Remember before the yeah. they came in for their pit stops? Call it were, 30 seconds. They were 45 seconds to the good. So it should be enough, almost whatever he does. But the longer that Katzberg can stay out, the less time he'll be having in the pit lane. So if he can nurse this third set of tyres and squeak an eighth lap out of them, that will be the massive helping hand. That's the only thing he can do. Okay, so that's, that's a deciding factor now. Can he, can he do another lap after this one? 
that could make all the difference. Well, different ways of doing things. I'm surprised actually everyone else pretty much stuck to their seven-lap opening stint when they saw that the, the field had in been the pit, Andrudy, but Olsen in the pit from P2 and the number 18 KCMG Porsche and indeed Drudy in the R8. So, who is lapping fast? What we've got is a bunch of cars getting to the end of their tyre life. So their lap performance is, this, is falling away. We've got two cars having got onto their final set of rubber. They have got to really make it work right now. They've got the longest final stint in this race. We've got... Uh, Best part of 52 minutes until the chequered flag can be shown. But they've already rolled the dice. They've already put their final set of tyres on the cars. They're going to have to be light on their feet because their rivals will be able to push their tyres much more. They've got a shorter pit stop by stopping later and their tyres will be sweeter. They can afford to push them harder, make them work for them more to get those fast laps. But they're going to need super fast laps to, to get anything like clawing back that 44. It's still exactly 44 second advantage. Pro-Am in the SP9 class, still led by Huber Motorsport. Got that under control. In the AM class, it's the 39 Racing 1 Ferrari that leads the way. But can Fabian Schiller close down on that one? Of course he can. He's in the 23 Mercedes that started from pole position. And uh, certainly in his hands, that really can fly. So expect a possible change in this final hour in the SP9 AM class. SP7, it's still the H&R Spezial Faden. Porsche in the Porsche Cup class, Krumbach at the wheel, Cup X, it's uh, always the domain of the KTM crossbows, or Expos as some people call them, and it's at the moment uh, your Griezmann who's leading the way in that class. SP8T, haven't talked about that too much today, that's the class for GT4 cars, and it's 155, Black Falcon no longer running in the top class, but uh, Mustafa Mehmet Kaya, Gabriele Piana, and by process of elimination, Mike Sturzberg doing the work. And they are leading that class handsomely at the moment. Quick times are rare on the track. We've got a few slow zones which don't help. So the fastest lap of the race, 8 minutes, 8.0 seconds. And that was by Dennis Olsen, who uh, clearly wasn't satisfied with the number 19 Porsche with which he led the race. He's got to the number 18 Porsche to see what he can do with that one. And it's winning the KCMG battle at the moment. But, uh, yeah. To just put that in perspective, we talked about driving different cars and going from one car to another in the same team. As you said, led the race in one car, jumps in the other car and sets fastest lap of the race in the different car on the team. It's not a bad day's work, is it? Well, it just means he's putting four other po uh, five other noses out of joint. Four other <laughs> noses. Both of his teammates in both of his well, cars. He's not making any friends. No, <laughs> no. I remember talking to Olsen at the end of last year. He'd won the FIA Nations Cup. There was the nine hours. Sorry, it was the Nürburgring. It was the um, Kyle Army nine hours in absolutely biblical rain and electrical storms and stuff. And he just said, that is just, that's the race of my life. So many incidents could be had. Uh, right, more incidents. I talk about incidents. Klostertal is the scene of the latest one. Early-ish around the lap. Marshall's post 132, in other words. But, uh, that is also why the lap times are a little bit slow at the moment for all concerned. We've either got people at the very end of their tyre life. That's the, the fast left-hander. Not a huge distance before you turn up the hill to go to the carousel. 
but uh, and we've also got drivers having to slow for the slow zone. 44, well, Nicky Katzberg, would he come in after 21 laps? No, he's missed his chance to do that. Will it be after 22? So two laps after the Walken Horse uh, BMW and the Getspeed, no, not the Getspeed, sorry, the, the Hout Racing Team, number six Mercedes, made their stops. Can he make it out to three laps difference? Because, as we pointed out, a three-lap difference is really starting to come his way. But uh, it seems strange to say that when... Effectively, one group of cars is leading the, the chasing group by 44 seconds. You think you're not going to gain that in the final hour, but you are because of this uh, closing scale. Whether it all comes off that disadvantage, I can't tell you. What I can tell you is it's now Nicky Katzberg leading by a, a, an equivalent margin, 44 seconds over Dennis Olsen. So it's the BMW from Rover Racing and the Porsche, one of the two Porsches from KCMG up front and it really is quite spread out certainly one car we thought would go well today was the Fricadelli Racing Porsche hands of Maxime Martin and Jeroen Blakemolen not shown their hand with their third pit stop yet but they haven't been able to be right on the pace it happens and, and, and Peter one thing we've noticed over the, the handful of races we've had this year a few degrees change of temperature and it just means a different manufacturer's car can suddenly look sweet and the next race a few degrees cooler or whatever could look a bit foolish well, we've seen that in this race haven't we we've seen the difference the, the, the balance and the performance between the mercedes and the bmw's m6s and the uh, amgs totally different a car that we we described in the last the first three rounds particularly the, the hout racing car uh, of, of mercedes of just being 90 percent stable over 100 percent of the lap whereas the BMW seemed to fluctuate a bit. That changed completely this morning. It might have been on pole position by 5 point... What was it? Something 4.4 four recurring seconds. You very told. good. Um, 5.445. There you go. Um, I was close enough. Not, you were very not good. Quite, not as quite as accurate as you. Not quite there yet, but no, I'll, I'll be learning. I'm still... still I'm, in the, I'm in the jump seat, remember. Um, but you said that that was slightly irrespective because time set at different parts of the qualifying session, etc., etc. So it wasn't that relative or that indicative of what the car could do. Come the race, we saw that car whilst it stayed at the front, and that was largely down to the, the skills of, of Fabian Schiller. And if, he was struggling. We watched him on those opening laps whilst it was largely dry, but there were damp patches. He was still weaving, uh, which is unsurprising. He comes again, dotting a hurt, and that towards the end of the lap, he was still weaving to get heat into the front tyres of that car, which told us it didn't work. It was at the front of the race, but it didn't work. And the, hence the KCMG Porsche was all over the back of him, uh, of uh, Des Olsen. But then it's dried out, and as soon as it started to dry out, that Mercedes just came back to its where it was. I'm 90% reliable over 100% of the lap. Catch me if you can. Yeah. And everybody else suddenly got the work to do. And again, we saw that switch around, that the Porsche in the dry is having to use all the curbs, lots of the exit curbs. Now it's dry, so they're safe to use again. It's having to use a lot more of the track to maintain the same pace and sitting behind that Mercedes that sits there almost dare I say it boringly reliable but it does what it says on the tin I don't mean that in a negative way it's just a tick 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 it's that metronome does it does it does it okay does it does it does it no it doesn't that's the Rover Racing BMW does it come in after 22 laps no I said go as long as you can not that they listen to me but uh, that's exactly well what obviously they do I wasn't sure they'd get another lap out of Nick, it but well Nicky Katzberg is is doing just that he's uh but one thing that I've noticed is the battle between the Walken Horse BMW and the number six Mercedes, uh, Dirk Muller at the wheel, is going in the favour of the car at the front of that pairing, which is the, the BMW. And uh, being a bit slow at looking at my Twitter feed today, Alan Prosser, remember the 
Patrick Assenheimer had to take to the, the back pit lane when the little BMW put him in there. Apparently, a, yes. a wing mirror went missing in that. That's what we saw something come off. Didn't yeah, we? we saw something come off, so he's he's glued glued it on that. And I'm also pleased to see that uh, someone else thought it was a NASCAR Camaro coming out of the pit lane when it was the Aston Martin. Do you remember that? Yes, on. very I said it seems Chris sacrilegious. Goodwin. Yeah, the Garage 59 car. Yes. Well, no, it wasn't. It was one of the other cars, the other, Ast other Aston Martins, actually. Uh, Good Goodwin's car looks a little more Aston Martin from the front. It was the Pro Sport car. That's right, car number 176. So I'm glad it's just not my, my fading eyes or my wonky imagination. So. Or the other way around. Yes, yes, yes. 22 laps completed by our race leader. Hasn't made a third pit stop. Waiting to see who is going to blink next at the front end. No choice for those that have made their third pit stops. That's the cars now in sixth and seventh positions. The 34 walking horse BMW, 5.7 seconds back. The number six Mercedes, Dirk Muller at the wheel now. Now really, it will give a good opportunity to see the, the benefits of uh, keeping your final your third and final regular pit stop as late as you can in this race. It's now, four, let's call it 43 minutes remaining in this race as one of the walking horse cars, the sister BMW comes in. You'd have to be at Stanford for 289 seconds. That's a minute and six seconds less than when, if people came in with uh, 69 minutes on the clock. So it's a sliding scale. The longer you stay out, the more of an advantage it is. Nicky Katzberg has no immediate challenges in the Rover Racing BMW, but he owes us a pit stop. But for every lap he can stay out, that pit stop will become shorter. If he comes in after 23 laps, which will be next time around, I think that's the logical time to come in. Waiting for the next... Oh. No, just wait. Sorry, so, ooh, surprised myself. I was waiting for the next time that... Uh, Mikkel Jensen and Dirk Muller came over the finish line. 5.7 seconds apart last time around. And advantage sli slightly swinging towards the Balkan Horse BMW. Again, just checking, flitting across between screens, trying to see if anybody is really starting to put in quick laps. We're in that period in the race where drivers have only just come out of the pits and therefore they haven't put a representative time in or they've just gone into the pits which obviously slows down their previous lap. The visual as one looks down the Dossinger Her is it, it looks as though it's still about five seconds between the Walken Horse 34 BMW and the Hout Racing Team number six Mercedes Dirk Muller trying to use any back markers to uh, get a bit of a toe down the straight. In fact, now I look at his car, it does indeed miss the driver's side mirror after the clash with the BMW that dived into the back entrance of the pits. Over the start-finish line goes Mikkel Jensen. What's the gap between them going to be this time around after 22 laps of racing? In fact, our timing screen seems to need a bit of a reset. So it's not yet uh, yielding that information. Gap between them, Jensen and Muller. 2.4 seconds, so it actually uh, came down again on that lap. So they're up into third and fourth positions. Maxime Martin has just pitted the Fricadelli Porsche. That's after 22 laps. Again, traffic always has a little role to play. At all points in the four hours. Hopefully it all evens out and nobody feels they've had uh, 
a reason to feel a little bit disgruntled. But if you walked into the room right now, I've said this several times, but if you walked in, you go to grief. Nicky Katzberg is leading this race by three minutes and 18 seconds, but of course he hasn't had that final pit stop. And the car behind him at three minutes 18 down, the Frickadelli Porsche is just serving its pit stop, probably going back in the hands of Maxime Martin to your own Blakerbolen, but it's those in behind. So the best part of four minutes, four minutes down, well, no, three and a half minutes down, the Walken Horse 34 BMW and the number six Dirk Muller uh, Mercedes, their teams rolled the dice with the first pit stop after only four laps. Now we're getting into the sharp end of the race and uh, they have done their final pit stops. They're waiting for their rivals to do the same. Surely next time around Nicky Katzberg will come in, but it would have been a really good opening stint from him and a really good final stint as well because it'll go back to Steph Dusseldorf, but the longer he can stay out there, better for all concerned in his team and so an incredible job doing that you say for Nicky Katzberg there there were 40 minutes of this race to go to he's going to pit at around about 30 many minutes to go 30. we've got 39 minutes remaining in this race so, so suddenly you're moving the ruler further down the page exactly. all the time which means a shorter pit stop so it's going to be around about say say 33 minutes when he comes in that'll put him on 262 seconds uh, required in the pits compared to those cars we saw pitting on the hour, if you pitted with exactly 60 minutes to go, you had 333 seconds in the pits, knocking that down to 262, so 130 seconds, so it's two minutes less in the pits. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a big saving, you've got a 45-second advantage already. And it's really unusual in these, these races, the NLS, to have such a big dichotomy in terms of the race tactics. Sometimes it's a lap or two difference, but immediately going to a, th a three lap difference in terms of your pit stops was uh, uh, absolutely either a sign of desperation or a very, very early signal of intent. Very, very brave and inspired move, I think it was. And uh, I, I think a good call on the weather. I think the weather's helped enormously by staying dry. It, I thought it might come in with a bit of rain a bit later on. That would have affected it completely. But uh, on the, I guess their weather apps are far more accurate than mine, clearly, on their intel. But I think a lot of that is also down to uh, Nicky Katzberg getting an, an, an extra lap out of that car, which I, I really wasn't expecting. I thought he'd be in at the end of the last lap. I didn't think he'd be starting this one. I thought, it was, yes, it's possible, but the tyres are worn. And to be doing reasonable times in that car still, he's doing, uh, what was his last, an 8.10? Sorry, 8.36 last best. lap. Uh, sorry, yeah, 8.36 last lap. So it, it's still doing a good job on those tyres. And as you say, that car will go out with such an advantage and new tyres for not that long so he can really exploit those tyres in that last stint. Yeah, he'd have done a seven-lap seven opening stint plus the formation lap, don't forget. Got yeah. a safety vehicle on the circuit, then an eight-lap. And if he comes in this lap, another eight-lap stint. Safety car keeping out of the way. It's just a, it's a course vehicle rather than the, you know a pace leading safety car. We keep those off the circuit at all times if possible. But really, my eye is it's got to be this time that the, the flashing into the pits of the 99 Rover Racing BMW. Surely after 23 laps, no point taking a risk. But if they could squeak one more lap here, I am talking about taking a risk. You said that last lap. <laughs> And I thought you were brave calling I out said that. go as did. late as they you can. Did. Absolutely. Seven you laps, did. eight you laps, did. eight laps. Why go seven, eight, nine? Because you know your final run with 30 blah, blah, 35 minutes, 36 minutes left on the clock is going to be a shorter one. The shortest one you've had in the race. Your tyres are going to be sweeter, definitely, than your rivals and really anything else you've had in your opening stints. So don't be silly. But again, they'll have the abacus out in the pit lane. They'll be working out, oh, if we do that, of course, 
our lap time might drop, but so will our minimum pit stop time. So uh, they've got to keep thinking, keep sitting there, paying attention to all Into factors. the pits, Katzberg in, as predicted. He hasn't gone for that extra lap. There was no point. <laughs> you should be but if he could. You should be a politician, you really should. <laughs> So, Nicky Katzberg brings the Rover Racing M6 into the pits from the lead with a, what did he have, what advantage did he have, 40, what do you reckon it was, 45 Well, seconds, it was harder to tell because uh, we've changed. got your own Blake Mola in yeah. between having, uh, on our timing screens, but that's because he's sort of uh, going to be moved down from our timing screens because then Jensen and Muller in the Balkenhorst BMW and the number six team HRT Mercedes will go past him because, of course, he's listed there, but he was serving his pit stop at the time. So, for the Frickadelli... So Team, they will fall down the order. Probably only about fifth place. Came in on my prediction at 36 minutes to go. That's 270 second uh, pit stop required, stationary. Uh, Rover Racing Team ready for him with a flagman, boardman, and a fresh, fresh set of sticky slicks there to go back out onto the Nordschleife with. Um, is, um, is there going to be a driver change or is Nicky Katzberg going to stay in that car? No, well, they went Katzberg, Dusseldorf, Katzberg, I would think, Dusseldorf. A yellow and purpley, mauvey coloured BMW coming out of the pit sort of took me back to Patrick Watts's Audi, uh, his, his <laughs> Mazda, all those years ago, the British Touring Car Championship. A man that's still the star of historic racing and Goodwood and stuff, Patrick Watts. And uh, 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 Even as we speak, he's driving somewhere across Middle Europe to collect Indeed. a new racing car yes. I saw this morning. Yes. Saying everywhere is really quiet and getting all, his, uh, all the tourist hotspots to himself. And they knew he was coming. Yeah. Well, indeed. Well, he is in waste disposal, so they're probably not going to rubbish he's taking with him. That's the problem. No matter what rubbish he's picking up and ringing back. But I'm sure he'll make it quicker, oh as, yeah. as ever he does. It'll appear at Goodwood in some form or other. Who yeah. knows what, what the next... <laughs> that being exactly the key phrase, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, the leading car, Nicky Katzberg, is into the pit. It's been saved. It's done. It's filtering through Garage 1, through the parking lot, paddock, back out again, and into Garage 2, back into the pit lane, where it's now being serviced. He is... Uh, he stayed in the car, hasn't he? Hasn't been a driver change. No. So not content with a whole series of laps, he's staying staying in it. He's got new tyres, and uh, let's see how much quicker he can go. So no, it's only he only has just over half an hour to go and perform. But the key is the pace he can achieve and attain in this and maintain in this, because he's going to have tyres that are going to have plenty of life left in them. Whereas his uh, rivals, which is uh, Mikkel Jensen and Dirk Muller. Have already they're on lap number 23 at the moment and they came in for their pit stop after 20 they've already had well they rolled the dice early came in three laps before their rivals and at the end of the race they also came in three laps before their rivals so their tires will be three laps less sweet down the dottinger her they come they are going to be behind the rover racing bmw because that is now pulling out into the fast lane of the pit lane it's got to go towards pit exit cross the dotted line they're still coming up the dottinger her may only now be just about reaching Tiergarten so the pendulum by these really strong stints the car that was running third don't forget in front of the Balkan Horse Motorsport uh, BMW in that opening stint of the race is now well clear and worse than that for the rivals he's got fresh rubber theirs was fresh but it uh, was too bold a gamble as the Balkan Horse 34 BMW crosses the start finish line down towards turn one in the background of the shot the black nose of Dirk Muller's team HRT Mercedes comes into view but uh, the favour in every way possible goes to Rover Racing their pit stop was shorter their tyres are sweeter and they're in front 
how can anybody beat them? I can't see a way. In fact, I'm trying to see the, the time, timing difference again. It won't let us know. But uh, that was uh, comfortably out of the pits before the rivals came onto the start-finish straight. Certainly was. And uh, as you say, he's got uh, just, just over half an hour of the race to go. 30, 32 minutes to go. So three, four laps. And those tyres, brand new tyres, going to get uh, get the absolute maximum. He can now export, afford to exploit those tyres. Uh, nothing, nothing personal. I wanted him to come out behind his rivals on, those, on that fresh rubber, and then we could see the difference in performance. But the fact is, Rover Racing didn't blink when their rivals pitted. They didn't come in on lap five, a lap after the, their rivals pitted on lap four. They didn't come in on lap six, but they stuck to their original format. They did a seven-lap stint, an eight-lap stint, an eight-lap stint, and now they've got this blast to the finish, and they're in front of the race. So... Um, You've got to think they're feeling pretty good with life at the moment. Well, the best lap that car set, the leading car, is an 8 minute 10.1. The fastest lap of the race so far belongs to the uh, Dennis Olsen number 18 car, KCMG Porsche. That did an 808.0. Uh, so we'll see what uh, uh, Nicky Katzberg can do with those tyres. But in some ways, he doesn't need to, to no, be honest. No, absolutely that's, doesn't. That's the point. He's got a good car under him, a good gap, a fresh set of tyres. Um, there's nothing to be gained by setting the fastest lap of the race at this, this stage. And all he needs to do is, is just keep his head down and maintain that lead that they've, they've worked for. And that's all he needs to do right now for the next 30 minutes. Well, 29 and a half. What I would love... You were talking earlier about, you know, weather apps. And investing in tyres is obviously good for a racing team. But at the Nordschleife, if you're not investing in a really, really good weather app... Uh, then you could come a cropper. And you'd have to presume that something that Walken Horse Motorsport had on their app and something that Team HRT, don't forget a team that's based across the road from the circuit, had caused them to come in after four laps. It forced the majority, the remainder of their race they had to be a difficult one. But the fact that very few of their rivals followed, we had them on lap four, none of the front runners for another two laps. I think they blinked. They saw, they, no pun intended, they saw something, didn't they? It was interesting mm. talking to uh, Alan Hyde last week. He was looking at the weather app when we were working together at Brands Hatch. And he was saying that the guy that has invested the most time, effort, energy in different types of apps and changed them all the time is Alan Gow, the touring cars. And apparently he's forever looking at the weather app and getting the right app to get the best information possible to the point that he's now passed it on to Alan. Alan told me something. This is how the story started. And I said, I need to know what that is. And he said, I can't tell you. That's all. Too confusing. He, too, he, surely you can tell me. He said, no. He said, Alan would kill him. He said, it's confidential information. And that's from Alan Gow that runs touring cars. <laughs> and I know. That would, that would make so much more sense if he ran a team. I know. Well, he does. He runs all the teams. Yes, I know. Of course. Of course. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's say somewhere, somewhere like here, it's all important. And it goes back to exactly what you said when you started, started this little thread, if you like was that they saw something that nobody else did. And that was, we thought at the time, hello, that's, that's quite brave. Okay. Or they, they did something. In fact, at that point in the race, three laps going on to the fourth lap, the conditions were drying out. They had that little flurry of, of rain and everything seemed quite normal. But I just presumed at that stage, they saw something that we were going to have a sudden downpour. But they didn't put them on rain tyres. That clearly wasn't the factor. But it made the rest of their race very, very difficult indeed. And as Rover Racing, who stayed true to the, the natural pattern of the race, one hour pit, two hours pit, three hours pit, effectively, 
um, they are sitting on a, a very, very big advantage. How big? Three minutes and 17 seconds. Can the chasers claw it back? I don't think so, not with half an hour remaining in this race. Mikkel Jensen in second place in the Walken Horse BMW, which means it could be four podiums from four outings. You, you for that say crew. that, though. It's, it is NLS, and look what happened in the last one. We were watching this with laps to go. I take things as I find them. <laughs> <laughs> and people as well. 5.3 seconds, the gap between second and third. That was the battle that uh, it was... It was one of a pair of battles because of the different uh, pit stop sequences, of course. 34 and 6 separated themselves from the rest. Walken Horse Motorsport and the Hout Racing Team Mercedes. But really, when looking to the rest, it was the Rover Racing BMW that got to the front of that grouping. Don't forget, before that early pit stop, he had been fighting with the Walken Horse BMW, and it really was very, very level uh, between those two cars. So. Maybe the walking horse crew would be going, if we'd stayed on and hadn't, hadn't, done, hadn't done this and hadn't done that, you'd just taken a regular pit stop sequence. They could be fighting together for the lead of this race, as it is. So there's a huge, huge difference between them. Of course, it's not really 3 minutes 17 seconds. That, that's just according to the position of the start-finish line and cars coming to the pits for their pit stops. But next time around, we'll let you know what it is. But it was more than visual because the... Rover Racing BMW saw it accelerating out of pit lane. The previous shot on our screens had been the Walken Horse car still going down the Dottingahoa. So clearly, when the car that's got the fresher tyres for the run to the finish for the run to the finish came out of the pits, it was ahead. That was brilliant for that, but it was a big margin. We'll quantify that for you next time. The timing beam is broken, but uh, you need some disaster for a car on uh, fresh rubber to not be able to beat cars that are some distance behind on older rubber. Simple physics. But you never know. Never know. <laughs> you're <laughs> the physics is right, the science is there, I get all that, but... So your you weather just, app's you better than mine, because I'm not using one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to get into what, who's better than mine and all that, so I'm not going to start that. Not with half an hour to go after three and a half hours of this, no. Yeah, no point in fisticuffs. Save those to the paddock. But, um... BMW's front two, as you say. They've been there knocking on the door all the way through this series. This is round four of nine. Mercedes, it is a second place. Now, you predicted or you opined, shall we say, earlier, rather than predicted, because that sounds like it's set in stone, that the KCMG Porsches might be in line for a podium or could get as far as that. One is running fourth, that's uh, Dennis Olsen. And Liberati is in the sixth place at the moment, so are not a million miles off that. I don't think they're going to get that because they are I'll tell you why 32 not. seconds yeah. adrift to Dirk Muller in third place. That's not going to happen, is it? But it's 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 not far off. It's it's an improvement. But they they were in in the wet. I w I wouldn't have said if you'd have said to me at the beginning of this race in the wet or damp, which car's going to be more stable, the AMG Mercedes or the Porsche? I'd have said the Mercedes all the time. And it was completely the opposite way around. The Porsche was, as you said, monstering all over the kerbs, able to take liberties, uh, and was clearly the quicker car even out behind. You said we, we saw on those opening laps, we had some great uh, in-car footage, which you couldn't see, but we were able to describe it, looking back with a rear-facing camera as well. And there, there was, it was pulling up all the time, looking left, looking right. Sometimes it was almost under the door mirror of a, crack, is he going to get through, is he not going to get through? But that car was absolutely phenomenal in the damp conditions and then just faded away a little bit. Forget the spin, that's just one of those things But, uh, but for burden. But it was just incredible in the wet where the Mercedes didn't seem to have, have the grip. It has ebbed and flowed this race, but it's almost like this, the race was forced by those early, early pit stops. And uh, 
tell you what's not moved for so sorry look at my screen and suddenly it's brilliant battle in sp10 for outright honors separated by next to nothing it's number one in the lead yannick fubrich but gabriele piana right under his tail in the Trying to work his way up the inside. So Khan 190 pushing on very, very hard indeed. Late stage in this race. Fubrick just came out of the pits. But, uh, so that gap that settled between Katzberg and Jensen, it is 17.3 seconds. Wow. Okay. 17. But, you know, tell, tell, a, tell a pro racing driver, you're going to come out, you're going to be about 20 seconds in front, maybe 17. Oh, and your tyres are fresher. No self-respecting racing driver will ever yield that advantage blue skies little fine weather clouds over the Nürburgring very different picture from how we had it at the start of the race so conditions shouldn't be a challenge for him concentration shouldn't be a challenge he's got nobody right on his tail it's about him now I'm going to throw a curveball in here I, I can see you were building up to that <laughs> drivers think differently he's not going to say I've got 17 seconds he say I came in with a 44 second lead why is it only 17 trust me trust me <laughs> You're saying he's not very bright. I think that's very. No, unfair. no, no, not at all. Not at all. He'll be, he'll be asking the team, why is it only, why has it been decimated from 44 to 17? Not at all. They'll go. We'll tell you later. Klostertal, yeah. another place, another fumble. Exactly. Exactly. These are the sort of elements that can make a big difference, right? Now we've got a KCMG Porsche being chased very hard. All of a sudden, the Frickadelli uh, Porsche trying to, you know, win that inter Nissan battle. It's your own Blake Merlin chasing after Eduardo Liberati but uh, the better of the two KCMG cars is now number 18 has been for a while Dennis Olsen but he, he's not likely to gain a great deal of uh, positions or any because he's 32 seconds down on the car in third which is Dirk Muller in the number six Mercedes still a few slow zones though always can make a difference you just have to hope that uh, you get to them fair and square and they don't catch you out and so far Nicky Katzberg, 17 seconds the good with 23, 22 minutes remaining in this race. That is a very, very comfortable position to be in. We knew that radio message would just be, just crack on and get, head down and get the job done, Nicky. Yeah. We'll talk afterwards. That's what it'll be. Absolutely. Something along those lines. You said, just get the job done. That's all we need to do. Well, of course, particularly when you've got a, a two-driver lineup, he's sharing the Rover Racing BMW with fellow Dutchman Steph. Dusseldorp is they both had a turn in the car and turn out of the car and been able to see but also importantly for Dusseldorp who drove second he was able to see how the, the two of their rivals pitted so much earlier than the other at the end of their first stint and would have been aware they were going to have to do longer stints later in the race which gives you confidence but for a long time the timing screen has you some distance behind but I said it's when you get to the final stint and the the last of the SP9 runners to serve their final pit stops, you'd really get the true picture. And it wasn't a good picture for anyone apart from Rover Racing. 17 seconds the good. Let's see what it is when they get to the finish line next time around. 21 minutes remaining. Marcus Winkelhock, just having a look, look, at, look at him. Car number 20, it's an Audi Sport team. R8 LMS shared with Matthias Drudy and Fred Vervich. And this is the second Audi that Winkelhock has driven in this race. And he's uh, now it's up to It's obviously the new thing, isn't place. it? Drive, drive, drive two cars in your team. It's obviously the new thing to be doing in NLS. Except they do that at KCMG if your name is Dennis Olsen. But you see, yeah. 
Marcus Winkelhock started with car collection motorsports and has then gone to the Audi Sport team. It's the same type of car, but actually, in fairness, the Audi Sport team is sort of run under the awning of uh, car collection motorsport. But all, the, all these little bit of, I'll help you, you help me. Another slow-moving rescue vehicle down the Dottingahoa, staying over to driver's right, as is the tradition. Waved yellow flags there, though, so all drivers coming up must be aware of that. And one of the cars coming into the background of the shot is the SP9 AM leader, Fabian Schiller. No one close to him. He's managed to topple the 39 racing one Ferrari. That is uh, really some distance further back, about ooh, another 23 seconds down. So Schiller immediately got in and made a difference. The car and the driver who started in pole position been taken over by Janine Hill and John Schoffner. They played their role, but uh, give it back to, Sch to Schiller and he, he can make that car absolutely be driven as it's supposed to be. And it really, in his hands, looks so super balanced. Yeah, we'll get its idea across the time, across the line in a minute, but uh, green flags by the time we've got a tear guard on that 23 car. As you say, our pole sitting car you mentioned there and... Time eight eight thirty-one. It's uh, the best time for that car being an eight thirteen. That was set by she a little bit earlier on in the race. Say it was our pole sitting car. Well, it's always going to be a sort of tale of two parts. The race in an AM lineup and Schiller doing again. A really cracking job. So, 24 laps completed by the race leader. 17 seconds are good. It's uh, Nicky Katzberg leading for BMW from BMW. It's the Rover Racing team at the front. And Walken Horse, who've had such successes this season, if they finish in the position they are now, they're nearly six seconds the good over the number six HRT Mercedes. Then that'll be their fourth podium. It'll, their re record will run first, even though they finished second on the track, but they were elevated to victory. Then second, then third. Now another second. Big twitchy moments from Fabian Schiller, kicking up the dust at the chicane on the Grand Prix circuit, running wide at the exit, gathering it together. So already in the lead in the SP9 AM class over Jules Simkoviak by more than half a minute. But uh, pride is one thing, and he's just pressing on. And uh, <laughs> you know that element, it's easier to concentrate at 100% than it is at 95. And I think that's really what uh, is, is the thinking behind well, Fabian well, our, our, our colleague Joe Bradley has said years ago and, and repeated it quite often in between quite rightly that y you cannot teach a racing driver to drive slowly uh, sitting behind safety cars and things it just doesn't work they just need to be going at this and almost that sort of mm. okay you're in the lead you've got this advantage the tyres are this that's so just nice and steady it can put them completely out of balance they don't know what to do they want to be doing that obviously not risking it too much but uh, nobody's told Fabian Schiller that <laughs> Some drivers, do, you know, don't, don't need to know these things and some choose not to listen. But one person who's chosen not to listen is Marcus Finkelhock. He hasn't been told that he's done a double stint and he's now in another, another car because he's just banged in that car. He's the fastest driver by about two seconds that last lap. He's catching right up with Eduardo Liberati. So we might have an Audi in the top five. He's sixth at the moment, but he's about to try and pick off the second of the KCMG Porsches. So... Maybe he goes better when he's tired. But knowing what little I do of that character, I think you summed it up perfectly with your build-up to that of um, one driver who's chosen not to listen is... It's like, yes, if ever, ever the name that was going to follow that sentence, it was going to be him. It's a, no, oh, I'm going to do it my way. Thank you very much. So the Rover Racing BMW is coming up through Dottingham. 
into Tiergarden, onto the end of the Nordschleife lap, back onto the GP circuit with uh, 17 minutes to go, 16 minutes to go as it crosses the line. 25 laps completed. Uh, we have a yellow flag at uh, Esbach and a slow zone at uh, Brunchen as well. Uh, that's all we've got at the moment. But uh, the fastest lap of that car, it's an 8.24 from the last lap and it's uh, an 8.10s, but it's best during the race. But importantly, Mikkel Jensen in second place actually lost about a few hundredths on that lap. Expected to. The tyres on Katzberg's car are fresher, but it just goes to prove the gap is going to go out. And back to third place, Dirk Muller, the number six HRT Mercedes, almost six seconds down in third place. And certainly uh, Jensen just seems to have the legs on that. But second is as much as he can hope for today for Falcon Horse Motorsport. The cars in second and third, they gambled and it hasn't worked. We've got 15 minutes left on the clock. And by dint of uh, being able to pit later, three laps later, it was uh, just absolute luxury for Rover Racing. Had they come in two laps uh, after them, the, their advantage wouldn't be as much now. But of course, that extra lap when your tyres are less weak can cost. It's a balance, but the, the basic crux is in the NLS, the later you can uh, leave your final pit stop, by dint of doing longer, earlier pit stops, the sweeter things can be. You get a shorter pit stop for your final run. Your tyres are fresher in the closing laps than your rivals. So you take the pain early on in the race, early on, the first two, three hours of the race then you get the pleasure in the last half hour or so. It's all, it's all relative, isn't it? It but is all relative. You start the sentence and as you go through it, you realise that um, it's Take the pain early on, yeah, in the first hour or two. Yeah. Yes, uh, so somewhere in the first half of the race, maybe. But uh, um, and my calculation is this is going to be the penultimate lap, is it not? Are going to get this and one more? Uh, yeah, but I need to see exactly where they are. They're just going... Yeah, two more. This one more. One would think. Right, KCMG, their best result so far in the NLS this year is an eighth place. I think they have an eighth and a tenth of their best two results. And fourth and fifth at the moment. And fourth and fifth, but Liberati's being pushed very hard indeed by Marcus Finkelhock, who's now in the Audi Sport team number 20 entry. So that uh, could be something that gives. But Dennis Olsen, he only has a fast button this, this weekend because uh, while his rivals are lapping in 8 minute 24s, and Liberati and Winglehock, 8.50s. He's done an 8-minute, 10.1-second lap. Whoa. So, what can he do with that, though? He's much quicker than Dirk Muller. He's 18.6 seconds down. Last time we looked, that was 32 seconds. So, <laughs> massive swing. Massive, massive swing. 14 I seconds. I say 14 seconds a lap quicker. Uh, quite extraordinary. Yeah, well, they know what they've got to do. It's a big... Big mountain to climb. You suggest Dennis Olsen couldn't do that in two laps, but if he's taken 14 seconds in one lap, he got one and a half laps less, and he took 40. Yes, he can do so it. So he could get on the podium, as you said. He could indeed. Well, what wow. life has Dirk Muller got in the number six Mercedes tyres? We're all set for the final run to the finish. Katzberg leading by 17 seconds. He's running exactly the pace of the fastest of the cars chasing and that's Mikkel Jensen it's BMW versus BMW there is a Mercedes up there will it stay on the final step of the podium well we will find out very soon indeed suddenly four hours duration for this race is almost complete and it's going to be BMW surely winning this race they're running first and second you'd have to say that's an intelligent guess but uh, Rover Racing seem to run it absolutely spot on
SP9 Pro-Am. Always interesting to see where that is. And the battle is in the hands of Huber Motorsport. Not much of a battle in many ways because they are clear of their opponents. In the AM class, Fabian Schiller has got back on board the number 23 Get Speed Performance Mercedes. And um, it has got a huge lead now, 35 seconds over the next car in class, which is Jules Simkoviak in the Racing 1 Ferrari. So that looks as that's, that's nailed down, particularly with the fastest of the trio of drivers in the 23 Get Speed Performance Mercedes being the man himself, the man who took pole by a huge margin in the wet early this morning. He's back at the, back at the wheel and uh, surely the SP9 am honours. We know the destination of that. But huge performance there for the uh, the Huber Motorsport car being in not only the top 10, but just inside ninth at the moment in, in the Pro-Am. That's a, that's a very good performance for a Pro-Am lineup there. It is. We've got slightly few pro runners in SP9 this yep. weekend. We had a couple of um, cars uh, not taking part or deciding at the last moment not to do so, but uh, certainly to be there. Let's see, Huber Motorsport, they, they've had a great run with their black and red Porsche this year. And um, just having a little look, Racing One have taken the glory in the AM class quite a lot. Prime class, though, it's been Huber Motorsport 13th in the opening race of the season, 19th and 16th, ironically, showing how many more cars came in for the double header. 19th and 16th with their two wins in class. 13th wasn't. May I just point out, Bruce, Fabian Schiller in the Get Speed Mercedes just popped in an 809.1. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It might be 10th, but he's he's not given up. Has he? he's not got, there's only Here is 10 minutes of the race to go, but he's not giving up. The person who has the fastest lap of the race just did an 8 minute 10.1. That's Dennis Olsen. Remember that name. Opening stint of the race. Who is he fighting with? At Fabian, the lead? Schiller. Fabian Schiller. And now Fabian. at this point in the race, they obviously think the sharp end of the race is both ends of the race. And uh, going for it. And again, class will out. And Jules Simkoviak, obviously inspired in 11th place overall. Also in the AM class. This has done a 8 minute 10 second lap. These three <laughs> way quicker than anyone else. Yellow flags at X Muller. Will these have a difference in the closing stages of the race but you have to say with a 13 second of a 17 second advantage Nicky Katzberg can afford to back off take a little look of course he won't do that but that's a comfortable advantage six seconds between second and third Mikkel Jensen ahead of Dirk Muller and Dennis Olsen catching them hand over fist but the clock is not his friend the clock is going away into the final 10 minutes but it's a question of this lap and the next where are the race leading cars we've got to pick them up around the lap and see if we can possibly have a change for the final step on the podium or the non-podium as we call it these days because in days of social distancing not the full-blown uh, walk up a corridor up onto the balcony brushing past other drivers anymore everything has to be kept at uh, safe distance apart but we're racing again and that is absolutely what counts and uh, we've had uh, the teams learning on the hoof this weekend, changeable conditions, but uh, largely dry. But it was the, the fact that clearly Walken Horse Motorsport and the Hout Racing team sensed something that the other teams didn't think of. And it forced them to pit early, or they chose to pit early, and they've been paying the price ever since. Running second and third at the moment, but they had dreams of glory. But by staying true to their original approach to this race and pitting around the hour mark, it looks like it's working absolutely fabulously for the Rover Racing team with their BMW M6. It could be a BMW M6 1 and 2. Certainly looks that way if uh, Mikkel Jensen can stay out there and uh, complete this run 
to the finish on those. And he's got six seconds advantage over Dirk Muller. Dirk has just been a tenth of a second down here or there, or they might match each other, but the important five-second margin that the walking horse car has looks as though that should stay through to the end. And the end is coming very soon indeed, into the final ten minutes. It looks like it's going to be a glory day for BMW. And things can happen at any moment. And just as I was about to say, we could have incidents. We've had an incident. A Porsche Cayman number 263 limping home, right rear tyre, flailing away. That's the SP4T class. The only car in the class, isn't it? Only car in the class. So must get to the finish to win the class. Limping on the right-hand side of the circuit. And suddenly that final flick of corners that get up around Tiergarten. It seems quite a long way. But it seems a lot further when you're arriving at about 30 kilometres an hour with your tyre still on the on the wheel rim, but only by about 10%. Luckily, we haven't got a lead gaggle of cars bursting through. That has one more corner to make, and then it can be out of the way. The race leading car is already going out of the Mercedes arena. Advantage down to 16.8 seconds. Doesn't matter. It's lost a second. So half a second, actually. So what? That's very, very comfortable indeed. Eight minutes. He's got to be counting against the clock. His last lap was 8 minutes 14 but we have seven minutes left on the clock. He's fine. This is the final lap of the race. Dirk Muller able to do nothing, actually gained a tiny amount of time on both of the first two cars, but he's 21.8 seconds down on the race leading BMW. It's not happening for him. It's all about Rover racing. Bring it home, Nicky Katzberg. It'll be a Dutch celebration. His teammate, Steph Dusseldorp, fellow Dutchman, and uh, Rover racing have been running cars, but never higher than fifth in the championship this year in any of the, the races so far and this is going to knock all of those into the bin so it's going to be tight onto this last lap but i think uh, it will it will be the last lap but it's uh, just being how far around he was there but uh, nicky katzberg extraordinary job there you say no real need to be pushing it too much but he's not uh, equally uh, important not to just become complacent and fall into the trap of uh, driving that a bit slow and making a mistake and suddenly falling off w with a lap to go and it, we've seen that happen in various categories yeah. of motorsport over the years that you uh, uh, you think it's all done you think it's all tied up and you just I'll just I'll just back off and you say it's what we're saying about the drivers aren't taught to do that and all of a sudden it's that but you're not used to that rhythm you need to stay in that rhythm and keep it going within a percentage of that time otherwise all of a sudden there's a wheel on the grass and all of a sudden oh 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 and it's suddenly stationary and a cloud of dust and you're thinking what happened there? Yeah, I was going and, and, the and they're on the radio going, everything okay? And you're going, yeah, car's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's location not so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, this <laughs> is definitely the last lap, and I'll tell you for why, because it was uh, as the race leading BMW was leading the Mercedes arena, effectively out of turn four, it said seven minutes left on the clock. He has a 16-second advantage. So with that to, as a buffer to back off, it's definitely the last lap of the race. Just looking for other cameo roles. Who is closed? Liberati's been passed by Winkelhock. So the KCMG Porsches are now fourth and sixth, not fourth and fifth anymore. The number 20 Audi just going now down towards Hatzenbach, having made that move at the end of the previous lap. Gap between them was very small, but it's, it's going out. So Winkelhock supercharged, uh, making a charge. He's going to go no higher than fifth. But since Audi have not really been in the hunt this weekend, in fact, this year it's been a bit of a mixed bag for them in the NLS. As the track conditions have improved, Winklehock has really, really risen to the task. So at least they get a top five points. That's that's handy. They're not going to catch Dennis Olsen for fourth. 
Is Dennis Olsen going to catch Dirk Muller? No. Had a worse lap last time around and actually lost ground. It was going to be a big ass. We thought he might just about squeak it, but his lap pace suddenly really fell away. Which begs the question, can the star of pole position qualifying and the opening start of the, start of the race, Fabian Schiller, can he steal Dennis Olsen's fastest lap off him in the last, last lap of the race? He got to within a second of it last lap. It's a possibility. It depends on traffic, but it's uh, an 808 dead for Olsen set as you say very early on in that KCMG Porsche and he's he's close he's close 809.1 so it's only 1.1 second off uh, if anybody can do it Fabian Schiller can it I think it really depends on traffic on this last lap and whether he needs to or not but it's just that little almost a little bit of bragging right just, just that very last lap of the race just go and bang it in and just go fastest man on the Nürburgring today fastest person on the Nürburgring today I think I'll have a cold beer. Thank you. After the race. And Lando Norris will say, who do you think you are? Lando <laughs> Norris. His ability on the final lap so far. Well, no, he'd be too busy unscrewing McLaren with them, wouldn't he? Taking it all apart and <laughs> working with the team. He, he yeah. helps the team. They then yeah. take it apart, rebuild it so he can drive it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nope, good to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Fabian Schiller pressing on through the compression at the end of the Dossinger. He's still, he's still leading the AM class. He's still comfortably clear of Jules Simkoviak. His next target is the Pro-Am race leading car, class leading car. That's ninth overall, but that's sensibly up the track. What was the lap time from Fabian Schiller? He followed an eight minute nine with an eight minute 10.5. So way quicker than those ahead. He's not gonna claw up enough margin out of this final lap. He needs to gain 22 seconds to catch Kolb. No, the Pro-Am class winner will stay ahead of the the AM class winner, which is how it should be. Second in the AM class is still Jules Simkoviak in the, the multi-shades of blue Ferrari, but that only now is going into the final chicane to go on to its final lap. So rather like the last round, we were watching a Ferrari right at the end. That one was leading by, was it a second or so at the end? It was, it was very, very close. Maybe it was three and a half seconds in the end. I can't remember what it was. Something like that. Yeah, by the time of the end of it. So I think it went on to the last lap, 1.4 seconds yeah. behind and came out three and a half. So it was a stunning last lap. But uh, it's not the same Ferrari uh, this time round and uh, certainly not for the lead of the race, which is going to say very much um, very much BMW's day so far. We are on the last lap, but it looks at the moment, all things being equal, the, 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 the BMW M6 is the car to have had today. Rover Racing from Vulcanhorst Motorsport. Vulcanhorst. I've just you said was it first second first second third first, first. first not no second seconds, not but yes yeah yeah it's uh quite a performance for them added this season so far just four rounds in uh, hard to think that uh, as we started so late because of global pandemic and we're, we're we're nearly halfway through the season already yes we're sort of where we should be <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah kind of caught up already so one minute, 20 seconds remaining and all is good and fair for Rover Racing. It's going to be in BMW 1-2. 16.8 seconds to the good at the start of this, the final lap. The 27th lap can back it off, doesn't have to push. The main thing was making sure there wasn't a further lap, but had there been a further lap, according to you know when they get to the end of the four hours, it would have suited him better than the chasing cars. His tyres three laps fresher. And, uh, but doesn't need. He had that advantage. The team worked really hard, kept consistent, but it was it was consistent pace. Sorry, just uh, pause for a second. Also, a car was uh, striking sparks. It came up the start, finish straight. It might actually just be sunlight bouncing onto a very bright wing, which so it is. There's a very bright, bright splitter on one of the BMWs in the Cup class. 
But again, these wonderful shots, that fabulous long straight, which gives always when you see battles for position coming down the Dossinger Hoa towards you, using cars from other class for strip, slip streaming purposes. You see what you need to see, and it's just so exciting seeing how good a slipstream a car can get and whether they get to use it when they get to Tiergarten. A car that won't need to use it, doesn't have one in front of him, he's passed a couple of other cars. It's the race leader, it's Nicky Katzberg. Steph Dusseldorf, fellow Dutchman, will be in the pit lane looking, mask on, of course, to see what's happening. And it's his car coming through, two stints apiece, four hours of racing, completed right now. Four hour mark has just passed as the winning car comes into the final sweep of corners. The chicane onto the start, finish straight, and the advantage was 16.8 seconds at the start of the lap. That doesn't matter. It's the fact he was in front at the start of the final lap and in front at the end. So for Rover Racing, suddenly their season has come on very nicely indeed. Thank you. And the lap, the final lap, as I said, back off, take it easy, just bangs in an 8 minute 9.1 second lap. Fastest car for that. Uh, fastest lap for that car in the race. Second place only now being completed. It's another BMW. It is Mikkel Jensen, the Dane, who's had such a success this year. Coming home, eventual margin, 21.8 seconds. Matters not. It's first and it's second. In third place, KCMG. Best result by a country mile. The best result before today was an eighth. That's a third for Dirk Muller. Sorry, they're in fourth place. It's third place for Dirk Muller in sorry the HRT Mercedes. Don't look down your notes quickly. 18. Dennis Olsen will follow home eventually in fourth place he was closing but really the closing stage of the race was about how rover racing all they could do was throw it or blow it or win it win it was the better option they worked very hard for that win and that was the one they chose they they did chose choose that one 2.45 seconds was the gap second to third that's what i was looking at when i tripped myself up the hrt mercedes led the race but really it was a battle all race long with the walking horse number 34 bmw they chose to pit early, very, very early at the end of that first stint, and their race was according to that thereafter by not flinching. Rover Racing pulled off a fine win today, 21.8 seconds. Just waiting to see. Oh, very close indeed. Liberati fought right back onto the tail of Winklehock, 0.8 a second. Oh, no, that was the time last time around, waiting for them to come through this time, and yeah, Liberati would have fallen further away from Winklehock. Winklehock takes fifth. Liberati, oh, 6.6 .6 seconds down in the second of the KCMG Porsches. And uh, just uh, while you're on your toes waiting for the cars to come through to complete the top order, um, if you fancy free practice action from the IMSA WeatherTech event at Road America, what a circuit. That's live now on RS2. If you haven't had enough motorsporting action with us on RS1, four hours on the LLS here in uh, a great day for BMW. Flick over and hear what's happening stateside. There, there is no such thing as not enough motorsport. It's not possible. No, I've had, I've had the, yeah. I've yeah. had the electric yeah. treatment. I'm fine yeah. now. Yeah. So, just to reiterate, BMW taking a 1-2, but it was Rover Racing with the bragging rights, which will please them enormously, not just because it's a win, but because Walken Horse Motorsport's been had, having the BMW bragging rights on the Nordschleife until this point in the season. So, four races down. It's two wins for BMW and two for Mercedes. Will Porsche get a go on the top step sometime soon well the best of their finishers was in fourth place today audi their best finisher today was in fifth so two manufacturers desperately keen to try and take a tilt at overall honors it'll have to wait for another day but it was about mastering the weather conditions today and uh, reading the race right two teams took a gamble they ended up second and third but by not flinching staying true 
to what they'd reckoned before the start of the race. Victory going to Rover Racing and uh, a really good job. And they'll, they'll take particular pride in that. They uh, kept their focus. Then again, you can imagine the two teams that ended second and third will be going, ah, if it only had been a bit more wet or something, whatever it was they saw caused them to jump early. And it didn't work. Their cars were quick, but they'd hampered themselves. In the closing laps of the race, they were seconds away from the pace of the winning car. That told the story. The Rover Racing BMW had all the sweetness in its tyres that their rivals had lost some three laps earlier. So the job was done. SP7, well, almost all race. It was the story of number 62 wins that class, the H&R Spezial Faden entry. Great job. Second car in class, some distance further back, number 79. So we had sort of, trying to see, we lost one of the other front runners in that class. 79 came through to take second in class. That's Milan Kodicek, uh, Bob Vilvert and Marco van Ramhorst. Again, another one of those cosmopolitan teams, but uh, the car that had been featuring early on was uh, for Huber Motorsport, but they, the number 80 car must have tumbled down the order. But the All-American team of CP Racing taking third in that class yep, as well. They, they ran third for a lot, yep. lot of the race. We've still got positions changing or trying to change on the, on the run to the flag. I always forget, you're minutes after the chequered flag has fallen on the race winner, you could have potential changes for position. And um, SP10 went to Yannick Fubrick, car number one. One on the door because it's been a ch he's been a champion before with uh, Griesner. SP8T to Sturzberg in the 155. That's the... Um, Black Falcon Team Techstar Mercedes GT4 car, winning SP8T. Second car in that class, some distance further back, the young BMW crew from Walken Horse Motorsport. So that's Dan Harper, Neil Verhagen, Max Hess. So again, you know, busy days. And for a lot of these teams, like Black Falcon in previous years, they have to look up and down the order to find all of their runners if they run them in uh, the junior classes as well. So many classes at the NLS and... Um, Again, so many chances for people to take class victories and, and maybe earn the attention, get them, get them moving up the order to more senior classes in the years ahead. The ninth, the Cup X class for the KTM Crossbows, that went to 9.30 with uh, your Griezmann bringing it through to the finish of the race. Sorry, Reinhard Koffler taking it over to the finish of the race. But that Teichmann Racing entry was the class of the field. A little bit tatty, we noticed early on. There'd been a bit of front-end damage but uh, clearly not enough to slow it. And further down, Cup 3. Hadn't talked too much about that today, but we had lots of footage from on board the number 917. That's uh, the Schmickler performance by Ravenel car with even Yakoma, Swiss racer, bringing that to the finish. Well clear in class. But the car's parking beneath the podium. Two of them have the Bavarian blue and white spinner on the nose. That's the BMW. So the race-winning Rover Racing M6, Mikkel Jensen bringing home the walking horse car in second today and the car tucked in behind them is the number six, the black Mercedes from Team HRT with Auto Arena. Started by Patrick Assenheimer. Almost all of it got to the finish because early on a driver's mirror pinged off the side of the car. A clash that costed a wing mirror could have costed a whole lot more. Could have been a spin as a, a backmarker decided to take the rear entry to the pit lane, cut across his bow when he was right in the battle with David Pittard. Luckily, lost a second and a wing mirror, but it could have been way worse than that. But a good clean race today, but one with a real twist, Peter, with the way the tactics played out. Well, it, it never fails to deliver, does it? I mean, we've, seen we've seen four rounds now, all totally, totally different. And obviously, this one's the first one that started uh, with wet conditions. Well, certainly very wet qualifying and a damp start to the race. Uh, but it's, uh, as you said, 
there's so many variables at the Nurburgring, so many things in, the, in this NLS, so much variety of car, driver, pro-amp, lineup, speed, pace, etc. And then we throw in the weather, never mind the circuit and catching through back markers and traffic. And you'd have thought if ever there was an opportunity to throw something a little bit different in, try a different strategy, you thought now was the day to do it. So you can see the reasoning. But those that didn't, Rover Motorsport, they were the ones that brought it to the top, as you said. On the hour, every hour, one, two and three. Metronomic on the track, in the pits. It just And they just delivered. They just went and did it by 20, 22 seconds at the end. Yeah, well, that was Katzberg going, yep. I'm not just in front, I'm very quick, you know. Yep. And I've got fresher tyres and banging in that car's fastest lap of the race on the final lap. But, you know, can you imagine the consternation up and down the pit lane when Walkenhorst and HRT pitted after four laps? The rest have been going, what have they seen? What do they know? Exactly. What do they know that we do not know? These are not, these aren't just any teams. These are two teams that always are at the front end of the series. Exactly. And that's the point. It's not just any old team, and nor is it just one team. One, you might think, oh, okay, maybe they're trying something a bit risky. You could almost put that to one side. Two of them, you've got to be very confident in what you're doing if you're sitting there going, why are they doing that? Here's one thing I just want to throw in. At the time they pitted, David Pittard for Walken Horse Motorsport was fighting with the Rover Racing BMW. He was fourth on the track. Assenheimer was sixth or seventh. I also, I think surely Assenheimer has enough experience not to go, oh, my chief rival has just pitted. I'm going as well because it's very early in the race. He can't have done that. There must have been signal from the pit saying, we think. That person who said we think is now on a rack in the paddock. <laughs> you thought? We told yes. you not to do that. We but told you not to think. You're not paid to think. But, you know, in a series as competitive as this, there was the potential for changing conditions. There is an element of gambling. And the gamble today clearly didn't come their way. Here we are finishing in glorious summer sunshine. And uh, by staying true to their original suggested pattern, Rover Racing did a great job. Looking at the others who pitted at the same time, Effectively, after seven laps, the next close to their rivals was the number 18 KCMG car, which is 23, 50 seconds down. So doing a like for like, that is a really, really great run from the Rover Racing crew. We've got, got uh, one of the Porsches coming in with a, a is it, it looks like it's got a little bit of bodywork. Well, uh, so he's got a smoke. puncture, left rear puncture. puncture. Exactly. And that's one of the regular front running Caymans. Walking Horse Motorsport running down to to greet, oh, it looks like it's David Pittard running down to greet Mikko Jensen, oh no it wasn't David, it was, it was um, Christian Kroniers going there for a photograph in front of the second place car, they've had a lot of success this year, four races four podiums and certainly for NLS honours they have to be a good bet but it's not, in series as competitive as this, it's, it's not just finishing well, it's finishing you drop a score in an eight race championship you get, come home with a zero but they're going for the overall top step of the podium. Didn't get it today, but uh, certainly Walken Horse enjoying their racing enormously. And let's hope all results stand. So far of the three races, we've had uh, two late race outcome changes. Hopefully by now all the teams have got the hang, hang of it all in terms of the regulations. But uh, the fact is, and I have to keep reminding myself, we are racing. Many championships are only now kicking off. We've had four four-hour races, and I really think it's a huge tribute uh, to the NLS. The drivers love it. We love it. And it's also, I think in so many ways, putting, showing racing around the world on this, the most organic of circuits. It's sort of something for the purist again, isn't it? It's, we're not just racing. We're not just racing anywhere. We're racing here.
hundred percent. And as as we said a little bit earlier in, in the show, didn't we? So I think just almost sort of pre-race in our in our build-up that uh, race one, round one, we said it's a bit of a template. It's the first sort of I, th- I think your phrase was full metal racing. Mm. First time in the world, probably. I think the uh, Australian supercars were earlier that morning. No, there'd been but, a, a there'd uh, been a Creventic race in, in yeah. Portugal. I think two weeks before. Okay. But that was the forerunner. But this was the first real main. F- front-running championship coming but out as you play. said it's not just a race for 20 30 cars it's a race for 140 150 cars and just think about that as you say and it's a four-hour race as well so everything's on a bigger bigger scale it's all you know it's all, all going up a size uh, 150 cars 24 kilometer lap circuit everything you've got to do all they mind all the social distancing and hats off to, to nls and you, yeah you get you get to get to the end of that all Today's four-hour race, Nicky Katzberg and Steph Dusseldorp winning for BMW for the Rover Racing BMW crew. 22 seconds as near as nothing ahead of another BMW. So great days for the Mark from Bavaria. Christian Kronjes, David Pittard and Mikkel Jensen second overall for the Walken Horse Motorsport crew. Great year for them so far. Then the new team, Hout Racing team, Patrick Assenheimer, Dominic Bauman and Dirk Muller third in their Mercedes. They were just two and a bit seconds down uh, from the Walken Horse BMW. Then uh, the best of the Porsches, best results so far this season for KCMG. They took a fourth and a sixth. Their 18 car, both of them were driven by Dennis Olsen. He was uh, definitely the Porsche star today. And in between, Marcus Winkelhock uh, doing, I think, about three stints in two different cars, coming home in fifth place overall. SP9 Pro Am, only one runner in that class today. Marco Holzer, Lorenzo Di. Rocco Di Torre Padula and Patrick Kolb. And then the AM class, one position further back down on the track, only a handful of seconds behind, seven seconds down. Brilliant final stint from the driver who led from pole position in the opening stint of the race. Fabian Schiller sharing with John Schoffner and Janine Hill to win the SP9 AM class. So many stories to tell today. It was about getting the weather right. It was only slightly changeable, but it put seed of doubt into the mind of two teams. They took their turns leading the race, but they ended up second and third today. And uh, the plaudits go to the team that stayed rock solid. That was Rover Racing. And that's been a big step up for them this season. This season hasn't gone their way, but it certainly has today. And they will be enjoying the sunshine here. Summer's afternoon, it got increasingly hot at the Nürburgring around the Nordschleife. And uh, again, four different races, four totally different race stories across the NLS this season. And expect next time we come out racing, which is at the end of august the 29th of august we'll have another twist in the tale we'll probably have some more runners coming to join us ahead of the nurburgring 24 hours because track time at the, the nordschleife is worth its weight in gold but racing track time in a multi-class race is also something that really really you need to have under your belt ahead of the 24 hours and um, when is the 24 hours september it right. is indeed. It's, in I will, it's going to be run behind closed doors, and I'll tell you the date. I wish you hadn't asked that when I just closed that screen, but um, <laughs> that's how it works, isn't it? Should have all the dates. I'd like to have said that I was. I've done that deliberately, but I didn't actually. No, so no, my no, apolo- no. My apologies. Sorry. I would do it just to you a, just, for a, just for a laugh. I know you would. I know you would. It's, that's <laughs> of course, a diff- I wouldn't. That's the difference like that. between us. Yes. <laughs> but uh, looking further down the order, but, you know, for, for, for KCMG, I think that was quite a useful race. Best result so far, uh, an eighth. Uh, they come home with a fourth and a sixth, and one of the cars had a little spin, otherwise it would have been a fourth and a fifth. And that would have to be seen as a, a very good return um, to their input, their progress. Uh, absolutely. We said great progress, and it said, apart from that little spin from uh, Josh Burden earlier on, that, that, okay, that's one of those things that happens, but uh, a, a great result. And also, they've got to take some, 
some solace and some great deal of satisfaction. It's the pace of that car in the damp at the beginning was phenomenal. Uh, it was, I, 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 as we said, it was monstering the curbs. And that was, I just wasn't expecting that to be the case, Dennis Olsen. It was it, it just like it was on a, on a dry qualifying lap, and it wasn't. It was damp. It's thinking, this shouldn't be able to do this. And it wasn't unsettling the car. It just looked absolutely rock solid in the damp all over the curbs. Which, and he which was did con- surprise me. Do it consistently. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like there was just a handful of places where he could attack. And he was yeah. able to attack corners in a way that certainly Fabian Schiller couldn't. Because we'd see him coming from four or five car lengths back to yeah. one car length off the tail frequently and that wasn't with the slipstream that was around the twisty bits he was really really attacking it was almost as if having to back out of it to have another go wasn't it it was almost a piece of elastic i'm gonna it wasn't that consistently right i can shoot by as you said quite rightly earlier on that uh, on the on the gp loop nice and wide plenty of place to overtake next on the circuit on the north side but not so much right just also looking further down the order let's just talk through we've talked about the am class being one by the Get Speed Performance Mercedes, second place in cars going to the Racing One Ferrari. Jules Kovac, the guest driver this weekend, doing a very good job. Third place, Heimrich, Klaassen and Adams. That's car number 50, another of the Audis. And uh, Cup 3, the Porsche Cayman, number 917. Typical Porsche number there. Even Jacoba bringing that home, sharing with Rima. And they won that class quite ha- ha- handsomely. Indeed, SP3T, that's where you get to the world of VW Golfs. Number 10, one of two cars from Max Cruz Racing, and that was Andreas Gordon, Yasmin Preisig, and Benjamin Leuchter, who drove, again, like a lot of the drivers, two cars. The SP6 class, 32nd overall, another class winner, that's the Porsche Cayman, Vava and Schmickler. Cup 5, the M240i Racing Cup class. It was a turn this weekend of Eichenberg and Oberheim in 35th position overall with a good enough advantage over the next car in class, which was Malini Zetsas Griesner et Co. 146 starters, I'll just double check. 146 cars starting this race, and anyone who gets in the top 50 of this has done a really good job. The TCR AM class, by the way, just having a look down. Oh, it's just gone off my screen. I have to scroll to another screen to see that. But just looking for other class winners V23, Porsche 718 Cayman, that's Weber and Fehlenbach. Taking victory in that, the V5 car, another Porsche Cayman class, Fischer, Zils and Sandberg. VT2, BMW 330i's, Stahlschmidt and Rink. Of course, we looked at the 330i's. It was a very standard one driving around with a couple of fairly well-known drivers on board with uh, Andrea Caldarelli and Giacomo Altoe, just getting some experience of the Nürburgring for later in the year. Renault Clio took victory in the H2 class. That's Epp, Holthaus and Bora, 61st position overall. H4, BMW M3 GTR, great car. Driver doing it all on his own. Hot day, Clay Schluter uh, having a run to victory in his class. So a lot of these drivers now coming about five laps down. The race-winning car does 27 laps. They do 22 shows the speed performance well the speed and the performance the handling around the various parts of the circuit the gt3 cars that run in the sp9 class at the top of this field are in another world it's very very exciting as you see them coming up the order and doing their overtaking but the drivers at the front peter their ability to overtake and and guess to an extent you can predict but you're still guessing a little bit which way the slower cars are going to go because if you're in a you know, sake of an example, a GT3 class BMW M6, and you come across an Opel Astra Cup class car, Renault Clio, a 325i standard road-going car. Different, different planet. Less haste, more speed. Yes, as they say. But as you as you say, you you can guess, and all the experience in the world, 
can't allow or won't allow for what the car in front may or may not do. And it depends on their experience. And a lot of the time, you've got to hope that they just stick to the rules and say as you wait. The faster cars, or the drivers of faster cars, you'll hear them always say to, to cars that are in a different class and therefore slower, you just stay where you are and I'll get round you. Uh, and that that is absolutely what they need. Because stay where you are, don't start second guessing, don't try and jump out of the way. We saw, you commented earlier, the, the great use of indicators. That just tells the person behind, I've seen you, and yes, I'll do what I can to keep out your way. But more to the point, you know that driver's seen you, so they're aware of what's going on around that periphery vision. What you don't want is somebody behind going, oh, oh, look, hang on, there's a really quick car coming through. I'll jump out the way because you're already committed, or they've already committed, and it's, oh, you don't want that, and all of a sudden, it's not what you want it to be, not quite the result you want. Yes, at certain points in the faster car, you cannot change the, d the dynamics of physics. No. Once you've committed your car, you're fully loaded on a corner, you need to have a fairly good idea that you're not going to have to change your position. But it was uh, all about BMW at the front of the race today, but two different BMWs, but at the end of it all, it was Rover Racing that uh, took, the, took the plaudits. But that wasn't looking like a, a likely thing early in the race. Two teams jumped one way. They came away with podium results in second and third, but for the Walken Horse Motorsport BMW crew and the Team HRT Mercedes crew, well, they rolled the dice. It didn't work for them today. They'll be back to fight another time. It was uh, Rover Racing that enjoyed it very, very much indeed. But as with all of these races, four hours ago was the start of the race. It seems a very long time ago. We just finished in glorious sunshine here on the Nordschleife, but we started with, uh, after a very, very wet qualifying, we had a damp track and then a little bit of rain when the drivers were on the formation lap. But uh, it does seem a very long time ago that uh, Fabian Schiller got away from pole position and was chased down by Dennis Olsen. But it was uh, made for great viewing, but it does seem as though it was a different race from a different time. We have to do it all over again on the uh, 29th of August. Four weeks away. Four weeks away. The teams will be scratching their heads, particularly Walken Horse Motorsport, working out what they got wrong and likewise HRT. But they could have been... One cloud moving a kilometre to one side away from it working. But, but absolute hats off to, to the personnel at Rover Motorsport that sat there and just went, no, we're going to remain steadfast. We're going to stick to the plan. Uh, and as you said, not, when, not just when one team, but two and two leading teams that know their onions decided to do something different. Uh, you've got to be very, very, you've got to have a lot of courage and convictions to stick with that and say, hmm, let's stick with it. Let's just stick with it. As you say, on the hour, every hour, metronomic, it might not. And, and I'm sure at the time people will be going, yeah, but they're doing this and, and they're doing this and they know what they're doing. And it's like, no, we're sticking to it. But it was at a point in the race where we weren't having massively changing conditions. No. It was drying no. out. So it must have been something they thought they saw coming in. Plus, thing, something else that might have played into their hands as well. They're only a two-car, only two-driver lineup, So they knew what they got. They had to got less variables in terms of drivers and they knew which driver was going to be in the most. So they knew, what that pay, they knew that pace of that car could be consistent for so much longer in the race because they knew who it was. He's only going to be in it all the time, wasn't so he? So much to think about, isn't <laughs> yes. there? But actually, ironically, this is one of the least weather-affected NLS races I've seen. I've seen every, every form of uh, weather conditions over the past three, three, four years in this series. We're more used to sudden showers, and that's where you do the do we, don't we. But there wasn't really a sudden shower. There was a light shower before the start, but when they pitted after four laps, hmm. I could see nothing. What I could see was the fact that the sides of the track were drying out. Even as you look down that long view down the dotting hurt, we started with wet patches at the side of the circuit. Well, Rover Motorsport clearly could see, very clearly. 
They, they, they stuck to it, stuck to their guns, stayed where they were, and it got them the top result, say, by some, uh, was it 22 seconds at the end? Uh, yeah, but still, after only after four hours, it's still only 22 seconds. I know. It, it is incredibly extraordinary how things can change. And, and, you know, you always need to look back over the, over, the, over the races, over the course of the race. We almost have to rewind and watch the race again because so much happens early on. But uh, right at the start, it, it was a, a Mercedes leading away from pole position. That wasn't the one that went on to win the race. It did end up winning the AM class but fell to 10th place overall. But again, it shows the mix of cars that you have at the very front end of the field, fighting for different honours. And Fabian Schiller, in his own right, in any, any pro lineup, could have been tilting for overall victory. But obviously, competing in an AM lineup, he necessarily his car was going to drop down the but order. But they won their class. They won their class, indeed. They, they, yep. they won it with uh, 37 seconds in hand. But it did take a recovery drive from Fabian to make sure it stayed there, build on the work of Janine Hill and John Schoffner. But he did what was required of him. But he also did that thing that professional drivers like to do, just said, in any car, I would have yeah. been a contender. Yeah. And there's no debating that. Brilliant, brilliant qualifying in the wet. 5.445 seconds to the good. But a lot of the spread at the top of the grid was enormous today. It was, it was about 20 seconds for the top 10 because clearly it was just so horrendous out on the circuit. And, and, and still, it never fails to deliver this series, does it? No, the, that, it's, a, it's a bit like, um, if you're a British listener, a Giles cartoon, if you're an international, a very concentrated cartoon with many things that you see differently each yeah. time you look at yeah. it. And that, that is how these races go. But the fact is, we've had um, fantastic days racing. Very few bent cars. I noticed the lap. We obviously saw the Lamborghini coming in with a, a battered tail. That didn't go on. Uh, Michele De Martino. But the Conrad car, yeah. The Conrad car. But for everyone else up the front, we saw a wing mirror get pinged off the side of the number six Mercedes. It ended up in third place overall. The car, not the wing mirror. Okay, the car, not the wing mirror, yes. I wonder where the wing mirror is, though. I wonder if Marshall's got a little uh, uh, souvenir or he's going to take it back to the team. Well, who knows at this point. But it, it was a grey day on a greasy, wet track. Cars using their wind. Windscreen wipers at the start of the race. And uh, down to the first corner, we thought, ooh, cold tyres, cold brakes. This could be uh, potentially difficult. And Fabian Schiller ran a little bit wide, but he had a two or three length advantage, so he was able to do that. But it uh, got away and then immediately started being chased by Dennis Olsen in the better place to the KCMG Porsches that suggested it could be the, the team from the Far East. It could be their day today. Twitchy in behind, the battle for third place between the two BMWs. David Pittard, as is his want, found his way past because he's the king of the early lap overtakers. Went into third place, was it almost immediately replaced within the next half lap by the Rover racing car in the hands of Nicky Katzberg. And then it was just the most fantastic battle out the front because Dennis Olsen not once but twice got ahead of the uh, Schiller Mercedes. And out of the pit stops, it was an advantage for the Mercedes. The Rover Racing BMW having gained ground, then a super tight moment at the chicane, the Vidal chicane on the Grand Prix loop, giving a concern at various points. Unfortunately, Josh Burden spun, undid the good work of Dennis Olsen. He spun that 19 Porsche that had been running in second place. But we had the 34 Walkenhorst BMW and the number six Mercedes in their own race. They'd pitted very early uh, for fresh rubber, but a back marker came across, decided to try and enter the pit lane through the back entrance, clattered into the side of the number six Mercedes. It was able to continue minus one 
wing mirror and the battling between those two cars went on for the duration of the race from the track being greasy and wet to the track drying to the sun coming out but the fact is they had pitted very early they required the other teams to try and follow their lead they didn't and they were fighting their way thereafter to try and make up ground but they knew they'd be on t older tires at the end of the race and the, the rival team rover racing they didn't flinch they stayed true to their pre-race planned pattern they didn't pit early they pitted exactly when they wanted that first pit stop and by the end of the race they were 22 seconds to the good nikki katzberg who did the lion's share of the work and steph dusseldorf two dust drivers really enjoying their day's action here in the nls so four races down photos taken beneath the podium and uh, it's been another great day of racing with plenty for the drivers to celebrate plenty for the rival teams to think about uh but right now that's it for us for peter snowden and me bruce jones we're back on the 29th of august for round number five enjoy your summer in between keep watching motor racing and don't forget you can listen on rs2 to what's happening at road america thank you good night bruce this program is a radio show limited production tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com